when I found you. I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner, your host for the show, and you are listening to episode 41. I have the Jawa! Joining me as always, an R5D4 focus collector and vintage and modern lose completers is Richard Hutchison. Good evening, Rich. Boom! It's Rich in the room. (laughs) Rich, I love you. Um, Rich, in Return of the Jedi, what were the Emperor's last intelligible words? Your faith in your friends is yours? Ooh. No, it was you will die. Next we have a Luke X-Wing pilot focus collector. The running stormtrooper, even in Jezebel. We are the spark that will light the fire. Hello, Stu. <laughs> I'm just surprised there's not the usual rainbow intro there. <laughs> well, you know, it is. I just you know, want to keep you on your toes. Okay, Jez. Hello. How many credits did Boosh ask Jabba for? Uh, 35,000? No, I think that's what they settled for. 50,000, mate. 50,000. 50,000 settled for 35. Also here is the man with an ESB gimcrack and a ray focus. It's Peter Davis. Good evening, Petey Weedy. And yeah, also, it wasn't 50,000 credits. It was Yato. Yato. That person there I haven't introduced yet, (laughs) and he might not be introduced. He might just be booted. Well, he's screwed everything up already. You're going to cut it all out, so that's fine. (laughs) Oh, I won't. (laughs) Pete, who interrupted Han and Leia's first kiss? Three Ewoks having a threesome incorrect probably it's 3po and finally the newest yet the oldest member of the team the tallest yet the most introverted a palatoy lover and other oddities he's into it's simon mccoing good evening si hello sweet cheeks you're right yes yes you're lucky to still be here si <laughs> who was charged with overseeing the construction of the second death star some imperial geezer wasn't it no one knows it. Rich, well, you must know that one. Morph Joe Gerard. And then, Thank you, uh, Jets. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Okay, all right. I just thought simple. See, I'm a, I, I watched the film. All right, all those questions were taken from the Trivial Pursuit Classic Trilogy Edition. All taken from the history category. And I was going to give whoever got it right a gold wedge. A gold what? A gold wedge to go in your little <laughs> Trivial Pursuit thing. But okay. absolutely pathetic. Oh, you know what? Grant will be turning in his mountain. I got my question <laughs> right. And then I got the other question right. Well, you said right? 35,000. It was 50,000. Then 50, I corrected 000. myself before you even had the chance. I said, no, that's what they sold for. I it think if 50, you listened 000. to it back, I'd already said 50,000. You interrupted me because you're just rude. Do you know what, Jez? <laughs> Go on. I'm going to give you your wedge, okay? Oh, well done. Yeah. What, Cause, cause, cause he moaned. Well, no, he did know it. And also he got someone else's answer right. It's better than anyone else. He's trying, but I can guarantee you he will come last. Stu, I've seen this raw strength once before. Right, so we're recording this show a little after 10 days since the release of the last one, and only a fortnight or so 
those since um, we actually recorded it. So we have in that time had an official trailer released. Now, Richard, you have opted out from watching it. I don't want to go into any depth on it. There'll be no spoilers here whatsoever. Just want to get your initial reaction to what you all saw. So, Yeah, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. Okay. Jez, you did put on our Facebook page asking listeners should Rich watch it. What was the general consensus? It, I would say it was like two thirds go for it. Maybe, maybe four fifths go for it, Rich. You've got nothing to lose. It's brilliant. There were a couple of people who were concerned that it was riddled with spoilers. And mm. it be a spoiler. I don't, you know, I don't know. Majority of people were saying, Rich, you need to go and watch it, mate. You really, really do. Rich, can I ask what your real reasons are for not watching it? Are you not really a Star Wars fan? I just want to go into the cinema fresh. This is not going to go the way you think. <laughs> you don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good job. Yeah, I think that's a very good job. Come on. Now, come on, Rich. Come on, Rich. You could still do it now if you haven't watched it. Rich. 40 hours later. Fulfill your destiny. I will, on December the 16th or 17th or whatever day I get a ticket. You're going late, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing the midnight. I'm not doing the midnight special this year. What? The, all the Friday, Saturday, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Why don't you just wait till it comes out on Blu-ray, Rich? Uh, nah. VHS is not. Yeah, it's sort of beat, man. Are you sure you like Star Wars, Rich? I'm not convinced. Come on, you're talking about somebody who's got like every comic that's been released, every piece of literature that's been released. Yeah, you can't. I read. don't even know. I don't even know where you're coming from. Kill it if you have to. Just just go and kill it, mate. Just just go and watch it. Let it in. Let's do it now. Go on. Let's make Lovely. this a unified team event. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be, Rich. Seriously, you need to watch it. Sith. No, we've had this last month. That was Jason Smith's cosplay, Biff. <laughs> what I don't understand about not watching the trailer is that, that you've seen you've seen everyone who's in the trailer and everything that's in the trailer in either toys. Or toys. <laughs> it's all that. It's all out there. You've seen it, so there's nothing to be spoiled. There's not even a story in the trailer. He doesn't know that R five D four's back, and he's got a decent motivator. Oh, no, see, now you spoil it for him. And he flies, which annoyed me. Yeah, but he, he, you know, I mean, that figure that was released had a rocket in the back of him. I mean, at least this one, he's only got Jedi powers this time. Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, it's obviously given a nod to the Power of the Force toys, isn't it? That rocket thing. Exactly. exactly. So the but, fact that Yoda's, Yoda's flying across the universe naked on the back of, on the back of him, you know, that says it all, really. Rich, can you think of any part of any previous Star Wars trailer that has, in some way, spoilt final product? Darth Maul's double extended saber. How did would that, that, that have made a massive it? difference, though, really? Yeah, yes, it would have done, right? Because you, you were sitting in the cinema, up to that point, you've only ever seen single lightsabers. Imagine that that didn't appear in the trailer, Darth Maul comes out, he holds his saber, bang, there's a single saber, bang, this is, that would have just been far, far better in the cinema on a huge screen. You're taking probably one of the most biggest impacted trailers ever with Phantom Menace. It was amazing, amazing. How excited did you get when you saw that trailer and then the disappointment? I was never disappointed with The Phantom Menace. I'm still not. I came out of the movie The Phantom Menace thinking that was absolutely brilliant. What about The Force Awakens trailer, Rich? I didn't see it. I, I, you know, not remember Father's From? I walked out. I only saw the teaser. Father's From? Yeah, when Dave put it on the big screen. I thought you just had enough and you were going to bed. <laughs> but Rich, I mean, can't you see how excited we're all about it and how you know it's really got us fired up? I mean... Something inside me has always been there, but now it's awake. I just, I just want to get out there and I just want to get amongst it. And, and I absolutely love it. I need help. Jez, I think you would get excited about opening a packet of peanuts and not dropping one. You know, it's, 
I've got more for you than that. Rich, I'm so glad that you're here. I, I need someone to show me my place in all this. I'm just confused, mate. He's the yin to your yang, Jez. He is. Uh, I'm glad he's here. And, he brings and, balance to the force. You know, when I found you, Rich, you know, I, I was just so chuffed to bits, really. <laughs> me and you, mate, we're just going to burn that first order down. Do you really need us to bring Simon Hilliard back? Obviously, he's uh, that boy's not for turning, but Rich, I, I think you're missing out. Have you watched the Force Awakens trailer since the film? Yeah. And did you think there'd been anything in it that would have ruined the movie for you? Well, it would have been better not to see, you know, Kylo Ren, the Stormtroopers, you know, rather gorged straight in that movie and seeing it completely fresh. Yeah, but you, that, that's, that, that's all over product and everything. There's no way you're ever going to avoid images of people like Kylo Ren. Agreed. It was. It, it would have been next to impossible, if not impossible. But I've sent you a shot of the eleven figures that I bought for Last Jedi. I don't even think I've seen them. I don't even think I've looked at them. I know there's a Luke Jedi in there only because Grant put a picture in our Facebook thread. But other than that, I couldn't tell you what the other ten are. There's this funny penguin thing in with Chewbacca. Oh, sorry. Yes, you're right. Yes, I did see that one as well. <laughs> well, Rich, listen to the masses. Go and watch it now going to move on to our acquisitions obviously like i just said there isn't much time passed between us so this could be quite quick so let's just have a quick flip through here and see if anyone's bought anything um jez no mate just been spending my time just watching the trailer listening to the trailer just um loving the trailer pete it's all about the trailer i mean i spent you know spending time is spending money and i've been spending time on the trailer looking at all those lovely pictures of you know porgs and Praetorian Guards, which Richard's obviously bought but hasn't really bought. Sai? Yeah, a l- little bit. Let's see what we get. Oh, Bobby Bargain, Trilogo Vader. So that was nice. eBay. A absolutely stunning 45B IG-88, which I'm really pleased about. I, I think I, uh, 45B Palatoys are, they're going to have to be my focus. because I do need to cut back what I've got. And I think it's going to be 45Bs. Because they're just so clean and pretty. And then just this morning, in breaking news, went to my local car boot, which does happen on a Thursday, before anyone asks. And there was a lady there with a whole double stall. In fact, no, it was probably triple stall full of vintage Star Wars stuff. And I, I'm not yeah. talking, no, I'm not joking. No, I, we're not talking just broken TIE Fighters, because she had enough type broken TIE Fighters. Palatoy Land of the Jowers, two Two Atats, one in a box, Falcon in a Palatoy box, all sorts of stuff. Absolutely. Slave ones, ATSTs, mini rigs, about 50 loose figures, loads of stuff. She was an antique dealer primarily, and she had done a house clearance, and the old boy had died, and apparently he used to deal in the stuff. So this had all been turned out of from the loft. Sadly, it was most of it was fairly ropey. Uh, the the every usual part because i said start off by saying right gone out of interest how much for the whole lot and we went through it and every usual part that was missing was missing so the top guns from the atsts the the training arm and ball from the falcon the chin guns from the attack the black ramp from the slave one in fact jez the only unusual and always missing part that was there Rebel transport was on the, ramp. It was, mate. The yeah. bloody black hatch was there. But the rear deck guns, and in fact the whole rear deck, weren't. What gives? How much did she want for it, just out of interest? For that, she wanted 50 of your English pounds. That Everything was just 
too high and she starts off by saying 800 thou lot and it was like no that's just insane i totted it up and in my head it came to round about 250 to be honest plus the figures which were maybe another 100 150 so it was way out but nonetheless she was a lovely lady and we had a chat and i had off her a, a very nice amana man and i had a very dirty but very complete x-wing with battle damage and a what was the third thing that i had uh the ex- oh jabber on his dais with the neck restraint and the end piece and the bottom bowl and the only thing missing was his pipe and the top bowl which i've got about half a dozen of those little sealed baggies so he's complete so i had all three of those for um a very reasonable i thought 60 pounds so i was i was pleased so yeah yeah that's that was my latest star wars purchase just this morning i love the fact that you call jabber's throne thing a dais i think it is a dais isn't it i mean you know you see dais as more people salute and do all marching passes on and stuff like that i think yeah that's a great regal term for jabber's because he's got a palace he needs a dais yeah no that's ace (laughs) side side do you think she did a, a deal specifically for you no, well, no, I don't think uh, so. I, I I'm mean, just wondering if you're, if she's a true antique dealer or not. Oh. Do you have a long black coat on site? Because if you did, I could always imagine you people thinking you're like the Ant Hill mob all stacked up on each other's shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, you been buying anything? I have stew, but unfortunately, it hasn't arrived, and I've since found out that the the bit that I was looking forward to isn't in my next parcel, um, so I can't talk about that, and I'm probably not going to talk about it next month either. It may be at least a month or two after that thought arrives, because I have to wait until I build up a nice um, group with our friend in the state, and so, yes, I have, but I'm not going to talk about it until I get here, as per the rules. I thought you picked up a layer comb, or is that not? Again, that's in my parcel, that's not arrived yet. That should oh. be here any day now. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that, Rich. What about you, Stu? Do you know what I have picked up? Um, some Return of the Jedi tops cards in their little wax packets. That is it. Got all of them except the layer front. So the other seven, but that is all. Yeah, not a lot. But what I am going to do is, as you well know, I haven't got the loose run anymore. So I'm going to see over the next 12 months whether I can put together the loose run minus the last 17 for as cheap as possible, complete. So I want to get some guesses from each of you to see what you think I'm going to do it in. So we're going to go left to right across my screen. Pete, just, just out of interest, what would it... What do you reckon it would roughly cost to put the 79 together? And you, you're not going mint, though? I, I would like a certain standard. I don't want Rhee's eyes rubbed or anything or, you know, nose rubs. They'll have to be a certain standard. But Oh, I reckon a certain standard. I reckon you're going to be looking close to... I mean, I'm going to say mintish. Yeah. Let's say uh, 1,300. That's what it should be, yeah? I would say roughly because a loose run... Could be anything between, you know, with it last 17, which obviously gets preposterous because you're paying crazy prices for, you know, I saw someone trying to flog a R2 Sabah for $450 a day. No one touched it, but that's what people are expecting. So I would say for, for a, lo- a full loose run, reasonable condition with R17, anything between two and a half thousand, three thousand these days could go high, even higher. So I reckon you take out about just over a thousand plus, maybe a bit more for last 17. And then, so yeah, probably about one and a half thousand. Okay, I'm going to, um, so you've gone up, so you've had 1,300 to start with. I've gone 1,500. 1,500, yeah? Yeah, 1,500. Oh, do you know what? I've written it down in my book, Pete, and now I've had to change the three, and I hate mess. So I'm probably going to have to rewrite this later. Yes, yeah, so what I'm going to do is, I'm, I'll keep a rally tally. I'm going to shop hard for them and see how low I can get them. So 
Let's go with Cy. Cy, what do you reckon? Yeah, I was going to say 1,500. So, uh, yeah, call, call it 1,600 then. Uh, as, as Pete says, you, you're now looking about 3 to 3, 2, 3, 3 for a full set. So knock off the last 17, which are a good 1,500, 1,600 pounds. So, yeah, 1,600 quid, I reckon you could do it in. Okay. Rich? I'm going to go slightly lower. I'm going to say 1,250. Well done, Jez. Yeah, I'm going to say 1,350. There was a full set, including the last 17, going at the last five as front for two and a half. Take the whole lot for two and a half. You could have done that, sold the last 17, and I reckon you'd uh, easily come in. Yeah. That was two H's. No, well, obviously, like me more than you. Slightly awkward. <laughs> well, it sold for two H's. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, bargain. <laughs> <laughs> right, be interesting. So I'll, I'll keep a running tally of that, and we'll keep it updated to see who uh, who gets closest. But I am going to be very careful with my purchases on that. Right now, for the first time, Simon is going to be hosting this month's quiz. So good God, and let's see how this goes. Over to you, Simon. <laughs> Panther Tracks. Welcome everybody to Panther Tracks, your Star Wars musical quiz. The idea of the game is as follows. You will hear three short clips of popular music from across the decades. Each of those three clips will in some way be linked to a vintage Star Wars action figure. The links will range from tenuous right through to cryptic. Could be the song name the group name, or more usually, the clue will lie within the lyrics themselves. In the first two tracks, your lateral thinking's really going to be tested, but by the third track, it'll probably be spelt out. As such, if you buzz in during the first round, you get three points, the second track you get two points, and the third track is only worth one point. But watch out. Buzz and get it wrong, you've frozen out the round. The person who answers with the right answer can then go on and name the track and artist of each of the tracks heard for bonus points. Okay? Very simple rules. should add, there is one round in here that's not about a vintage Star Wars figure, but just a Star Wars character. That one will be worth double points, so keep your ears peeled and your brains on fire. Okay, let's start by assigning everybody some buzzer noises. Jez, you got your lovely little app there, haven't you? If you would like to find uh, yeah. this sound, that will be your buzzer. Pete, you would have to have this one. Yes. Naturally. Stu, this is for you, baby. Yep, yep. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. And Rich. That's a bit ironic because he never laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> I can't even fade that on me up. <laughs> it's called Yoda. Rich. Rich. Yep. I don't like you either. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. You ready for the first exciting round? Yep. Roger, roger. Easy one to start, guys, so come on. I, I'm expecting someone to get three points on this one. I'm going to be bitterly okay. disappointed otherwise. Oh. All right. Ears in, fingers at the ready. Trees 
Do I want to go for it? Do I want to go for it? I'm just going to go for it because no one do else... It, do it. Because it's, as the words Moonlight Shadow, I'm just going to say something as daft as Darth Vader. He's only gone and got it on the first track. Petey, with I'm impressed, mate. I'm impressed. Brilliant. Okay, that was kind of random. Okay, kind of random. Let, I will... I will I tell you what, let's go for the rest of the tracks first. You can have a little listen, see if you can name them, get your extra points, then I'll go back and explain how each one relates to Darth Vader. Okay, so, Pete, first track. Name that track. I can't remember. Is it about Bonnie Tyler, but I can't remember. No, no. Mike Oldfield. Exactly. <sighs> Moonlight Shadow by Mike Oldfield. Okay, no point there. Okay, track yeah, two. This Bonnie is... Tyler. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> He's got no idea what this has got to do with Darth Vader. It's just the only character you can think of. Track number two, Pete. Well, play again. I know this one. It's a bit of a slide guy, big. Yeah, Doctor in the Medic. Nice, easy one there for you. Yeah, yeah, Spirit in the Sky. Bye. Uh, thing would you get the Doctor of the Medics? Nice one. One bonus point there. Lovely. Okay. And the third... You didn't know the artist to that, or you didn't realise that he wasn't there. Final for a bonus point. Take you to five points for this first round. Here we go. Third and final track for Vader. (laughs) There we go. Okay, so you're going Beastie Boys, which is correct. Any idea of the track name? Oh, license to Thrill? No idea. No. That was Do It by the Beastie Boys. Okay, Pete, you scored four points for the first round. Let me just explain now. Moonlight Shadow by Mike Oldfield. The trees that whisper in the evening, carried away by a moonlight shadow. And then it goes on. Far away on the other side, he was shot six times by a man on the run. Hmm? What the hell does that have to do with Darth Vader? (laughs) Darth Vader. Think about it. Empire Strikes Back, Cloud City... Who's on the run? Han Solo's on the run. He shoots him oh as he walks in. You've got the Moonlight Shadow. He's being carried away. <laughs> Where is the Moonlight Shadow? Did, Where's the boys, did boys, boys. you write the clues to 3 2 1? Hey, wait wait boys, this was the easy one. This was the easy one. You've got, to get into the, you've got to get into the mindset of it. Second one, Spirit in the Sky, obviously. You know, the Force, all um, the rest of it. Nice and easy. And then, come on, the third one. 6.7 on the Richter scale. How tall was David Prowse when he starred as Darth Vader? Six foot seven. And it even gives it you right there. Like gravy to potatoes, loot to Darth Vader. All I can say is, oh my I went God. on the word shadow because Darth Vader wears black. And shadow. Well, I was going to say Carrie <laughs> Fisher, <laughs> Princess Leia. No, boys. Carried away. Now, just remember, it can be the artist. It can be the song title. It can be the lyrics in it. So just get thinking. you just got to think broadly and slightly, you know, left field. Here we go. <laughs> Round two. Oh, Based on the absolute stupidity on the last one, I'm going to go with Lobot. Because <laughs> he's always listening to a radio. I like it. Interesting. I like it. But completely and utterly wrong. Rich, you're frozen out. Everybody else, keep listening. I've took one for the team there, lads. Oh, Stu, go for it. Princess Leia. Explain. Queen, she's royalty to me. Interesting, but wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Jez, go for it. 
Luke Skywalker. Nope. Oh, all right then. <laughs> but turns out part for me. <laughs> hey, you can listen to all three songs now. I'm hey, not worried. Right. Go on, let's have it. That's the next one. You gotta have the next one. Okay. Track number two, round two. Oh. Okay, any ideas yet, Pete? You can go ahead for the third track. Just trying to think, you know, the whole queer and gun. I thought you already guessed. Yeah, I thought you would have guessed. That's why I was pressing. <laughs> no, mate. No, keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going. Okay, your third and final track. Here you go. Okay, Pete. Over one can over. Hey, we have a winner. I can't name that song. I have no idea. No, struggled to find that song, frankly. So I'm not really surprised. Right, it was okay. Queen of Radio Gaga. That's, that's got to be worth a point. You can have a point for Queen of Radio Gaga. What about number two? What? Why? Why is Queen no. Radio Gaga got to do with Obi Wan Kenobi? Okay, the lyrics. I'd sit alone and watch you like my only friend through teenage nights. Bit of a stretch. Didn't know him through the nights, but you know what I mean. He was a teenager. He had a friend. You know, Obi Wan and everything <laughs> I teenagers. everything I had to know, I heard it on my radio. It wasn't his radio, but it was his R2 unit. Ah. Gave him <laughs> all of those old-time stars <laughs> through wars of worlds invaded by Mars. He was in the wars, wasn't he? He was in the Clone Wars. You just got it. You used to think about it. the title or the um, artist. Or the lyrics. <laughs> go on, let's go. Yeah, I'll win it. The lyrics. <laughs> Number two, don't <laughs> fear the reaper. Day. Don't fear the Reaper. Obi Wan didn't fear him, did he? He got struck. He went, "Come on, Vader, give it." Come here. And as for Herman the Hermit, well, that was just a gimme, wasn't it? Yeah, that was it. That was the one. Pete's yeah. running away with it. He's doing really well. Pete is running away with it. It's six I'm not points to out, Pete. But I am. You're on six points, mate, and and the rest of them are yet to move off it. Frankly, it's embarrassing. Round three. So here we go. Name that vintage Star Wars figure. <laughs> oh. Oh, the Tauntaun's off again. I didn't. That wasn't me. Uh, uh, who was pressing the Tauntaun? I heard Tauntaun. I, I, I didn't press that. Jez, go for it. Um, Lando Skiff disa- uh, d- disguise. Yep. <laughs> what was that? I didn't hear the song. Someone pressed the Tauntaun. Who's the Tauntaun? Because they, they went they straight. They didn't press the Tauntaun button at all. No, I just only pressed Jawa Utini. And it's definitely Lando in the Skiff Guard disguise because that song featured on the Rocky Four soundtrack and on that soundtrack as well was a training montage and And Lando Skiff listened to a montage whilst he was getting ready that day at Jabba's Palace. Jez, Jez, I had the tiger was Rocky Three, mate. Yeah, but it was also on the Rocky Four soundtrack. Okay, it, was, it, it was, was on the Rocky Four soundtrack. It was it's a Rocky, Rocky Three song. Four. Yeah, but it was on the. But it was on the Rocky Four soundtrack. I didn't buy the Rocky. However, you are completely and utterly wrong. <laughs> so it's a bit moot, really. Yeah, shut him up. Rich, shut him up. The Let's carry on. Go on right. Rocky was a series of movies, Rich, in the eighties, nineties, <laughs> and. T- <laughs> that is not me. I'm not pressing anything. Who's doing that? Right. 
can we stick to our own sounds, please? Yeah. Let's not let's not make this farce a debacle. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a genuine guess. Uh, you you oh, want a genuine? Yeah. Right. I'm going to go with Han Solo. Ooh. You going with Han Solo? Mm-hmm. No. He's a survivor. <laughs> he he is. They're all survivors, aren't they? Really? No, not the ones who were dead on. Well, <laughs> well, just me and Pete then, Pete. Some Come on, off your perch. Come on, let's do it. Okay, I should warn you. This this is actually quite a hard one. Okay, gonna go straight. Oh, I wish I wasn't frozen out. Oh, it's getting harder. It's keeping life and soul together. I'm sick of fighting, even though I know I should. The cold is biting. You're reaching every nerve and fiber. My broken spirit is frozen to the core. No guesses as yet. Right on to track three, then. There we go. Stu's just in there at the end with a yub-nub. Stu. I don't really know. I'm going to go with Luke. Yes, he's right. Luke. Can I go with the songs? Well? Beautiful. Are they Survivor, Eye of the Tiger, Nick Kershaw, Wouldn't It Be Good, and Midnight Oil, Beds Are Burning? Absolutely spot on. You weren't using your... <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> Shazam. Yeah. No, mate. He's using that. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to tell you what, play any song, I can probably tell you it. Of course. <laughs> my music knowledge is incredible. <laughs> I will swear on my children's lives, I haven't just used anything for that. Other than your own encyclopedic knowledge of 80s greatest hits. I could probably sing you all three songs from start to finish as well. <laughs> okay. For any of you non-believers there, the reason that was Luke is, in the first one, Eye of the Tiger, you got the lyrics, went the distance, now I'm not going to stop, just a man and his will to survive. Talking the trench run here, guys. He's gone the distance. He's not stopping. He's launching that torpedo. He's out of there. He's gone. <laughs> that will to survive. Straight on to track two, Wouldn't It Be Good by Nick Kershaw. The cold is biting through each and every nerve and fibre. He nearly froze to death on Hoth. Come on. My... Well, mate, I'm going to stop you right there now. How <laughs> does everything that you've just said there not apply to Han Solo, who was frozen in a carbon freezer chamber? Because the last one's about burning, and I reckon they're talking about Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru. No, because when you got thawed, his eyes were burning. You know, you, see, you couldn't not... see. His eyes were burning. I don't want to be here no more. Come on, Dagobah. He didn't yeah. want to be there. He wanted to be off seeing his friends. And he didn't want to be in the red... third movie. Right, who burnt down? <laughs> who the burnt down Harrison and Ford, Solo's though. home with his bed in it? Did it happen? I missed that part, Rich. I missed Duke's bed as well. Where did you see that bit? Rich, if you can pull your finger out, Jez will come last in yet another quiz. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, after, after that round, we've got Pete on six points, Stu oh. on four points, Jez and Rich yet to move. I'm okay. happy with that. Right, okay. Are we ready for the next round? Ears in. Fingers on the buttons.
was no words, huh? They're actually, um, you know, they were. You just had to listen properly, Pete. Track mm-hmm. number two. Nothing yet. Okay, move on to track three. There we go with the yup up, Stu. I think it's the Emperor. Oh, I, I had high hopes. And you've gone with the Emperor. Stu. Oh, we've got a schnaffle schnaffle. I'm just going to pick out the air. I'm going to go Princess Leia. Jez, you're the last one in, mate. You're my only hope. Come on. Just listen. I'm quite, advice. I'm quite happy to listen to just, all of the lyrics of this last song, Mr. It, Quizmaster. It's, it's on a plate. Here we go. Okay. Were, were you able to cut in the text? Go for it. Is it the Stormtrooper? It is the Stormtrooper. Absolutely brilliantly done. I did listen to the lyrics. <laughs> That's quite remarkable. Jez, are you going to name all the tracks? Uh, Blink 182. Miss you? Was indeed. Do you see the link oh. there? Yes, Storm- because the Stormtroopers, apart from this Guinness World Record-breaking one, miss their targets. <laughs> Track number two. Can you refresh my memory, please? I Stamp. see the ghost train rumbling along the track. Oh, yeah. I'm free. Stu has done it better than Madness. Oops, Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I was, it is obviously Madness. Yes, good stuff. That's another yeah, point there. Ghost train, so, no, so, um, yeah. yeah. And can so, you see the connection? It's black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Track what was the last three? song? I didn't know it. If anyone gets track number three, you can have three points. I reckon it's called Stormtrooper. Right. I want the artist, though. I know. Yeah, I'll be honest. I never heard of it myself, but, you know, you Google Stormtrooper and it props a band called Pepper. Hey? Well, I would have said Stormtrooper is a guess of the track, so I should get an extra point for that as well. <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, it's obvious. I would have said, uh, I don't know, uh, Stormtrooper, and you would have gone, yes, Jess. No, because I wanted the band as well. That now leaves Pete on six points, Stu on four points, and Jez on three points. Rich? How much Rich got? Richard got? Rich hasn't got any points. (laughs) (laughs) One sec, one sec. Whoa, there's got to be something. uh... Rich? (laughs) Rich? It's true. Moving on. I know Rich is good. Rich, just keep going with Han Solo, mate. You never know. Maybe, Maybe he's in here. Who knows? All answers have been hard so far. Okay, next round, first track. Hans <laughs> Orlo. <laughs> Rich, you bard. <laughs> Can we carry on? I know the artist. Yeah, that was another song. No one yet. Moving on to track two. Hello, Taunton. I'm just going to go for it and say Princess Leia. Oh. He's done it again. What's that? Has he done it? Pulled it out of the hat without knowing why. No, I, I kind <laughs> of have. No, 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 no. 
I have a sneak feeling there is something in Californication that is a Star Wars related thing. Right, well done. This is all a Star Wars related thing. Yeah, okay, so we narrowed it down (laughs) Star Wars. No, 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 actually an actual reference. I can't remember what it is. Pete, you're right. It it actually says older on. Uh-huh, What's the am. third song? Because I reckon I've got them all. I've got the first two. Pete, Pete. Okay, so there's one point. Second track? I can't remember. What was the first track? Let me just play you the rest of it. Hey, Stewart. Stewart. Mm-hmm. What's Stuart? Pete, baby Jane. Baby huh? Jane. Baby Jane. I've no idea. Anyway, go on. I think it's Rod Stewart, Baby Jane. Oh, well, Pete, well right. done, mate. You got the extra point. Okay, and track three. It's not my era. Well, you got three points out of that one, Pete. So you got ca- uh, Californication with Chili's mentions Alderon, uh, Baby Jane, Rod Stewart, Baby Jane, Don't Leave Me Hanging on the Line, referencing Luke Cloud City hanging on to that aerial. Layer swoops up and the Falcon picks him up. Lovely. The next one in, in Baby Jane is Now You're Moving in High Society. She's a princess. Don't forget, I know secrets about you. Referencing that Luke knows that Leia is his sister. Okay? Sister. And you right. hope my Blink 182 is all about Princess Leia. Penultimate round. And I'm just going to ignore Rich. I, I, I'm not even going to acknowledge a hand solo guess on this one. Here we go. There is no sense in pretending Your eyes give you away Something inside you Track one and no guesses. I'm slightly disappointed. Oh, what? Do you know what? I'm going to have a guess. Go Press for it. Press the button then. Taunt, taunt. Interesting choice of the word action figure. Because Could have meant of the lyrics, something inside of you. I just thought split blade taunt, taunt. Um, you know, I'm trying, yes, to, you trying have, to play you the game. You a bonus point for that one, mate. That, that's, I'm really oh, impressed with that. that. Yeah, what? Yeah. What? You're giving him a point because yeah. he was like... Because he was wrong. Because he was listening. <laughs> I'm in the spirit of the game. Exactly. Thanks very much, Quizmaster. I've always admired you. Oh, so I have another point, Jess. <laughs> you, you, okay. are, you are just and fair. Track two. You're as cold as ice. <laughs> Who was that? That was me. I pressed it the first time. You ignored it again. Oh, sorry, mate. Go I'm ahead. Gonna... I'm going to go Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> no, Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, it's Han Solo. Right, do you want to try naming the first track, Rich? Never the first track in my life. Okay, that was Breakdown by Tom Petty. Obviously referring to the Falcon, but also, <laughs> there's no sense in pretending, Rich. Your eyes give you away. Something inside you is feeling like I do. We said all there is to say. Clearly, that's a discussion between Carrie and Harrison, isn't it? In yeah. fairness, Jez, track two also gets the taunt on, doesn't it? Cold as ice. Yeah, cold as ice. But unfortunately, Please. it was referencing Han Solo, who was willing to sacrifice our love. So he's gone into carbon freezing. I love you, you know, all that <sighs> sort of stuff. It's so cold as ice again. Was that foreigner? Was indeed, mate. Have another lovely oh, point. Good. Have a lovely it's little a great point. Great shout, Rich. Great shout. Okay, are you ready for track three, Rich? See Come if you know, on. Okay, here we go. 
I'm embarrassed on you, that one. <laughs> to be embarrassed about Rich Dad. We're embarrassed, we know you. Rich, that has put you. <laughs> so harsh. Pete is leaping away with nine points. I've got nine. Oh, good times. Stu, Jez, and Rich are all sat there on four points each. How's oh. Rich got four oh. points? He didn't get it till the second one, so he only got two points. And then he named the second track. Yeah, and then he named the third track. Yeah. <laughs> Minus half a point, Stu, for just not being able to count to four. Good, good quiz mastering, I think, there. Yeah. Oh, look at that mm. sucking up. That deserves minus nine, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're into the last round. You can remember what I said earlier about the non-action, vintage action figure character being worth double points. This is anybody's game. Last one. <laughs> Jez. I'm just going to say Tarkin, all or nothing. <laughs> right, I'm coming in now. <laughs> Go on. I'm going to tell you the answer is wrong for that one, Jez. I'm going to it say is... it's the Imperial Shuttle. It's got oh. the broken wings. Very good, good indeed, but you're wrong. So, uh, Jez's right. Am no, I Jez, right? Is, Jez is not right. So this is between Stu and Pete. Okay, track two, straight in. Didn't Shazam bring that one up for you, Pete? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> okay, third and final track. Nothing left to make me feel small. Luck has left me standing so low. Ah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We got a yub yub. Oh, that was the top one with Taunton in there. He didn't press the Taunton. I, I didn't hear Taunton. I heard a yub yub. I'm going C-3PO. That's unfortunate. Rick and Pete was going to say the same thing. Has C-3PO got broken wings now, has he? Well, he got it's broken a... up in Empire Strikes Back. It's, it's a good guess, but it's wrong. I was going to say X-Wing Fighter. Ooh, Pete, you can have half a point. Is it the Ewok Glider? No. Pete was definitely the closest there. It was Dutch. First Ooh. one, broken wings. He got shot up. His wings were definitely yep. broken. Second one was Double Dutch by Malcolm McLaren. That was the name <laughs> of the second Never tune. Heard of it. The third tune was Gold. Dutch was Gold Leader. So I was closer than Mr. C-3PO pencil. (laughs) Yeah, I think they made one or two of him. So my half point should be turned to a full point. Well, you don't need it, Pete, because you are the runaway winner with nine and a half points. In your faces. Closely followed by both Rich and Jez on four points apiece. Yeah. Stu crawling up the backside with three and a half points. So a well-fought game, everyone. Thanks all for taking part in Banther Tracks.
Colesberg is doing its auction. Dot to dot to dot to end. The Rebel base is on a moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. At Rich, Colesberg is doing its auction. If Colesberg do auctions, what is it? Quite a few months ago now, on, I want to say I saw the post on Instagram first, but I may be wrong on that. Fantastic auction was advertised as coming soon from Hakes. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's an American auction website. And I wrote an article for Jedi News called If Carlsberg Do Auctions. And I contacted James Gallo a long time ago to say, James, are you interested in coming on the Vintage Rebellion a bit nearer the time and talking about the auction? And I'm absolutely delighted to say that James has agreed to do that. So I'm going to cut to that interview now with James, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. I'm delighted to welcome James Gallo from Toy and Comic Heaven to the Vintage Rebellion today to discuss the forthcoming series of Hakes auctions. So welcome, James. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing fine, thanks. So, first of all, can you just give us an overview of your toy collecting history for the one person in the entire world who has never heard of James Gallo and your role within the Hakes auction? So, I've been uh, collecting Star Wars stuff and selling Star Wars stuff for upwards of about 25 years. Um, I've been involved in just about every celebration except for the first one in Japan, in the collector panels, and and also having a booth set up at each show. I own and operate Touring Comic Heaven, which is, I actually have a a brick-and-mortar hard shop outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, as far as my involvement with Hakes, I was brought in basically as a Star Wars expert to kind of help them out with the intricacies of, of the Star Wars collecting realm and, you know, back definitions and just kind of separating stuff that's more common and the stuff that's rare and, and kind of just basically cataloging it and going through the collection. This collection of items seems almost impossible to put together one collection. So just to get an overview of both the quality and the quantity of items here, what can you share about the original owner's collecting habits? So this collection was put together by an individual from about 2008 to 2010, predominantly purchased stuff through one or two dealers. And basically, I don't know much more than that beyond he you know, purchased one of everything, meaning basically, you know, like Farm Boy Luke on a Star Wars card and then, you know, your Empire issue figures on an Empire card and so on and so forth. So it wasn't necessarily a debut card, but it was the first movie card. You know, the the collection is reasonably comprehensive. It, you know, covers pretty much an example of each carded figure, just about all the vehicles and play sets. Again, not necessarily every version but examples of each. Um, there's some proof material. There's three packs. There's multi packs. There's you know a little bit of a variety of everything. This auction is to be spread out over a period of time. So, so what was the thinking behind that from Hakes's point of view? Well, the thinking was, you know, Hakes sells more than just Star Wars stuff. They sell a variety of items: political items, comic books, toys, collectibles. You know, their catalog is thousands of items so the the collection wouldn't have been dumped in one catalog uh there's just too much stuff and i think that the primary thinking was you know there's only x number of dollars that most star wars collectors can spend in a given period of time and if you dumped all this into one auction i think it would have negatively impacted stuff from a couple of different standpoints i mean you know if you're interested in multiple things 
you may not be able to fund both items or numerous items at once, where if it's spread out over a period of time, uh, you may be able to do that. You know, it takes time for people to financially recover from stuff. So the the collection as a whole will be spread out over, you know, obviously this auction starting in November and through their auctions in 2018 as well. A lot of the attention on this auction has been on the 3D team and on cards. Now, are these the best condition 12 bucks, let alone DTs that are in existence? Well, you know, I think part of the excitement about it, and and not just the double telescoping figures by themselves, but the collection as a whole, is that a lot of these items haven't been offered for sale before. Um, the double telescoping figures, you know, generally trade hands quietly and privately. These are going to be available at very low starting bids in relation to the value of the items, and they're going to be available to anyone and everyone that, you know, wants to bid on them. So there's not going to be any preference. There's not going to be any, you know, friend-to-friend type of stuff. They're going to be, you know, available to anybody. The figures are in good shape. I don't know if they're necessarily the best set ever, but the Ben as an 80 is certainly on the upper side of that. I just think it's absolutely staggering that items that are 40 years old are still in this fantastic condition and have graded so highly with the FA. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's three 12-backs that are straight 95s. You know, I've been doing this years, and, you know, I've only had a couple of 95s. Uh, to have it on a 12-back is, is pretty unheard of. Um, those are going to be very interesting pieces to watch. And, you know, from what I understanding, they came from somebody that just never touched them. They were out of a case, and they were just never touched. So... You know, the stuff is out there, I guess, but it is definitely uncommon to see things like that pop up in that type of condition. We interviewed three-pack collector Chris Caswell a few years ago, and he believed there'd be around five full sets of three-packs with lots of collectors just needing one or two to complete their sets. So you've just mentioned there that there is a full set of three-packs in this auction. So, So what's the condition generally of these? There is a full set. There, I believe they're the second series Empire ones, which are the the big three. Um, those are the ones that everybody seems to be missing. Those are all there. I believe they are all seventy fives. There's one in this up and coming auction. The rest of the three packs, you know, they vary in condition. I think there's stuff as high as nineties, but I think most of them are going to be in the eighty eighty five range. So the three packs are being auctioned as separate items as opposed to one full bulk. Correct. They were, the set has absolutely been broken up. They will be spread out over all the auctions. Ah, that's interesting. So we were having a little bit of a discussion between us. What's going to go for more, the 3D team on cards or the entire full set of three packs together? We believe the value to be roughly about the same. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to how it plays out. I think the three packs are more of a niche. Uh, you either love them or you're indifferent to them. I mean, the the double telescoping figures, to some extent, I think are the same way, but they're more publicized. They get more press than the DT or than the three packs, rather. So, you know, there definitely is, you know, going to be a lot of excitement. And honestly, I know there's been Lukes that have been up on eBay carded, but I I don't know if there's ever been a Ben or a Vader that's been up for public auction. Um, So to me, that's that's really cool. And it's really going to show the strength or weakness of this given market to see what these figures are going to sell for. Certainly going to be a historical auction. I think in in many years time, we're going to be using this auction as a benchmark for other items that may appear. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I mean, there's really 
if anybody knew the future, they'd be, you know, in good shape. I think uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out and, um, you know, what these figures go for. Um, potentially may bring more to market if they go for, you know, a very high dollar value. Gets to a point where somebody's got to look at something and, you know, if the Ben goes for $75,000, you know, there's got to be a point where somebody says, well, for that type of money, I'm going to part with mine too. It's staggering to see an auction with an L-slot FET where it's overshadowed by some of the other big pieces. What's your favorite piece in this entire auction and why? Well, it's funny because the, the L-slot FET is another thing that, you know, uh, the last one I had, she's probably upwards of 10 or 12 years ago, uh, I couldn't sell for $9,000. So, you know, the figures obviously jumped significantly from that point in time. And if I had one today, I could sell it 10 times over for potentially fifteen dollars or $20,000. So um, this is certainly a nice FET. And again, it's going to be an example of here it is. Uh, it's going to have a low starting bid in relation to its value and sky's the limit. And, you know, we'll have a very good indicator of what an L-slot FET is worth. As far as my favorite piece in this collection, I mean, there, there's, you're absolutely right. There are things that are going to be overshadowed by things like the three packs and the DT Sabres. Um, I think the Anakin Power of the Force mock up and hard copy pieces are two of those items that are greatly overshadowed. Um, the hard copy is going to be in this, uh, the November auction. And that's a piece that, you know, on its own probably would get a lot more attention than it's getting um you know i haven't seen very much chatter about it at all there've been some criticisms online that this auction's only going to appeal to the really well off are there more pieces in this auction which are more affordable to the everyday collector so because this was a complete collection of stuff you know it goes from star wars to power of the force you know as most people know the jedi stuff tends to be more affordable and even some of the empire stuff is uh, more affordable uh, the way this auction is laid out and the way the next auctions will be laid out is there will be a wide margin and berth of stuff um, where it will be for the very expensive stuff. That's fine. There'll be 12 backs in each auction and there's going to be Jedi figures in each auction. And there, you know, there'll be lots that are sell for two or three hundred dollars and that'll be it. So I think, you know, there's no reason for people to be scared away just because, the high ticket items are getting a lot of attention. Um, there's going to be a lot of certainly sub thousand dollar items uh, and, and certainly things that people have a lot of interest in that are that will be available for sale. Now, a few guys, especially those in the UK and Europe, have contacted us not knowing anything about Hakes. So are they a reputable company in the US with a long established history? So Hakes has been around for years. I think they're, this is their 50th year in business. You know, they're absolutely reputable. It's something that, you know, they've been selling Star Wars items on, on the smaller scale for years. Um, so it's not necessarily that they're new to selling Star Wars items. Um, I think a collection like this gets a lot more attention because of how big it is and how significant it is. Uh, and that's why you're getting a lot of attention from collectors all over the world um similar how vectus a few years ago started their star wars auctions and guess what nobody in the u.s knew who they were either so i think it's just a matter of you know people from getting familiar with the different companies and uh you know getting comfortable with track record of an individual company that's that's been around a very long time and nobody in the uk knew who vectus was a couple of years ago <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm interested in one of these items, and so how would you bid on these auctions, and what kind of fees are involved? Hakes is, is a mail phone only auction. There is no live bidding. Um, the auction will go live on the 24th of October. Online bidding, you can register an account, and there is a 18% buyer's premium with credit card, and then that drops to 15% if you pay uh, with a money order. If you need further details on that, they're a very, very helpful group. And, you know, Hakes.com, just you can sign up, you can contact them directly, mail, phone, fax, whatever you need to. Um, they're very responsive. And if you have additional questions about that side of it, you can certainly reach out to them and I'm sure they'll get back to you very quickly. Those fees are very reasonable. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the auction houses are, even here in the U.S., are 20 25%. Um, so I know that they, they like to keep their fees down the best they can. I think this is probably a really good thing that they're spreading it out over a longer period of time because hopefully that this is going to pull some new items into the market. You're perhaps going to have other guys with collections looking at this and going, actually, you know what, that's done quite well. I'm going to start pulling my you know, collection. So if, if others are interested in items going over to Hakes, are they easily contactable to say, look, I've got this big collection as well and would you be interested in mine? Absolutely. I think there's actually a tab on their homepage um, labeled consignments or, or something to that effect where you can just click on them and, and send them a, a message about what you have and, and as I said, they'll get back to you. And finally, James, if I was interested in some of these pieces, who is the best person to contact if I wanted some information on them or if I wanted closer photographs or any kind of extra information at all? Just You can just send an email to their customer service department. I mean, whomever is going to be very attentive to whatever you need. So if you need additional pictures, um, there will be more pictures online than there will be in the print catalog. You can request a print catalog as well if you're if you're so inclined to get one. Um, but if for some reason you need additional pictures, you know, I'm sure they can provide it. Everything is AFA graded. There will be, you know, obviously a picture of the label, a picture of the front. I, I'm reasonably sure the back pictures on the carded stuff will also be there. So, you know, it's not like you're going to have one distant picture. These guys are professional. The pictures are going to be very good. They're going to be bright. They're going to be big. You're going to be able to zoom in, you know, so it, it's going to be very easy for you to make a decision about what you're buying and be comfortable with that. And if you have questions, they are very, very open to answering any questions because they want you to be happy with your purchase. James, you've really built up my confidence and now excitement in this auction, so I'm really looking forward to tuning in and seeing what's going to happen with some of these stellar items. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, just as uh, the collector inside of me is just as excited as everybody else to, to see how this stuff does, because a lot of it is stuff that's never been offered for sale in, in this manner. And, you know, what is it going to be worth is, you know, up to the open market. And, and just to see some of this stuff and to see a collection that even if it is over a period of time, this, you know, widely covered Kenner Star Wars collection, um, you know, it's it's just something that I have never seen before. The scope of the collection is, is just so large. It touches on everything. It's not just carded figures. It's not just vehicles and play sets. There's some prototype material. There's some proof material in there. Just about everything uh, has been graded by AFA. So you have the confidence in whatever that may mean to individual people, you know, that's all taken care of in that respects and um you know these guys pack rock solid so there's no issues with shipping they're not going to throw your ten thousand dollar carded figure in a box and ship it to australia or the uk and 
you know, it's not going to arrive smashed. I mean, they, they definitely deal with people all over the world. So I wouldn't worry about a shipping aspect either. And I don't think you'll, I, I, I can't necessarily speak for it, but I don't think you'll have the insane shipping charges that other auction houses have charged in the past either. But if you are outside the U.S., that may be a question that you do contact them about. Approximately how many items do you think they are? Because we've only seen a snippet of what really is there. So there's approximately about 60 items in this sale. If you kind of extrapolate that out and kind of just count the number of figures, talking about a collection of, you know, two to 300 items roughly um, in that type of ballpark. And it'll probably be a similar number roughly in, in each sale until the collection's kind of been covered. Many thanks for your time with the Vintage Rebellion. It's been a pleasure to talk to you as ever. Same here. Thank you very much, guys. Rebel Base, one minute in closing. Uh, Rich, dot to dot. Well, yesterday, John Paul Ragusa posted an auction on Java's Palace of a loose Imperial Hoth Stormtrooper, four-line made in Hong Kong, with the title of Lesser Spotted Snow Leopard. It may have just been better for him to say, you know, the Imperials get chicken pox too, because this trooper was not only badly turning different colours of pink and grey on the arms and legs, which we believe leads to eventually the grey-limbed, Hoth troopers that we've been seeing, but it also had multiple dark, and I'm not sure if they were grey or brown, but dark spots all over. Now, it was clearly a bit of a tongue-in-cheek listen from John Paul, and he had to spend a lot of time reminding people all the way through the auction that it was never advertised as a variant, and it was clearly plastic degradation, and it perhaps would just appeal to somebody who would look at it and go, you know what, that's a beaten up figure, I quite would like to have that. Um, so, guys, have you guys seen anything at all that's been degraded in such a way as that, where it has spots all over the figure? No, not spots like that. However, Rich, that post then generated a post on Rebel Scum, where others were then putting on some pictures uh, of other items, of other characters, uh, and then that's the only thing which I've seen most of those items that were posted on Rebel Scum were also Imperial Hoth Stormtroopers which would suggest that perhaps there was a batch of those figures that were made but there was another character there and did that worry you at all? Well there was there was talk of Luke X-Wing and uh, that, that was interesting and I asked a question as well saying look you know I'm picking up on the fact that we've got Stormtroopers here or, or Imperial Stormtroopers and it was often the white helmet on a Luke X-Wing um, some did mention the legs or, or the arms as well. Um, so I asked the question, hmm, okay, so White Imperial Stormtrooper, White Helmet and Luke X-Wing, I wonder if there are any Leah Organas. And then immediately someone then posted a Leah Organa, which was riddled. Seriously, it looked like a love child of size snootles. Jump back to Facebook a second. Gavi Owen posted a photograph of a POC trooper with exactly the same limbs, and it looked really, really similar to the one that John Paul had posted. Then they had to check to see, well, actually, is it just the POC troopers, the PPV ones that are affected in this way? But then it was confirmed that John Paul's version was not a POC, so that certainly ruled out a certain group of these figures that were made. And then quite a few guys come on and say, look, it's mould, it's fungus, we've seen it before, and you've got to be careful because these can spread. But I think after a sensible discussion, most people accepted the fact that this was not mould and it was not fungus. It wasn't going to spread. You had other guys saying, I've had this hot troop by my collection for 10 years, and it's never affected any other figures that's nearby. So what could be causing these spots and, and where's it come from? 
I've got absolutely no idea, mate. Lee Bullock's the material scientist, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, my first thought would have been some kind of mold or, or bacteria causing it the way it's happening, but it's it's clearly not if it's not affecting other figures, but no. I've got nothing intelligent to say about it at all, Rich. Well, moving on to somebody who does have some good intelligence here, Pete. Uh-huh. In my days of working <laughs> plastics, Richard, many years mm-hmm. ago, basically any, anything you, you created plastic-wise, you know, professionally, you would have a number of materials whacked in there. So you get your colour chips, your master batch, and then you put in, I mean, again, I don't, <laughs> I'm not, not going to pretend here that I, I know what was going on in factories and the, you know, the safety and the, you know, the re-engineered. I mean, like you know, uh, some years ago, for example, the, the European Plastics Commission or whatever said that you had to have so much recycled material, but I very much doubt that ever happened. But yeah, there's the other stuff that goes into, into plastics, you know, stuff to make it whole stuff that, you know, lacquers and all, all sorts of um, ingredients and um, additives. So I guess if those varied around Europe and around the world, then there's always that possibility that some of those things wouldn't be, particularly as stable as others so it might just be you know stuff that's produced in one factory or, or one area and everything else is fine it is you know I, I think we'd have seen a lot more of it if it had been more widespread so it might have been down to you know one set of master batch wasn't very stable and it's starting to decay or degrade i mean it could be as simple as that i mean we really do need someone like lee to sort of go through some <laughs> proper plastic materials or, or even to take a figure slice it in a couple of pieces and actually test the what's actually in there to tell us what, what's in there It'd be interesting because you probably find out that it literally is uh, you know like a lacquer that was put in there that didn't set very well didn't think it was ever gonna last more than 45 years i mean why why would they well they go here's some kids toys they'll, they'll get two years out of them then they'll throw them in the bin they didn't make them to last did they well clearly they didn't yeah now jez you mentioned rebel scum there so bill cable started to talk on rebel scum saying that it was inevitable and that no amount of storage can prevent this so obviously he showed a photograph of a Luke X-Men pilot with spots on his head. It had been stored in the basement for 40 years. It wasn't in direct sun. I mean, yeah, there could be temperature anomalies. But he said there's no amount of acrylic, no no amount of preservation is going to stop these figures from breaking up. Another guy further down in the text chat said it was the plasticizers that were coming out of the figures. Is it inevitable that this is going to happen and we've just got to accept that? No. Let's just all chill out, right? Because... We can look at this online and I can see the same picture shown across the forums and across the Facebook. And then someone else will show me another picture and then maybe another. And then I'll ask someone to remind us how many Star Wars figures were sold in the 70s and 80s and how many AFA, UKG, CAS, 85, 90s, 95s are there. For every one which is riddled, yeah, love child of size snootles. There's some mint ones out there. So yeah, there are a few of these. But for every brand new car you'll you'll buy, there'll be a few which have got a defect or or something. You know, it's got to go back to the garage. You'll you'll get issues. You'll get defects. But there's a lot more mint figures out there than these. I don't think we've got anything to worry about right now. Maybe in the future. But guys, don't start selling your loose figures. Yeah, just give a bit of context for plastic bowls. Take so they're they're a thinner layer of plastic and usually extruded, not not injection mold like Star Wars figures. So you're you're bound to get a bit more. You know, they're bound to be a bit more brittle and a bit more likely to degrade. So it takes that around 450 to a thousand years for a plastic bottle to completely break down and degrade. So for an injection molded piece, it's going to be something in the material. It's not going to it's not breaking down yet. <laughs> it's going to take 
you know, another hundred years before I guess we start seeing these things melt. Well, that's interesting that because one guy posted that he's recently sold off his entire G.I. Joe collection. And the reason for that was that the hands and the feet were starting to fall off due to brittleness. And when he put a gun in the hands of your G.I. Joes, they would just snap clean off. So he's, you know, saw this coming, got rid of his whole G.I. Joe collection, and now he's watching his Star Wars collection with intrigue. Well, that's G.I. Joe, who cares? <laughs> just finish it on that, G.I. Joe, who cares? <laughs> yeah, you know, these aren't going to slowly change, but hey, as I said... There are millions and millions of these, and I'm kind of seeing the same pictures posted. Yeah, there'll be some issues, but there are bigger things to worry about. So a couple of guys came on then and said, okay, then well, we'll just do the peroxide, and, and peroxide in these figures will be fine. It'll take the spots away. And if you've got to do that every six months, every two years ago, so be it. Peroxide is going to be accepted. But a few guys have come and said, you look at peroxide in these figures is just absolutely not going to work at all. Um, it can't be treated because it's actually inside. So they've to talked about the Tall Toy Jawas, for example, because there seems to be a lot of spots on the on the Tall Toy Jawas. They've said that the Tall Toy Jawas are turning faster than many of the other figures um, and ones that have been made in different regions. And they're starting to say it's, well, because the Tall Toy Jawas are made in a different place, different plastics, different process, different temperatures when they were setting the injection molding machines away. This is a problem that's coming from the inside of the plastic and heading out, not from the inside heading in. A couple of guys have said, well, um, there were some YouTube videos on people who replied Black Magic Pro Shine, which is a protectant, and the idea is, is that it adds plasticizer into the plastic. So you coat your figures in this protectant, and the and it goes inside the plastic and adds the plasticizer back in again. And I believe that some of the museums are looking at this now because we've got old items that are made in plastic from the 1800s, and they're perhaps getting sticky. They're, they're starting to spot. And museums are going, well, you know, how can we protect these plastic items that are 100, 150 years old? There is a market there. Could you imagine if somebody like GW Acrylic or Ian's Display Solutions, somebody like that saying, I've got this solution that you soak your figures in the solution. It gets right inside the figures, into the plastics, into the, you know, down to a chemical level where it introduces new plasticizers in, if it, if it pulls out whatever's causing the problems, whatever it does. And you pull your figure out after being in for three days and it's back to, you know, virtually new again. I can see a market for that. Rich, sorry, did you say 150-year-old plastic? Is, yeah, is plastic not been out that long, is it not? <laughs> no, 50 <laughs> years. 50? Yeah. Bake, Bakelite's been out longer than 50 years, surely? Yeah, Bakelite was the forerunner to plastic. Well, it's still plastic, though, isn't it? You still, you still no, plastic, it's not. Right? It's plastic. It's well, it's still a plastic kind of thing. <laughs> no. I think you're going to get shot for this, Rich, because it's like... You are. Plastic, yes, I think it was invented. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, the, the process might have been invented, but it certainly didn't have people running around with plastic toys. And I'm never, I never said toys. I was thinking like telephones plastic. and things like that. You know, like big, like telephones. I would still say uh, big, like telephone plastic. Oh, it's the same kind of process. More of a rubber. <laughs> I very much doubt those are around 150. Rubber. Yeah, it's, it's vulcanised rubber or something. I can't remember what it is, but it's not plastic, mate. I'm glad you said something, so I think... That can't just be me thinking that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, Peter, I thought you would have immediately chimed in there and said, whoa, what are you going on there? Like, you're adding something to a figure. It's not It's not original anymore. I don't want anybody introducing false plasticizers into my toys. You would have a big problem with that, won't you? Yeah, absolutely. Just let them die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't decay. 
So if you had a nice Leah Organa, you know, and the spots I, were starting to appear, would you would you wash it in a solution to get rid of the spots? Probably not. Unless it started like infecting things, then I might mm-hmm. have to give it a bit of a wash. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a well, figure bought for you know whatever a few pounds, so I'm not be that upset. It was interesting, Rich, when I was going through the Rebel Scum, there was loads of posts on this. It really generated a lot of discussion. And the guy who posted his childhood, um, his Leah, said, this is my childhood Leah. She's been spotted and discoloured like this for years and years. She's always been stored in a Ziploc bag with a few other Leahs and Luke farm boys. None of the other figures stored with her have caught the plague. So he's actually had his in a confined space, and, mm-hmm. and it's not spread at all. Some of the other points, though, um, someone's akin it to, it's also much like the vinegar syndrome for old film. Would plastic degradation be considered cancerous and that other toys near are infected? A toy would catch the same problem. I know of collectors that remove figures from a collection at the first sign of spotting on mould. So, yeah, loads of discussions back and forth, like you said. Going back to what Bill said as well about optimum storage, in that his argument is there's nothing we can really do and there isn't really an optimum storage. And, and I was interested in the fact that they said for one kind of figure, a certain temperature and a certain humidity might be perfect, but it wouldn't for another kind of figure. And I thought that, I thought that was fascinating. That Now, Stu, I think you've probably got the most spread out collection from all of us in that you've got bits in your garage, you've got bits in your house, you've got probably different temperatures and all these kind of environments. Have you noticed anything at all in the in the way that you stored your figures that has affected the figures in any way? Not not intentionally. A couple of the modern cards in the garage have started to warp, obviously with the temperature changes, but no, not not generally. Um no, so, sorry, Richard, I can't give you any, can't give you any so differences. How, how much of a fluctuation would be would there be in your garage, for example? Is your garage insulated and does it have any kind of central heating in the, it? It's got a loft area in there and that has got insulation in it, but the walls are only single skin at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's cold in the winter? It gets cold in the winter and hot in the summer, yeah. Right, and you haven't really noticed anything different compared to carded figures that's in your house? But then again, No, see, I don't, I don't, there's, so there's no carded vintage out there. Uh-huh. So, but the modern, some of the modern stuff has warped, but a lot of them are in boxes and are probably quite warm anyway. Would you mind if we did an experiment then? If 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 each of us chose one of your carded items and you had to keep it in the in your garage for a year, right? Just to see the impact, and then if you took a photograph before and took a photograph after, would you be? We we, we, we could do that if we've got one of the cheaper cards. Yeah. Oh no, no, I didn't see cheaper cards. I don't know if it's just me, but I'm seeing a lot of doom and gloom. And I know a lot of people are saying, look, it's going to happen. And I accept it's going to happen. I just don't want to think about it happening at this moment in time. I, th- I think we're going to see bubbles falling off carded figures before we see loose figures deteriorating down and the plastics breaking down myself. I, I really do. Um, I know we're seeing, obviously, problems with the 12-inch figures, you know, with uh, Boba Fett and the Jawa and uh, IG-8. And we're seeing problems with those figures. Um, but they've taken 40 years to get to that stage. Are they going to rapidly go downhill the next five years? I can't really see it. But it was it was great to see this spotted figure. I must admit, how, did any of you look at that and go, that's brilliant? Or did you just look at it all and go, oh my God? I thought it was rancid. Did you? Yeah, I thought that that actually looks really quite disgusting. Because they were, they were quite an unpleasant colour, the spots as well, weren't they? Well, the spots go, you wouldn't choose that to be your colour, would it? No. 
no. stuck to that. And I thought, you know, this has survived 40 years, you know, and I just thought it was fascinating. So uh, thanks, John Paul, for putting on the auction. By the way, did anybody know how much it went for? A loose imperial stormtrooper, no skirt, no weapon, badly spotted. How much did it go for? I think it was about 20 quid on it. 21 it was a bit higher than that. I'm sure it was 30, 35 pound. I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it went for about 30, 35 pounds, which I thought was far too high for what it was. It's good to show, and w- w- what I got out of it was a lot of education. Some of Bill Cable's points, some of the guys on there talking about plasticizers, some of the guys talking about museums and what and the research that they're doing on, on plastics. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. And as Jez said, it was great to see a discussion on Rebel Scum. So, nice one. I enjoyed it. I'm delighted to welcome this month's main interview guest and admin on the Jowers Collectors Facebook group. It is Jason West joining us. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion, Jason. Afternoon. Delighted to finally get you on with her. <laughs> I've talked I'm, about it a few times, haven't we? No, no I'm fine. I'm actually uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very honoured to uh, be on the podcast. And I know we've had uh, some uh, schedule issues in the past, but uh, I'm happy to be here. And helping me to delve into this month's interview, uh, Richard from the team is joining us. Afternoon, Rich. Afternoon, guys. Yeah, Jason, we've had you on our list for about two and a half years now. So I'm absolutely delighted that we've been able to slot everything into place. And I'm sure our listeners are going to love this interview. No, I'm looking forward to it. Now, Jason, within the collecting community, you're well known as being, um, how can I put this, the Jower guy. <laughs> I think when someone says Jason West to me, I think Jower. So what is it about the Jower that makes you want to concentrate on focusing on him? To be honest, um, this is going to be very long-winded, but I'm going to try to do my best to kind of you know make this condense as much as I can. My parents, specifically my mom, she was a sci-fi nut and still is to this day. So we would watch watch old reruns of the old sci-fi movies, uh, like old Buck Rogers, uh, different movies, Planet of the Apes, even though not specific sci-fi, just anything in general. So when we first heard that Star Wars were coming in, and I lived in... Uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia at the time. Oh, I want to go to Star Wars. I want to go to Star Wars. And I begged my parents I want to go. I don't remember if it was opening night or maybe a, a few days later, but they had a small theater inside of Atlanta, so we went there. And it was my mom and dad, my older brother, and my younger brother at the time. And I just remember watching this screen fade to black in this loud, 
that booming sound of the Star Wars theme coming in my eyes just tripled in size. My mouth got dropped to the floor. And I, I remember staying quiet for almost the whole movie until the lights came back on. Then in that one scene where you saw these little glowing eyes going between on Tatooine, and they came out of nowhere. It actually scared the, well, you can't really say the bad word on the interview, but it scared the bleep out of me. The little Jawas came out of nowhere, and they blasted R2-D2. And I just loved that figure from that point on, uh, specifically when they were going in the sand crawler. I don't think I've ever admitted this before, but I actually had a tear in my eye when Luke and Obi-Wan went back, and they found that the Jawas were slaughtered by the stormtroopers. I actually got really upset. <laughs> I don't think I've ever admitted that before, you and uh, but actually, that's from that point on. I, I just I love the Jawas. They are this short little creature, and I just loved them. And uh, I, I actually I always want to think when you're a kid that you were that you you know the day after the movie you went out and bought the toys, which obviously was not the case. Uh, but we had a small toy store. Uh, we lived in, I think we were in Florida at the time, and they had. I still don't understand how this day, but. They had this huge display from wall to wall of Star Wars. And within there, they had all these vinyl cave Jawas. I, had, I don't know if it was a distribution or maybe they were the first shipment to hit there. But I begged my parents, like, this is the figure I want. So I think they spent around $30, $35, which, of course, at that time was a, great, was a lot of money. And they said, well, you don't get allowance for like a month or two, which is fine with me. And I think I bought between... 15, I think they bought me like 15 or so carded 12 backs. And within there, there were 10 Vital Cave Jawas. And I just, I put all of them in a tackle box, kind of uh, set up the cards, you know, on top of each other. And that's what I carried uh, with me. And, you know, to include a, a ripping some off from the package, which is blasphemy nowadays. But from that point on, the Jaw was my main figure. I mean, I love Hammerhead. The Canteen Aliens were phenomenal as well. But specifically Jaw, that was just the one figure I loved. You purchased 10? Uh, well, yes. My, my parents were, um, my parents made me promise I would not have an allowance for about a month or two, maybe even more. But yes, they purchased 10 Vital Cave Jawas for me at the time. Yes. Wow. I... <laughs> <laughs> do you still have your childhood toys have these survived uh, i only with have one of them um i only have one of them which is a uh, cloth cape uh not the original gun but i only have one from from my childhood um this is where it gets to the nightmare story around 1988 um i was clearing out a bunch of model toys uh, a lot of my original toys were in, were in a box and i didn't really play with them we were having a big garage sale I was like yeah just you know it's just don't really want to keep, you know, dragging all this stuff around. So I set up a garage sale. And within there, I took out this tackle box with all my carded figures. I believe they were on seven to ten of them. And they were pretty much mingled, but they were still on card. And this is where a lot of people are going to probably get upset with me. Within those ten or so carded um, figures, there were seven Bottle Cave Jaws. Uh, mangled condition. Uh, X-Wing fighters, I mean, lots of loose toys, and I sold everything except four or five loose figures. One of them I still have to this day. I think I sold all of it for around 28 to $40, I think, oh, um, back then in 88, which, of course, still was very interesting. It still kind of leaves me shaking my head as far as why I did that, but no, that's, I can't go back and change the past. 
But yes, I sold seven Bottle Cave Jawas uh, in a garage sale to include uh, various other figures for around probably $40. As a kid, Jason, what did you think yeah. of the Vinyl Cave Jawa? And what did you think when you first saw the transition over the cloth? Uh, I found the Vinyl Cave Jawa uh, very flimsy. They were easy to rip um, because obviously back then you played with your toys. You took your friends to, you took all your toys to a sandbox and you made up all these different scenes and your friends were there. And of course, back then when I was growing up, oh, cool, you have Star Wars. So you take all your figures out and you make all these different scenes. And the Battle Cave Jawa, believe it or not, though very collectible nowadays, very flimsy. Uh, they did not survive well. <laughs> uh, when I first found the cloth cape, I don't remember when specifically, I found the playability uh, a lot better. They would withstand a lot of the torture, quote-unquote, that we would uh, do to our toys back then. So I think the transition was a good one. I still don't understand. I, I know there are a lot of theories behind the change, uh, and I've actually done a lot of research into it, but that, unfortunately that specific question I've never, I've never been able to um, have answered. But I thought the transition was very good. I, I think it was playability-wise. I understand why. What, what kind of year was that? 77, 78? 78, I uh, take it. The 78 is when they first uh, came out because we had the uh, early bird from late 77. Uh, I don't remember when specifically. Uh, probably... I think the try to remember when because the the Jawa was actually the last Jawa Death Squad Commander and the Tuscan Royal Sand People, the Tuscan Raider. Uh, they are the last three to be released. I don't remember when specifically my parents bought them uh, for me, but I just remember they the, the one toy store in question. Uh, again, maybe they were at the first shipment in. I don't really understand. Uh, remember, but they had a lot of them, and um, so my parents were again very nice, uh, but they bought them for me. I just love playing with Star Wars, of course. Uh, there's so many different toys back from that time that we as kids just played with our toys. That's what we did. How, how old, out of interest, were you in 78? I was eight years old. Eight years old, that's like you get. And does um, does the killing of the Jawas still make you cry now? Has that stayed uh, with you? I mean, it's it's one of those stories that, you know, when somebody asks me, you know, what's the worst thing you've ever done collecting-wise, that's the first story that obviously comes up in I've shared it a few times, and people still, number one, they were surprised because of the mass quantity of Battle Cape Jawas I had. Because to me, I mean, for me as a kid, they weren't hard to find. And I've talked to a lot of people growing up and had a lot of friends uh, from different times, and they remember the Battle Cape Jawa to be very easy to find, uh, especially when they were around, uh, I think, the latter part of 78. Um, Again, I don't remember the specific month, but... The Battle Cave Jawas were not that hard to find. I know today a lot of people say they were released for maybe six months, if even that. But again, it might have been you know the part of the, um, the country I lived in at the time, but they were not hard to find. I think the hardest one to find, believe it or not, uh, Darth Vader. I think Darth Vader and I believe either Obi-Wan Kenobi or um, Luke Skywalker, those are the harder ones to find specifically for 12 backs for me. Uh, those are the ones I, I just I couldn't, I couldn't find. I don't remember ever walking into a store and seeing a excuse me seeing a lot of them on the shelves. There were like maybe two or three. Uh, RTD2s are very common. C3PO, Death Squad Commander, Tuscan Raider, all same people. Excuse me. Those are probably the more common ones. But Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, I believe, I believe Obi Wan Kenobi was another one. They were just not easy to find. 
does that suggest then that when we've had all these claims of Vile Cave Jawas being sent over from Kenna to Italy and having extra stickers applied to them, does that make that more plausible to you in that because you, you've seen that there were so many of them? And then if the Jawa cloth cape came out, stores may have went, well, hold on, these cloth ones are selling. We've got to get rid of these vinyl ones that nobody's wanting anymore. Is that more plausible now that that was going to happen? Actually, it is. Um, when I first saw the, the I think it was a 12-back, I think a 12C, if I remember correctly, with the Arbor. Yeah, the Arbor. Yeah. Arbor, thank you. Arbor, yeah. the uh, sticker on the back. First time I saw it, like, no, that can't be right. It just doesn't make sense that if I don't keep Jawad would survive that long, then the more I looked into it, I've touched base with a, a number of other um, uh, Jawa collectors and other people that are more, that have more, Sorry, more experienced in collecting than I am. And the more I put together the pieces, it does make sense that some overstock figures were sent, specifically 12 backs, into overseas markets and the stickers were applied. It, I mean, it is more plausible these days. I think there are three, if I remember correctly, uh, Vital Cape Jawas, all 12 Cs, that do have the sticker on the back. What the part I can't answer, I don't know if, if any other 12 backs have been found with that sticker or not. That's the part I haven't seen or don't know about. How many countries did, did he finally appear in? What evidence we got for the final Cape Joe? I know that there is a Palatoy example as well. Yes, uh, Palatoy, uh, there is a Meccano 12-back final Cape Jaw. Of course, there is the Canadian one in the U.S. Uh, then, of course, we get to the Oddity, which is the Tolstoy's version, uh, re- uh, released on an Empire Strikes Back 41-back, 41, 41 if I remember correctly. Is there much difference between a Kenner one and the Toll Toys Jawa? Yes, the the cape on the Toll Toys version is much darker. It's almost like a maroonish type of red. Uh, also, I don't know if there's any size difference. When I uh, previously owned a loose one, I matched it up to the the loose first shot that I had, and the cape seemed well. Actually, I owned two first shots. Um, the cape seemed to match by size. Also, the there are. Some differences in the plastic as well. They're like little gray spots that I believe are on the legs, uh, on the front and back, and also around the torso area. Ben Shin, I've got a conversation with him and a few other Aussie, Australian collectors, and I believe it was the issue with the uh, environment and the where it caused the, the plastic in the toy in the figure, excuse me, to um, think to gray. I, I can't remember what the proper term is, uh, but ba- uh, basically what will happen is the um, the plastic of the in the figure actually turn green over time, either green or like a, like a brownish color. At some point, Jason, throughout your collecting career, you decided to go back and start, you know, acquiring vintage pieces. Can you tell us about that time and what led you to go down the pathway of focus collecting on Jawas? Uh, yes. The, when the Power of the Force 2 figures were released in 1995, of course, that brought back a lot of nostalgia for me. And I just I wanted to go and collect them. And, of course, the one I could find was like, okay, where's the Jawa? Because, you know, they have first fallbacks and, you know, they didn't ever had. So I, I was, unfortunately, I was one of those people that bought all the modern stuff. Then fast forward to 2001, when I, I sold all my uh, modern stuff and I wanted to focus specifically on one figure. And it's strange enough that one tackle box and one little thing that I had as a kid with all my loose figures and carded figures, my mom had sent me or my parents sent me a box of all my old stuff. I started going through things and Oddly enough, the one tackle box was at the very bottom of the box. I opened it up, and there was that one figure I had 
from my um, childhood. And there was a job. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I started to playing, uh, started to play, displaying it. And from that point on, I, I kind of wanted to focus on one figure. And I think the jaw was the easy, uh, easy answer. I, I kind of bounced around between bounty hunters and other figures. But when I got more focused on one, the jaw was the easy answer. I was just going to ask if we could just move into pre-production for, for a moment. Because when I've been looking at early production of Jawas, I often see the the two word Chief Jawa. I haven't really seen a lot about that. Where do what do you know of the Chief Jawa? Where did that term come from, and, and why was it dropped? Um, I'll be very honest to say, um, I have not heard of the term Chief Jawa. Um, I do own a professional copy, I believe, is the right term of the blueprint for the Jawa when they were first uh, mocked up by drawings, and it says Jawas on there that I have never heard the term of Chief Jawa. I know there on the uh, Arbear uh, 12 back there's Capo Jawa. But I'm I'm interested in how did you where did you hear the term Chief Jawa? That's that's interesting. I've never heard that before. I'm gonna have some of the SWI SWCA guys screaming at me now. I think it was on playback that has the, the brown sock. You know the brown sock of the Jawa and I'm pretty sure that's labeled Chief Jawa. Oh okay uh, wow Hmm, not sure how I missed that one. Okay. I have to go back and look. And um, you know, as a focus collector, I can hear a lot of people screaming at me for, how dare you not know this information? I'm like, oh, my God, blasphemy. Get out of the get out of the. <laughs> um, I'll be honest to say I missed that. Well, and I hope I I'm not wrong. I have to go back and look at the um, picture one more time to give myself a little more credibility within my focus collection. <laughs> I could be making this up. You are banned from collecting. Um, okay, that's that's definitely my uh, my thought. I, I'll go back and look at that because I, I again personally I'm not familiar with that with that term. And I believe you've got a, a first shot of a vinyl cape Jawa, if I, if I remember rightly. Back in 2008, you made a post on Rebel Scum talking about it. So what, what can you tell us about the first shot vinyl cape Jawa and what does it look like? Well, okay, this again, another long-winded story. Uh, uh, I bought my first one in 2007 from Wayne Thompson. Uh, then around four or five months later, uh, I was able to obtain a second first shot. Unfortunately, both of those figures have been sold. Uh, the last one I sold uh, back in the um, latter part of 2016 to uh, Steve Dwyer. He's also an admin from the Jawa Collectors Group. You know, I, I'm not going to disclose these. I'm not going to disclose these specific amount, but he made me an offer I just couldn't refuse, and I know that he had been after one for a very long time. So we came uh, upon an agreement, and I sold it to him. Going back to your specific question, the Jawa in question was in a, I, th- I believe it was an internal first shot to where the figure um, was hand painted. The cape material differed uh, dramatically from the production one to where internal part of the cape had a more had a different crosshatch, and also it was darker uh, by about three two or three shades of brown than the production one, and also the hands in question to include the feet were much skinnier, to where they did not uh, they were not the thicker hands version that you'd see on some production ones. The hands are a little bit skinnier. 
and are you waive any other pre-production items for Jawa, such as, I don't know, head pulls, or does the wax sculpt still exist? From what I understand from a conversation with Tom Derby, a wax sculpt, or I believe a partially complete wax sculpt, does exist of the Jawa. I think it's three about, if I remember correctly, I think it's the torso, uh, two legs, I believe an arm. Uh, that was a conversation I had with Tom Derby. Unfortunately, I've never seen a picture of it. I think, and of course, you know, sometimes your memory gets uh, kind of escapes you for uh, specific prizes. It was around 2007 or eight, maybe I don't know 2012 that Tom Derby had disclosed that item does exist, and the asking price from the uh, owner was twenty thousand dollars. Ooh, wow! But that was 2012, and yeah. Yeah, I think the price, uh, again, I've never seen a picture of it. I, I believe that would probably be double by the by today's market standards. What I like about the Jawa is that it's one of the most detailed sculpts. So the, the wax sculpt must look absolutely fascinating for this Jawa. But also because it's so small, it, it's, it made me think, you know, obviously with the micro machines, that uh, they made the, the two-ups and the four-ups. I was wondering, for the Jawa, is it actually at that size and so small, or do you think it may have been made uh, as a two-up and then scaled down? Uh, again, I've never seen a picture of it. Uh, I've, I do own hard copies. Uh, there was, they're, they're from the modern line. And if I were to, to see the wax sculpt, I would believe it'd probably be, I don't know if it, I don't, I don't think it'd be two of a two of scale. Chris Jorgulius had posted a wax sculpt of the Tuscan Raider. And I believe in one of those pictures, he actually had a uh, comparison photo with the production one. And roughly speaking, it was probably a half an inch taller uh, than the production one. So I would guess, I would guess that the wax sculpt for the Jawa, I think the production one was, was two and three quarter inches. So my guess would probably be three, three and a quarter inches uh, in size. Again, that's my, that's my guess. The details around the torso, the head, and the arms, of course, would be more detailed, uh, specifically towards the grooves, towards the, the feet, the bottom, and the hands. I would love to see a picture of it to you know, kind of to make sure what I'm guessing at is correct. Unfortunately, nobody's been able either. No one's ever posted one, to my knowledge, or the owner doesn't want a picture posted. Do you have many other prototype pieces of the Jawa? Specifically for the vintage line, yes. Not a lot of people know about this. Uh, there was a between the transition of the the vinyl cape to the cloth cape Jawa. An engineer, I don't again, I don't know the name specifically. An engineer uh, introduced an idea that instead of the cape, that they would simply paint the Jawas to match the cape and produce it that way as a cost-saving measure. There were three figures that uh, the engineer in question took home. Uh, one of them, he took a dark brown magic, uh, magic marker and literally painted the figure <laughs> with the marker. And the he liked the results and took two other figures uh, from the line, and he painted them, which I believe was a brown liquix color, like a dark brown color, like brown to black. And he basically painted two other figures, and he introduced the idea to the representatives from Kenner as a cost-saving measure. Unfortunately, they turned that uh, idea down. He went home, literally threw the three figures in a drawer where they stayed until uh, about 2004 when the engineer in question approached uh, Jordan Hembro to sell those figures. Jordan Hembro, and I unfortunately remember this <laughs> almost verbatim for the night, he called me 
eight o'clock Los Angeles time, which was happened to be 11 o'clock Virginia time where I currently live. I answered the phone. My wife was like, oh, my God, who's calling me? What the, who the hell is calling me at 11 o'clock at night? So he, Jordan, ah, is it, yeah, Jordan, what's going on? So he like, oh, are you, are you coming to Celebration 3? I said, yes. Okay. Are you sure? I said, yes, I am. He said, good. When you first walk in, you need to come see me. I was like, why? What's going on? He's like, can you tell? I have these extra really cool Jawa pieces. I know you're the big, you're the Jawa guy, as other people have mentioned. You have the the first right of refusal. I said, can you send me a picture? No, no, no. I want I want to be a surprise. So when I first walked into Celebration 3, which happened to be my first celebration, uh, after standing in line for about an hour and a half, and those who attended Celebration 3 can definitely remember the lines were ridiculous, I made my way to Jordan. Now came those three figures in question. They were termed mock-ups to where the figures, of course, were mocked up to be a cost-saving measure. And he sold me those back in 2005. And I still have them in my collection today. Wow. Hell of a story. I know. Yeah, I very, long, long, very long-winded. So uh, I decided I want to, to give a lot more detail on that than, um, than people probably should. Uh, hopefully, can, hopefully some people can understand the background of the pieces. Yeah, brilliant. Tell you the kind of story I love to hear. What about proof cards? Do you, do you go into that? Uh, I did. Uh, I actually uh, I had a Power of the Force uh, comet proof. Uh, Chromalin, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. The Star Wars proofs for the Jawas, they were made for the 12 backs, but they are one of the more difficult ones to find. I believe there's a 12 back Chromalin. I think there's a 20 back, which is a mock up from the 12 to the 20 back. There's only one of those. And the there are no common proofs. Well, there's one common proof, and I believe one of them they call a blank back, to where it has a 12 back front. And a literally the black is blank. Uh, I think there are four total of the twelve backs. And I wouldn't say word unfortunately, um, because of the market prices being what they were, I decided to part with my proofs uh, back in 2015. I sold them all. Yeah, I'm not surprised. You're right there. The way the prices are sometimes it's silly to hold on to some things. Jason, one of the things that's confused me over the years is yeah. carded figures for Jawa. It doesn't seem to be easy to get a Jawa on any of the carded figures, but especially when you look at things like the Tri-Logo and the Power of the Force, Jawa's incredibly tough to get. So so, so why was the Jawa so scarce in, in some of the carback ones? Well, actually, this is this is something I've done a lot of research on. and Actually, it's nothing official, but I have a pretty detailed list of the card backs and kind of you know percentages or at least my estimation of the percentages of of what they were made and you know as far as hard they are how hard they are to track down uh specific to your question the power of the force is relatively not hard to find um again now finding a clear bubble i've never seen a clear bubble power of the force job i've never seen one i'm sure they do exist but i've never seen one for the tri-logo the Trilogo Jawas are easier, probably one of the hardest ones to find. A few more have popped up over the years. If I remember the name correctly, Joe O'Brien, he's the big Trilogo collector. I've never met him, and him and I have had a number of conversations. The Jawas were extremely, uh, still are extremely difficult to find. And my theory is from Return of the Jedi, from the 48 backs all the way to around the 77, 48 uh, 65, 77 backs for Jawas are pretty easy to find. However, 79 backs, uh, which was the last one before before Power of the Force, finding a Jawa is extremely hard. Uh, they're not 
uncommon. They pop up maybe two or three times a year at, at, at best. And my theory is from the 79 back into the Trilogo, that would explain why the Trilogos are hard to find. Again, that's my theory. I don't really have any proof to back it up, but from what I've seen of 79 backs and 79 backs going into the carryover to Trilogos, that's my theory of how hard they are to find. Yeah, certainly plausible. And I, I know Joe O'Brien uh, listens to this podcast, so um, you know, it'd be nice to hear Joe's uh, follow, follow up to that. Yeah, nice, nice one, Jason. You talk about that one being rare. Okay, so then, then you've got on the other hand. So Meccano square cards are particularly rare on all figures, except the Jawa. Have I missed something here? Why is he so? Uh, I mean, uh, I think Stephen. Uh, God, I'm going to mispronounce all these names. Uh, Stephen Fakor or Farku. I mean, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that name. He's the uh, a big French collector that I met at Southernless Past Celebrations, and I got into a very brief conversation with him. And the the theory is that the twelve backs uh, for Jell was released so late, and they had so many surplus of figures that when you carry over to the uh, twenty backs, because the kind of twelve backs uh, specifically for the Jell are extremely hard to find. I can think of. Three to five of Carter ones I've seen in all my years of focusing on Jawas, I, I can't think of any more than five I've ever seen. That the Jawas were literally dumped as surplus, and they put them all on 20 backs to include sealed cases. I can probably I can think of around eight to ten sealed cases of Meccano 20 back Jawas I've seen for sale over the years. I had a chance to buy a sealed case, I believe, for around $500 years ago. I passed up on it, which, of course, <laughs> kind of makes me look stupid nowadays. But uh, that is my theory on the 20 backs to include a number of uh, faked Vinyl Cave Jawas that appears, have appeared on Meccano 20 backs, which, of course, are fakes. In the UK over here, I found a guy selling a 30-back Palatoy Yoda, and he had a couple of Empire Strikes back quarter figures, and he also had the square Meccano Jawa. And I'd asked him about that, and his mother was a catalogue rep, and she used to travel to different stores selling, you know, some of the produce in the catalogues. And, and he said that back then, when they had the Empire Strikes Back figures, they had loads of those Meccano Square Jawas, which just seemed crazy to me, for the time period not matching. So they've definitely come up from France and right through the UK. That's interesting. It's all, you know, the one thing about this hobby I love to hear, and, you know, I love hearing the the stories from people that have lived over in different countries, either be it the UK, uh, being in France. I've met a few Italian collectors, uh, not uh, maybe two or three over the years, uh, or people that have traveled, uh, that had parents that traveled uh, in the area during the time. It's, again, this is my personal uh, perspective. It's fascinating to hear the stories of what, what they found or saw on the store shelves back then. I mean, of course, in the U.S., we had, you know, toy stores were everywhere. Uh, in the U.K., I've, I've only been there once uh, for tra- uh, for travel, and I believe they had different toy stores. So, it, it, again, it's still fascinating to hear all the stories of what people uh, found on the store shelves back then. Just stepping away from the actual Jawa, yes. you're 78, you're a huge Jawa fan, you've bought all these Jawas for, for home. So, 1979, along comes the radio-controlled sand crawler. Did you have one as a child? My parents refused to buy me one. Um, the 8-inch 
doll and the sand crawler, which I believe was sold at Sears, I think, for a $45 to $50. I think $45 was the uh, price point. I could be off on that. Um, but they would not buy me one uh, because I had a reputation, quote, unquote, of destroying toys. Uh, they did not want to see a sand crawler be destroyed. So they, uh, they, they, they never bought me one. I, I wanted one for Christmas. I literally begged for one. They would never buy me one. So unfortunately, no. It, it was quite a high price point, wasn't it, compared to things like the Falcon at the time? Yes, I think it was like I think for Sears or JC Penney, some of the different stores back then, uh, they were I think, I think it was forty five dollars was the price point. I have to go back and look at that just to, uh, to make sure. But yes, back in the time, uh, back in that day, uh, they were yes extremely expensive. I think you've just written the script for Toy Story four there. Have you gone down the sand crawler route now? Is do you class that as part of being a Jawa focus? I have, uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't have one to this day. Uh, I, I it's on my list to get one, and uh, I just I, I don't have one. I will get one eventually. I don't care if it's working or not. Um, I, I will get one. Uh, I, I'm not going to buy a box one. I think the prices for a, a box complete one are ridiculous. But of course, I'm kind of cheap in some areas. But I will buy one eventually. I, I don't care if it's working, not working, complete or not complete. I, I will buy one eventually. I'm not sure where, but you're going to give me the information on this, I'm sure. It did come at one point with a couple of carded jowls, didn't it? Um, 41 backs. What was the um, thinking in this? The, yes. The, now, the St. Quo was released, obviously, in uh, for the Star Wars movie uh, yeah. from the latter part of yeah, 79, but also... It was released in the Empire Strikes Back uh, as well, and uh, Scott. Uh, I'm trying to remember the names. Uh, Scott Bradley and I have talked about it. And there's another big uh, Canadian uh, collector, Jim. Oh, I can't remember his last name right now. Jim McCallum, if I remember the name correctly. And the Saint Crawler was released uh, in a, what they call the standard Empire Strikes Back. And also, there was a special figure offer where the Saint Crawler came with. I don't know if it was. Um, I've heard forty-one backs, and I've also heard of different stories where a twenty back has been found within some of the special offers as well. Okay. Um, because the carded Jawas also came a special offer version of the Droid Factory. Uh, I'm sorry, Atlanta, I'm not Droid Factory. Excuse me, uh, Land of the Jawas playset uh, play that was available in Canada. Uh, they had instead of the baggy figures, they had the uh, you get a twenty back Jawa, and I've heard of different uh, people telling me that the twenty back has been found maybe in Overstock. Of course, I'm guessing here as uh, in some of the Empire Strikes Back uh, Saint Crawlers as well. I've also read somewhere that wasn't it also released with baggies? Maybe Star Wars A. Eh? The U.S. had a version of the Land of the Jawas. Of course, Palatoy had a, a version of that as well. The the base is dramatically different. It's actually a smaller and kind of a, a more brittle plastic than the U.S. version. But specific to your question, yes, a SWA baggie has been found in the Palatoy version of Land of the Jawas. The SWAs, that's actually one of the ones I've been looking for, <laughs> kind of on my list. But uh, there's a U.K. collector, a um, huge baggie guy. Unfortunately, I've never met him in person, though I'd like to, to do it one day. It's Frank Muse. He is a big uh, baggy collector, and he uh, has told me on many occasions that the SWA baggy, specifically for the Jawa, has been found in that uh, one playset. Right, interesting, but no rhyme or reason. Of- um, nobody. I mean, again, uh, the now what's strange for Palatoy, 
there are, I think, three different versions of the palatoy Jawa Bagi. There's the palatoy I, the palatoy A, and I believe the third one was the palatoy G. And I could be off on that one specifically. The SWAs have actually been found in the land of the Jawas, but also you would only know that if you actually were to open the playset, because uh, they've also been found with different palatoy versions as well. Moving on slightly, uh, something that we all love here at the Vintage Rebellion is like the the oddball kind of items, the miscellaneous items from back in those days. And I'm trying to rack my mind on on pieces that contain the gel, and I'm actually coming up a little bit short. Now, my one thing I do have, which I love, is um, an old, I think it's a Christmas card, Mo- um, Ralph Macquarie art with the sand crawler. I think it's called Moving Moving Announcement, something like that. Oh, I think the card was Moving Announcement, actually thinking about it now, and it's got loads of things leaving, okay? Just trying to get back here. Is there much miscellaneous items that contain the Jawa? Yes, uh, there are. This is part of the one part where I love being a focus collector because it's the oddball items that you can find that are either in uh, stickers. Believe it or not, the uh, the puff stickers, I've been able to find those. Those are from the uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, time frame. There are two different versions of the pup stickers, one of them has the classic jaw with the gun, the other one is more of the jaw with his hands down. Um, those are really cool to collect. Uh, also, you have the punch out, make it a book version, uh, where the old storybooks, where you actually take out a kind of a cardboard cutout of the different figures and or playsets, specifically the sand crawler. And with those, uh, they have a sand crawler. There's one that was released in the U.S. One in for the Meccano version for France and also for a, uh, Arbor. I always want to mispronounce that name. Uh, those are cool. I have two of the three. I'm still looking for a French version. Hopefully one will pop up these days. Also, the the ones that you had mentioned, I mentioned earlier, the Gumo, and I always mispronounce the names. Those are, to me, the most fascinating little things because they come in, I believe, nine different colors. I've managed to track down three of them, and there are at least four others that I know of I've not been able to find. I have those and also the pewter ones from Heritage, the the bootlegged versions. Uh, they're maybe half inch tall. I love those. To be honest, I don't I don't remember seeing a lot of Christmas cards or any lot of novelty items for Jawas. But then again, I don't really look that often. I'm probably right there. I just haven't found them. I'm trying to think what else. The oh, the other one. The um, uh, not, I'm trying to remember the name of the cards in question. They're a. Um, Cards produced in uh, Yamakatsu. Yamakatsu, they were cards released back in the uh, latter part of 77, maybe into 79. I'm sorry, uh, 78 to 79. And they were uh, very similar to the Topps cards, but they have kanji on the back. And they have two different formats. One is um, a 3x5, and the other one is a 3x4. And they have the front of them, have these pictures with the Jawas in different um, uh, backgrounds. And the smaller ones, very similar uh, similar to the picture, but also just smaller in size. So I've been able to uh, really collect a lot of uh, oddball items throughout the years. Was there a Jawa plush toy? Because it, it was, seen, there was, made, was there? Made by Regal, I believe. Yeah, Regal. It? Uh, the Jawas were actually released um, in Regal from Canada. And... Again, this is one of my tangent stories. Uh, I think it was back in Celebration Five. Um, I was I went to uh, the booth for Jordan Hembro, and they had a person behind the in the booth, and we struck up a conversation. And 
about 10 or 15 minutes into it, I do not remember her name. She was actually a employee at Kenner and she worked on the Kenner items, on the plush items. And she opens up this catalog and I, I, I wish I had taken a few pictures. She actually told me the Regal, the gel was actually released in Canada from Regal. They were actually, they were first promoted to be released on the U.S. And she actually worked on a lot of the pre-production items, uh, specifically for the Regal Java, what can be released the Regal Java. And the, the production one was a brown fabric with the bandolier and, of course, the, the tag and little squeaky item in its hand. She showed me pictures of all the pre-production figures, of uh, the pre-production plush uh, ones that were proposed. One of them, and of course, it was a different cloth material. They were kind of mixing and matching. One was a, a bright blue. Another one, um, the squeakier was a, a pink in color. And another version where the fabric material was all black. Um, so she showed me different pictures of them. And again, I, I really wish I had an opportunity to take some of those pictures home with me, but she would not give them to me, even though I asked in a very nice way. Yes, the Regal um, Jawa was released. And also the Earth, I believe four or five years ago, had a number of pre-production versions for sale at that time. So there is a few uh, few bits and pieces that people can get stuck into. Yeah, miscellaneous, isn't there? There was also yeah. an iron on. I'm sure there's an iron on image, isn't there? A couple of jowers. See it again one more time. Sorry about that. The the iron on um, images that used to be able to get. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was one which said jowers with an image. Yes, there are a few images that are around. Correct. Yeah. Looking at your collection, is it solely jowers, or do you still dip into other areas? Um, I'd probably say ninety-five, like maybe ninety-five percent uh, jowers. Um, obviously, pre-production. Um, I mean, the vintage line, the prices are absolutely ridiculous. So I've kind of ventured into the modern pre-production run. Um, specific to your question. I love mini rigs. I really don't understand why, and they have nothing to do with Jawas, even though they have some Tatooine different scene. Uh, uh, the uh, AST five has a Tatooine backdrop. I love mini rigs. And I still don't understand why I love them. They uh, are very cheap. I just like collecting mini rigs. You've you've got quite an impressive collection of Power of the Force two pre-production items, haven't you? I think I'm sure I've seen hard copies and perhaps Comtep chips as well. Uh, the well. The, the hard copies that I have are from the Power of the Force 2, two uh, Power of the Force 2 Jawa 2-pack. Two I do have a first shot for the Comtech. Uh, I've never seen and or heard of a hard copy being for sale. I would love to have one. I've never seen one. The 2-pack is probably the most diversified run that I've been able to put together over, oh, wow, about my first, first shot from the modern line back in 1998. So almost uh, about 19 years I've been working on that set. Hard copies, uh, QC items, um, uh, proof cards, first shots, uh, first shots of heads, hard copies of heads. Yeah, that's probably my most um, accomplished goal for the modern line. Do you go down the production pieces for the modern? I like the production ones. The good part, the good part about the Jawa being a minor character, he's not produced like uh, with all the different lines uh, from The Last Jedi, The Force Awakens, there are no Jawas that are being produced. Uh, they have the Black uh, the Black series for the 40th anniversary 12-back. I was able to finally find a Jawa, which was good, and also the uh, three and three-quarter inch Black series from the, there's a Canadian, there's a U.S. release, and there's also a European release, so I found those as well. But I'm very, 
I like to find them when I can, um, but also if I pick up the production one, I actually have a goal to pick up the production, the pre-production one as well. So I'm pretty close. I think there's around, out of all the production items that were released for the Jawa, I think I'm missing three or four from pre-production, I think. I'm fairly close. Has it been quite well represented over the years? Yes, and again, this is, from what I personally understand, I have the largest modern pre-production Jawa run that is that exists. That's that's to my knowledge. Uh, I, I don't remember seeing another one as big as mine. Uh, I think I'm in the 40s, uh, 40 to 45, maybe even up to 50 for pre-production items for the modern line. Must be, must be some some collection, but it's uh, outstanding on display. Uh, it's it's like I said, if anybody's in the area, uh, they have an open invitation. Come over, we can you know have a drink and talk about my collection and talk about life, and that that that'd be great. Right. Just want to ask about bootlegs because a lot of focus collectors are staying away from bootlegs. But I remember seeing an interview of yours, or, or certainly some photographs, on a Polish Star Wars website. So I just want to see what your thoughts are on bootlegs and what's the most eccentric Jawa bootleg that you've seen. Um, oh yeah, I do remember that. I was uh, yes, the uh, person in question. I don't remember her name. She actually used me as a spotlight for uh, the Star Star Warski. If I get the production each correct back in 2009 there are no vintage jawa bootlegs that exist uh there are the UPs, uh, which come in white green pink and blue but those are not bootlegs then you had the ones from i believe argentina that were deemed to be fake uh so there are no vintage jawa bootlegs uh to my knowledge Specific to your question, I have no issues. I actually like bootlegs. If if I were you know to sell my vintage or you know, all my collectible uh, my collection, I would love to own a Uze Blue Stars. Uze Blue Stars and Uze Headman to me are two of the most fascinating figures ever created. I love them. I always have. Is there any genre items that you actively seek out? Well, I mean, I mean, vintage. I would love to complete my uh, Gumo line for the erasers. Um, I've been reaching out to a number of different collectors, and unfortunately, and you know, hey, can you reach out to a contact in Japan? And unfortunately, that has not come to fruition yet. I would still like to um, purchase a few more carded uh, figures. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Scott McWilliams uh, issue back in uh, Celebration 5. Uh, I parted with around 20 or so of my carded uh, figures uh, around 2011 or so. Uh, I'd like to get some of them back, uh, priced, you know, if I'm able to afford some of them. Uh, for the modern line, I would like to complete my pre-production run to where I have everything that was produced by way of... Anything that was produced, I can find the pre-production version. Those are two of my goals. And also, truthfully, and this is going to be kind of off-topic, but enjoy the hobby. I mean, you know, celebrations. I took my son to his second celebration, and the, the, the fact that you can walk into a room and see a person that you have not seen in or talked to for three years, and it seems like yesterday, you know, that you've actually, oh, my God, you know, yeah, how are you doing? How's the collection? How's the family? I think meeting and talking to people and simply sitting back and talking about collecting and just the, the sheer joy of, you know, so many events going on, either collecting or not. I think to me, that's one of the best parts of collecting. You're able to sit back and enjoy it and also, you know, bring your family members into it, uh, specifically my son. He loved celebration, and I, I again, this is so off topic. He was able to make deals for trades that I, I have 
still to this day fascinate me. He was able to pull the trigger and uh, uh, you know swindle pins, stickers, things out of you know, people. I'm still like, oh my god, how in the world did you pull that trade off? But um, I, I love simply just meeting people, meeting people from all over the world. Can it give you a different perspective on, on life, on collecting, and also um, opens up another person that you can reach out to, you know, in the future if you need something or if they need something from you. That uh, kind of gives you another uh, uh, perspective, another uh, point of contact as well. That's part of the hobby, isn't it? I, I agree. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, we, we, we doubted whether you could talk for hours for an hour, but uh, you've <laughs> you've just about filled it up. So yes, um, I, I surprised you were you were correct. It actually went by a lot faster than I thought it would. Yeah, <laughs> always does. Final question, which we always ask uh, all our guests, is that uh, the Earth's, Earth's coming to an end and we've been located to an, a new planet. No monetary value out there. Money's money, no object. But you're only space for one piece of your collection. And what would you be packing up? Believe it or not, the, the childhood figure that I had, I still have to this day. I, I have to always have to remember where it is. It has like the, the, bleed, the uh, green stitching underneath. But um, my childhood figure, that, that, would, that would be it. And I would just that gives me so many memories that you know, regardless of how many figures I will purchase over the years, or maybe if sell for different reasons, that's the one figure um, that I will absolutely take to my grave. It just brings so many memories back. It's just I, I love it. I do, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? The nostalgia. Jason, you are admin on the Jawa Facebook group, quite well supported. I think there's quite a few Jawa Jawa fans, isn't there? Uh, yes, actually, it was um, um I, well, I, I'm the admin slash. Uh, creator, owner, I guess, whatever term you want to throw around. It's uh, three of us, uh, myself, uh, Steve Dwyer, and uh, Tony. Uh, we have around 724 different members, which is a lot bigger than I ever thought it would be. Very loose group, laid back. Uh, we don't have a lot of drama, which is a good thing. And I'll also say that we have a lot of knowledgeable uh, collectors that chime in. Uh, Simon Wright's a big one, Grant Hughes. Uh, though he's more kind of in the shadows these days, Chris Nichols is a big Jawa collector as well. Uh, Steve has definitely gone to the pre-production uh, route. So we're very fortunate. We have a lot of knowledge that somebody can post a question, be it be either vintage or modern or maybe just kind of a miscellaneous item. And a lot of people can jump in and answer the question. So it's it's a great group. It really is. I would echo that. I'm not a Jawa collector, but I am on the group and... Um... Some great stuff comes up there and some fascinating conversation just, just for sitting and waiting it. So if anyone's got any Jawa, Jawa interest, then they should definitely, definitely look that up. Thank you. Um, Jason, thank you so, so much for coming on. A couple of fascinating uh, insights in there, especially around the prototype area. Absolutely fascinating stuff and it's been a pleasure having you on. No, I mean, again, uh, thank you to uh, you and uh, Richard for having me on. Uh, I'm Again, I'm honored uh, you wanted to <laughs> kind of interview old Java collector like myself. And um, yeah, I, I'm, again, I'm honored to be on. I'm honored that you wanted to uh, interview me. And I, again, I thank you very much for taking the time. And uh, if I ever have any Java queries in the future, I know where to go. Uh, well, no, I, again, I mean, yes, if you have any specific questions for Jawas, uh, please, um, you know, come forward, ask me. If I don't know the, if I know the answer, maybe it's something I'm not familiar with, similar to the Chief Java thing, which still... I have to go back and look and see how I missed that. There, you do know there is a there is a strong chance that Rich might have got that wrong. Oh no no, I want to go look it up. So I'm going to go. I'm going to when I get done, I'm going to go to the archive and I'm look for that picture. It's like, okay, how the world did I miss this? And what's strange enough, that brown sock, I believe Steve Sansweet actually owns all of the uh, the mock up ones, which I believe are some Fisher Price 
uh, figures. Um, he actually owns all those, uh, to my knowledge. And it'd be cool to see a person. Definitely, definitely. And I, I'll be interested to see whether exactly what the Chief Jower um, thing is. So maybe next month's feedback, Rich. I'm thinking I've seen it somewhere else as well. Is there a blueprint or, or a drawing of the Jower with sketches with the height, you know, like a 2D drawing? I think that's got Chief Jower written on it as well. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to dig out some images and send them to you, Jason. Yeah, well, there is a blueprint. Uh, I think Russ Cuddy ha- actually has the original. Uh, I have a what's called a professional copy I purchased from Jordan Hembro eight or nine years ago. And the the fascinating part about it is his jaw was on there by Jawa. Also, I didn't realize until the state to Ron Salvatore posted one that the drawing itself doesn't have a cape. It doesn't mention anywhere about the cape. It, uh about the rifle, about the molding, about the gloves, the hands, about the painted parts, but also it doesn't mention anything about a cape, which to me, to this day, still fascinates me um, that they are proposing. And also it gives a little more credibility to the mock-ups that I have, that there was maybe their first intention was to create a jaw without the cape. Well, Jason, I've got to wrap it up there. Massively enjoy your day ahead, whatever you're going to do. Um, um, I, I will. I have a lot of... A lot of painting to do today, so that's going to be me around the house. (laughs) (laughs) One of those kind of days. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to talk to us. We really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, Stuart. Uh, Thanks also to uh, Richard as well for having me on. And uh, I look forward to uh, uh, whenever it's posted online, I look forward to hearing how quote-unquote bad of an interview I have been. And I say that very sarcastically, obviously. And I I really want to say uh, thank you to both of you for taking the time and uh, making me feel very welcome on your podcast. It's really nice, Jason. Thanks very much. I've learned a lot here. And I'm sure our listeners are going to give us some great feedback. I hope so. Thank you so much. So this month's song is by Over English Man. It is a Last Jedi Moana hash-up of You're Welcome. So what I believe you were trying to say is thank you. Thank you? You're welcome. What? No, no, no. I I didn't. What? What? Okay, okay. I feel what's happening here. You're face to face with greatness and it's strange. You don't even know how you feel. It's adorable. What's nice to see, Padawans never change Trust in the Force, let's begin Yes, it's really me, Skywalker, breathe it in I know it's a lot, the hand, the sight When you're staring at a Jedi Knight So what can I say except you're welcome For that Death Star I blew from the sky Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome just an ordinary Jedi Hey! What has two thumbs and stopped the dark side When you were waddling yay high This guy When Solo froze cold Who stopped the rancor down below You're looking at him, yo Oh, also I met Obi-Wan Kenobi Plus turns out I'm Darth Vader's son Brought the Empire to its knees You're welcome Just don't mention the Ewoks, please So what can I say except you're welcome For that saber you got thanks to me The Force that'll guide your way 
Honestly, I could go on and on. I could explain even dumb midichlorians. Guiding a missile as tricky as that. Nothing if you can bullseye a womp rat. How kill the tauntaun? I slept in its guts. Kissed my old sister, which was kinda nuts. What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? Do or do not, cause there is no try anyway. And the legend they tell of my life is an epic of heroes and strife. Me and the force who make everything happen. Look at R2 and 3PO, just tip the tapping, 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 tapping. Hey, 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 hey! Well, anyway, let me say you're welcome for the galaxy you've come to know. Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. Well, come to think of it, I gotta go. Hey, it's your day to say you're welcome. Just train on this island alone. Chewie jumps to hide the space, you're welcome. Come on, let's blow this thing and go It's time for the Jedi to end. Peter, would you like to introduce the new acquisitions? Go on, give it a go. Ladies and gentlemen, people with small children, put them away in the cupboard, and welcome newest acquisitions. Hello, what have we here? Ah, good. New acquisitions. Brilliant. Oh my words. It's like you've rehearsed it. And here we are, everyone. New acquisitions. Let's just get straight on with it because it's nearly closing time. Right. We're going to start off with new acquisitions. Star Wars from UK, as we always do. Page 2148. Chap called Tabasco sauce or Toby's to bed. Tabasco sauce. Guy on page 2148 with an unusual, unpronounceable name. Um, a childhood find, Vader's autograph. I love this. This is just going to start us off as a little icebreaker. I've just found something that my parents kept that brings back many memories. First is an instruction booklet for a Casio watch. I got one Christmas. What's the significance of that, you may ask? Well, my uncle bought me this watch the same Christmas my parents bought me the Falcon. And the receipt is stapled in the booklet with the year 1982. From that, I can pretty much figure out exactly when I received my Star Wars vehicles. If that wasn't enough, I also found a signature to Darth Vader when he did the rounds. And this was actually from Zodiac Toy Shop in Rugby. I never thought my mum kept it. So, quick little thing. He obviously found some stuff which he thought had been long gone. And it, what it's done is it's just verified exactly what year it was because i don't know if you're like me it's just a case of well hang on a second was it 82 was it 83 i don't know it could have been on this card it could have been on that card but he's just identified exactly the christmas which it all came in but to find something signed by darth vader uh, by old dave prowse when he did the rounds yeah he's just quite clearly delighted any of you guys had anything like that uh, it wasn't off it wasn't dave prowse what do you mean you want dave prowse Dave Prowse never did the rounds with Darth Vader. You're gravely mistaken. This is a wonderful item because, I mean, despite it being in the hal hole of rugby, with obviously, you know, obviously secondary to the mighty Leamington, Royal Leamington Spa, this this was obviously the, the Darth Vader tour when he was going around doing the whole toy shop tour. And bizarrely, with my autograph that I got from Darth Vader, I think it was around about, it must have been, sort of like just after Jedi, I think, when they were selling their toys off. Because there's a picture of me in the paper getting my getting my prize that I won of meeting Darth Vader. And it's the same autograph. So he must someone must sat there, probably some bloke, writing these autographs down. But I've got one on Darth Vader notepaper 
And it's the same autographs as this guy. He's obviously run in there. They've probably run out of these 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 giveaways. And uh, it's a bit more squished than mine, but it is definitely the same handwriting. Mm-hmm. So I, I, they run out of paper. Someone did them and just, just squibbled it anyway, but it definitely wasn't Dave Prowse. It was uh, just some bloke. But um, I think if you if you sort of cycle back to um, when I spoke to the toy shop guys in Leamington, I think I, I made mention of one of my friends who remembers Darth Vader getting his kit on in the upstairs of the toy shop. And it was just some very large... You know, very well built, strength wise guy. Yeah, he apparently did sit there and do the autographs. So uh, yeah, it's the same signature, but just a bit sort of squished because it's obviously a smaller piece of notepaper. Yeah, well, I got Dave Prowse as a child because he was the Green Cross Code Man. So I naturally just assumed that, that was going to be um, Dave Prowse. But yeah, fair enough. I think um, I'll, I'll let the past die. I, I won't let it chew me up. I really, let it go, really won't. Jess. I will. Let it go. I mean, I yes. said to myself yes. earlier on, I said, this isn't going to go the way you think. Uh, but yeah, fantastic. Something truly special. Moving on to page 2149, Lawrence Dyer. Got himself a Star Wars program. He's really delighted with this. So this is the theatre release program, which which he's shown, which is classic. You can get these on eBay relatively easily. But he was absolutely delighted with it because he said that he, he suspected there was some issue with the listing. I don't know if that was a, a typo or what have you, or too short or wrong time of day. Who knows what? But he got this for £10. He, he's over the moon. Now, I asked a question about this, about whether or not it was the first or second release, because there was something in my head which um, reminded me that there were two different prints to this way back when. And on the uh, on the forum itself, it was Bonsai Trient started just talking it through with him, saying, well, has it got this? Has it got that? Now, before I elaborate any further, have any of you guys got one of these theatre programmes? No, but I know Rich Temple's got a load to sell that go live. Okay. I've got one, Rich. They were worth picking up. Mm-hmm. They are. They're lovely. Lovely I items. I realised there was different prints, though, and I couldn't tell you which one I've got. It'll so, be yeah. the second one that you've got. I've got the that? first one. I okay. know I've got the first. Yeah, because I've I mentioned it a couple of times before, so I won't go on about it. But it was Carrie Fisher's. Oh program. yes, That's right. yes, yes. Mm. Well, you see, I, I ordered my one of these oh, a few years ago from America when I got a load of sort of oddball stuff sent over, and the, I had the option of ordering the first or the second, and I was like, "Well, I'll go for the first in for a penny and for a pound." However. What, what Lawrence has got is actually the British version. It's, it's got, um, you, you can order a reprint of this. And so it, it actually says it inside, you know, if you want further copies of these, you can get them. And on the British one, which he's got, it says, yeah, order one of these for 75 pence. It also adjacent to that, it's got the, you can order it in America, in dollars as well. So actually Lawrence has got himself a, a British version, which I didn't, well, I just, in twig was also in existence so the one i've got is an, is an american version so i think the majority of the ones which are doing the rounds even around here in the uk are the american ones that's a, that's a good point jess because uh the swca i don't think mentions that but i know mark daniels had a picked up a couple of these a while back and um yeah showed side by side the difference and it was literally just that the pricing and contact details in the in the inside cover or the back i can't remember where but yeah but, you know, the, the great thing about these, as you say, you're going to be able to pick them up readily at Echo Base. They, they are great to look at. I mean, I've got mine 
in hand now it's just um for the price you pay i mean he got us for a tenner i think i got my first edition one from the from the states for around about 15 dollars um which would have equated to about 10 pounds again so you know not much the big scheme of things but something really really cool just to add to your collection you know what don't take up a great deal of space love them get one rich i'll think about it <laughs> in fact on the, yeah, it was on the SWCA. You, you said earlier on, uh, Cy, Steve Danny put on a thing on April 17th on the Star Wars Collector's Archive saying the first print in the program has glossy cover and glossy interior pages, while the later printings, including those distributed in the United Kingdom, have a pebble textured cover and matte interior pages. Stated on the back of the program, additional copies could be ordered for mail for a reasonable $1.50 each. But as I said, the one which Lawrence has got is quite clearly says 75 pence in. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Nice one, Lawrence. Really, really chuffed for you. And it was great to see Matt or Bonsai Tree Ent being able to give his opinion and knowledge on them as well. Great thing about the forums. Jez? Yeah, mate. Just that, you know what, you know what I'm like. I always like looking at the composition of these things. Now, this would have been bad for Richard because it kind of, the, the, the way the art is, kind of gives it away doesn't it yeah. the whole thing is set up for the, the film the kind of you know you got the death star or something being blown up you got the award ceremony at the end it's kind of like it's a bit of, it kind of ruined it a bit isn't it really totally i see what you mean yeah yeah it's like you know there's no where's the, where's the droids where's chewy it's like no that this happens at the end and they win i hate spoilers <laughs> i don't like spoilers this, at all Trailer. which i'm not I'm not sure if you get this, Rich. It, it spoils the film for you. Yeah. I think stay away, stay clear. Um, I'm, although I can't really remember, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have seen the Return of the Jedi trailer before I saw it. Anyway, move on, Jez, move on. Yeah. Something truly special. So, we'll move on. And we'll stay on page 2149. That's Simon. You pointed this out uh, when you'd seen this on, on eBay and also posted up on Star Wars Forum UK which was Kavik, got himself an absolute, well, I would say a bargain in comparison to what we've seen in the past, 12A Palatoy Chewbacca. Care to share it with us, bud? Oh, bargain doesn't do it justice, Jess. This is amazing. The, the boy's done so well with this. Over, as you know, has got an absolutely incredible collection. He's just got stunning pieces. Uh, he's got, I think it was a Meccano Boba Fett. I had my Palatoy 30 back FX7 off him. He's just got incredible bits and pieces, and he's gone out and he's found on eBay.com in the States a 12A Palatoy t- uh, Chewbacca. And it's been described as a bit of crushing to bubble, bubble splits, this, that, and the other. And he's wondering, well, just how bad is it? And he's taken a punt on it, and it's turned up. And it's brilliant. I mean, if you're into your grading and all the rest of it, it, it probably wouldn't grade above a 60, but that really doesn't do it justice. It has got a a perhaps one centimeter split in the stem of the bubble at the bottom, uh, the merest hint of edge wear on the card, a great £1.10 price sticker on it, and bubble crush to the top left-hand corner. But it's absolutely fantastic, without doubt, the very hardest of the Palatoy 12-backs. Always done good. The thing is, though, Cy, why do you think he got such a bargain? 
he took a risk. Mm, yeah, he took a, a risk. Bubble. Yeah, it was it was described. And in fairness to the seller, you know they've they've probably probably gone overboard on the description in terms of mentioning all the bad things, but not rationalising it and saying, "But the split is only this," and then taking a nice photograph. I think they've taken one photograph yeah. and put the description down. And I I don't know why people haven't bid a bit. Yeah. Four hundred and sixty quid. That's what it cost him. You're absolutely right. There, there were four photos from what, when I checked. He had it listed. 1977 Palatoy Wars Chewbacca figure is sealed on card, made in Hong Kong. The bubble has dent on top and crack on bottom. Card has little wear on edges. Please look at pictures closely. If you have an issue with transaction, let me know and I will work with you to resolve the problem. So he's mentioned the crack. Great. But not put a photograph of the crack on. You know, I, th- I think that started ringing alarm bells with a few people. The fact that he didn't have 100% feedback because the seller had um, four sort of negs on, on feedback and stuff like that. I think that would have given a few people some flags, a few few issues. And, uh, yeah, as you say, he took a punt and uh, there weren't as many people bidding on it as you'd expect. With the fact that there wasn't a photograph of the crack, I think that would have possibly put me off. You can always ask a seller to send you some. But, yeah, for the price, and as you say, in comparison to what we've seen, absolute bargain. Something truly special. So there we go on to page 2153. Ed Jedi, the master of stars from UK, puts on Palatoy 65 Stormtroopers. The logoless, offerless cards. Very clean, very beautiful. Ed, Ed is there showing these off, and he's saying that he, he loves the fact that it's got the tri-logo bubbles on it, and he knows it, therefore they're not Toy Tony. Now, for those who are newer listeners who may not be fully aware of the whole Toy Tony business... That slimy <laughs> piece of worm-ridden filth! Pete, can you just um, surmise Toy Tony and explain where people should go for more information? Exactly what, so what is this Toy Tony thing, for those who don't know? If I were you, I would go on Facebook, type in Jason Smith, find someone who looks a bit like Biff Tannen, and go and hassle him and go to his website. That will probably be the best place to start. Or you can Google him, and you should find him on um, various BBC programs talking about this. But basically, it's to really, really surmise it, because I'm not no expert on this. Uh, Jason is obviously another people. Um, it is a... A very naughty boy who acquired lots and lots of um, old Star Wars stock, cards, bubbles, and he went around and he put them together with uh, minty figures or minty-ish figures and a few repros here and there and uh, stuck them on the cards and assembled them and made them look like they'd been factory sealed in the the original years. Um, So very naughty of him and obviously they were sold on as genuine items and lots of people spent lots of money on these things and then found out later uh, that they weren't the, the genuinely factory sealed items. So people like Jason were ripped off, and he he has dedicated his life, um, sold his wife off, sold his dogs off, and uh, has put all his money into exposing this fraud. It's big. Yeah, and it's... his website is, uh, let's give his website, well, as Wow gives this out, which is um, www.freewebs.com, that's F R E E W E B S.com forward slash Mr. Palatoy forward slash brilliant yeah fair play to jason because he has put a considerable amount of effort into this this was probably one of the biggest things to rock the collecting community a few years back and uh, it really really took the majority of people by surprise now Stu, 
This was obviously covered quite comprehensively on the podcast and Jason came on. What was the episode, mate? Broke about two months before we um, started the podcast up. At the time, we decided to not touch it for certain reasons. But he came on on episode eight, uh, Jason and the Ugnaughts. So I think I asked him one question and he basically explains the entire thing in one sitting. So the information is in episode eight. So go back and have a listen to that. You'll get what you need to know. But going back to this post, which Ed put on with his 65 bag Stormtroopers, which look great. The fact that they're logoless and, and offerless as well, you really get to see the um, the artwork. Beautiful. Rich, what's the deal with these tri-logo bubbles, mate, on these Palatoy 65 bags? What are the telltale signs? What's Ed talking about? Well, first of all, it's really good to go do your research on Trilogo Bubbles, and Joe O'Brien's website is perfect for that, because if i got it right, Si, if you've got a Partai card with a Trilogo Bubble, you can automatically say with 100% certainty that that's definitely not a Tritoni. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. He, yeah. he had no Trilogo Bubbles at all, and the 65D with Trilogo Bubbles, the non-etched ones, is absolutely fine, and stone bunker kosher yeah yeah now what one thing i'm a little bit confused about is i don't know why do we call them trilogo bubbles because it's my understanding that these actually started on the palatoy 45 c's so even though these are came out way before trilogo why do we call them trilogo bubbles yeah this is actually interesting and i was i was looking into it earlier because if you actually have a look at some of the early trilogo bubble a uh, trilogo cards you've got jedi bubbles on them so it's almost like they had an overstock or stuff left over from the Jedi card backs. So they started using them on the Tri-Logo card backs. But then, like you say, they've way before they've got to anywhere near the Tri-Logo bubbles, like years earlier, they're putting them on 45 Cs. Because I've got a Warus Man, PBP Warus Man, on a 45C Palatoy card. And he always came, the PBP version, with what we call a tri-logo bubble with rounded corners. So it's, yeah, it's a really odd one. I'm surmising that it's because, obviously, with the vast amount of tri-logo cards that we see, people are going, up. Oh, yeah, they're the tri-logo bubbles, I understand them. And then, because there were fewer palatoy uh, 645Cs, etc., nobody's decided to switch the terminology around and we've just stuck with that. So it's, it's incorrect to say, in my eyes, that a palatoy 45C has a tri-logo bubble because there were never tri-logo bubbles. We've coined that term. I'd agree with that. I mean, they yeah. they they can't be they can't be trilogo bubbles because what let's see the forty five C right at the end of the Empire, very earliest Jedi. You're talking at least what twelve eighteen months before the emergence of the trilogo card. Yeah, and Jez asked to describe the trilogo bubbles um, for people to you know be able to recognise them, but there were so many different variations of the trilogo bubbles. It would just be you would need somebody like George to come on to give us all the definitions of them. Um, because as as Sai just said there, you've got you've got the edge version and you've got the rounded versions and there's lots of different types. But generally, uh, you, would you describe them as the big rectangular bubble with either a short edge, a long edge, or rounded corners? Is that probably the best way to describe the most common bubbles? Uh, for try logos, absolutely, yeah. And uh, I'm going by Joe's guide because let's face it, Joe is Mister Try Logo, and he's he's uh, coined the terms so. Um, you got your short edge, as you say, which which goes to a point. Uh, so at the where it meets the card back, it's it's a fat 
divot in the bubble, if you like, at the corners. And then as it goes uh, towards the top of the bubble, it narrows down to a point. So there's your short. Your uh, The long is the full edge from the card back all the way to the front of the bubble. And then the rounded is is literally that. You've just got the, the rounded edges. Yeah. And I've, I've had collectors in the past who contact me and said, would you mind looking at this Palatoy card? I'm, I'm a little bit concerned it's a repo because it's got a tri-logo bubble. And it's 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 difficult trying to explain to somebody that the bubble has actually got the wrong name, and it 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 came out. You know, I'm I'm guessing it was a transition period, like like what you said there. They probably went with the trilogo bubble. W- would it make sense that they've done this because it was more cost effective to make standard size bubbles? By that point, who cared if they didn't fit snugly and they rattled around in there? They were selling so many of them, they were just going out the shops. It just keeps the costs down by sticking to a standard size bubble. I don't know what the reasons were why they did it. If you look at the whole quality of Tri Logo, it is it, without a doubt inferior to what had come before. The cards are thinner, the printing is less well defined, uh, the bubbles are thinner, so no doubt more more cheaply produced. And I guess if if they were by that stage of the line into cutting costs wherever they could, I mean the very idea of the Tri-Logo card was to reduce costs so they could just print one card for across Europe. So I guess they were cutting costs wherever they could, and the standard size bubble, or relatively standard size, would would, would make sense. Yeah, well, I, I'm guessing that Jason Smith is screaming at us right now, but, but I'm going to say that towards the back end of the 45 uh, back runs, when they've decided to save costs, they've, they've come up with this new cheaper bubble, um, standard size, more figures in this size, and that run has just continued on in order to keep the costs down. And therefore, when we've just coined the term trilogo, it's technically incorrect. Very yeah. interesting. Well, thanks, guys, for that excellent coverage of your thoughts on the bubbles. With regards to the uh, Joe stuff, we've already mentioned Jason's great website, but where should people go for more info on the cards and on the bubbles for trilogos? trilogo.info very easy website to find yeah absolutely trilogo.info nice one boys so there we go so I move on over to Tantiv I go to page 13 I saw Jawa 57 put on a Meccano mini Cinex projector never played with awesome fantastic so there we go the, the French one and that just made me think hmm these projectors not really looked at those a great deal I mean, this looks great. He said one side was faded, but the fact that it had never been played with looked brilliant. And uh, and I thought, right, let's go and check out a little bit more info. So I went on to the Star Wars Collector's Archive, and there were loads of them. Before I go on to it, any of you guys seen one? I mean, Stu, you've got a fairly substantial garage there, and I know, Sarah, you're into collecting all sorts. Pete, Rich, any, any of you guys seen anything on these projectors or got one yourself? I've often had them in my watch list on eBay, but never go out of buying one. Don't know anything about them. They look lovely, though, mate. Yeah, I, I saw the Harbour one at Vectors last year. Yeah. All right. What did that go for? Off the top of your head, can you remember? I, I don't. No, I, I don't know off the top of my head. But they the, the look really nice. The nice items. But what you can really um, in... sorry, Rich, you can get them on all different boxes as well, can't you? There's a Toys one and all sorts. So yeah, it is a focus run there. If someone yeah. wants it, yeah, I'd absolutely love to hear from someone um, who, who may be collecting these. Like we saw. Um, podcast before last where we had that great photograph of all of the different board games uh, all lined up together it would be really cool actually to see someone if they do have a run of these because 
yeah, as you said, we've got the French one, um, Harbour, Japanese one, uh, Toll Toys, UK, Kenner, Kenner Canada. And then later on, there were some Ewok versions as well uh, from Lily Letty. So um, really, really great run of these projectors and, and different versions, different different ways of doing them. I, I just thought that they were a great little focus. Have you checked any of the YouTube videos, Jez? Oh, no, not for these. Oh, it's a treat. Yeah, they, they've got uh, quite a few YouTube videos where where guys have obviously recorded the the, the projection. Uh, they're really good. They're, they're well worth checking out, definitely. Oh, brilliant. Nice one. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? I hadn't even given it a, a thought. Great one, Rich. I'll definitely do that. What I particularly loved about this, um, one of the ones which has got a sticker on saying, this is so, so back in the day, so sexist, a sticker on the box saying, hey, mum, Save one dollar when you buy two Kenner film cassettes. I mean, what's all that about? Hey, mum, or mom, hey, mom, save one dollar when you buy two Kenner film cassettes. What, because dad was just too busy out making the money? I mean, you can't ever put anything like that nowadays, could you? No, but these French ones, I've seen them quite often described as rare, um, but there were two on eBay right now, both of them are sealed. Uh, they look as though they've been sitting there for quite a while, so, so they're not that way. But uh, it was interesting that the first appeared in the Meccano General 1979 catalogue, which was a, a catalogue that was given to retailers, and that Meccano catalogue is incredibly rare. Very, very difficult to find one of those. Brilliant. Wow, Rich, nice one. Right, so uh, after this, I think I'm going to go and uh, check out the YouTube videos. But yeah, congratulations, Java 57. It looks brilliant, and the fact that it's never been played with... Something truly special. So then, staying on Tantive, I think this has got to be credited to the forum. It's got to be credited to the podcast episode 38 because people are buying shuttles left, right and centre. Dr. Ball MD showing off on page 13. Hey, shuttle, nice one. Yeah, got to be inspired by the podcast. And the 89th Chris with the best photography skills I've seen on any of the forums. Again, showing off his shuttle. Nice to see your shuttles, lads. I, uh, yeah, I'd like to think we had something to do with you guys pulling your finger out and adding one of the classiest ships to your collection. Something truly special. Let's move on. Staying on page 13, though. Rich, you've pointed out this beautiful item, which has been uh, shown off by Hell Hippie. What's taking your fancy, mate? Yeah, it was a fantastic item. Uh, Hell Hippie's had quite a few really cracking acquisitions recently, and he, and he's, he takes some great photographs. Um, but what really intrigued me about that one is that recently on on a Facebook group, a guy had posted the same item on there, and he was immediately immediately hit with, "Oh, it's been repainted and it's a fake." So, so what is the item? Well, it's the light blue painted Boba Fett helmet. I did a little bit of research on that because I've never known exactly myself where these have come from. So I went back through a lot of posts and I found this post on TIG. And uh, it was written by Wolf, who wrote, you know, some of those fantastic CEO guides. And he's given two reasons as to the possibility of the light blue Boba Fett uh, painted helmet. So as we know, they were all produced in Taiwan and they have a spray painted blue helmet tilly at the front. So he said, reason one is it's possibly the brown and red colouring from the visor had bled into the blue paint, which needed corrected afterwards. Or possibly two, it was a factory error where the wrong colour was applied initially and was then corrected later on. 
Now, he's never entirely satisfied with either of those DVs. It's things that extra costs to do that just didn't make any sense. And also that you've got red and brown paint on the arms, and we don't have, you know, painted arm fits. So I've got to be wondering then, so could it be possibly something to do with the visor? Now, I could be talking utter rubbish here as normal. But, guys, what I want you to do is I want you to think all the way back to when we very first saw Boba Fett. Okay, now, whether this was on that... Um, was it the San Anselmo Fair where he was marching through the fair and he had his helmet on? What did Boba Fett have just above that if, if the helmet on his visor? Remember? Now, remember the eyes that were painted? No. No? Remember the eyes that were painted on Boba Fett's helmet initially? There was a, there was a pair of eyes painted above the visor on the helmet. No? No. Uh, right, well, I may be talking about a rubbish here, but uh, it got me thinking it. As well, if on there, where, oh, where are you going? I've lost you. Yeah. Oh, is he there? Hello. Where's, where has he gone? Uh, he's just showing back up online, so he lost lost the connection. He was lost in mid flow. He, he dropped what's... dropped the tin cans. What's he talking about? It's unfair. And... I have no idea. I thought I was only one. Painted on the ha- Fett's well, helmet. When we first saw Boba Fett, was on the. Holiday special, I well, think. Yeah, I, I saw I saw Jedi before I saw the holiday special. So, and I, so, I, I never saw the fish until until I was an adult. Like five years yeah. ago. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, I don't know. Rich, you know. I've got no idea what happened there. When did we first see Fett? Well, we saw we saw we first saw Fett in the test shots. So there was the Fett in the white costume, and then he went to America and he was in some big public some fair where Fett was marching through and he, I'm sure he had uh, eyes painted on the top above the visor um, and then the decision was made further on down the line to remove the eyes. So I was wondering perhaps, I could be talking a lot of rubbish, but is there a possibility that a photograph of Fett with the eyes still on the visor was perhaps sent to this factory when the paint was made? I've got no idea. It just, it, it, it's just something that didn't interest me. Yeah, surely, surely the the, uh, the the feature of the helmet is painted on, and it's just, I mean, the helmet is that coloured master badge now. No, the, the, uh, I think the, the light blue painted fet is, it's been painted, and then they've put the red and the, the brown bits on, and then they've painted again over the top, but they've applied it with hand, like, like a hand paintbrush as opposed to another spray mask. The only way to prove what happened with the light blue fet is for somebody to strip the paint away, and nobody's going to do that because these are not cheap. Uh, unless, it, you, unless you pull the head off, which I don't know how much damage that caused, and actually look at in, you know inside because it would be a different plastic because they wouldn't go inside, would they? Mm-hmm. That that would be one way of. But risky, but risky. It, it would be risky. Yeah, I don't think anybody's. I mean, what are these light blue paint effects? They're probably looking about what 120 pound, 150 pound. I don't think that'd be too far away. Mm. Right, mm. mystery. So we're going to want someone to come on and verify what you're saying, Rich, or just come up with some other alternative suggestion or definite facts of right. This is what happened. This is why there is this variation. But there you go. Light blue helmet fit. Wow. Light blue painted helmet fit. Light blue painted helmet fit. Wow. Something truly special. Moving over to page fourteen. Commander Clint showed off. A thousand trading cards. He'd got a thousand trading cards for a hundred dollars. Delighted with it. Ten cents a card. And uh, and what we'll do is 
Commander Clint, such a supporter of the podcast, really, really doing some great work on Tantive. So let's go over now and uh, see what he's got to say. Hey guys, uh, Commander Clint here. Jez has asked me to talk about my uh, trading card purchases. Um, I got a fairly good one there a couple weeks ago, about a thousand trading cards for about a hundred dollars. Trading cards are something that I've uh, kept. I kept all my originals as a kid. Um, I remember uh, trading them at nine or ten years old, the uh, Empire Strikes Back ones, and I definitely remember trying to find the uh, Return of the Jedi wax packs in the local convenience stores around the area where I grew up. That's probably when I became addicted to them. Uh, Trading cards are probably one of the first things that I tried to complete, probably even before my... uh, loose figure sets, uh, both the tops and the OPG uh, sets. Uh, OPG is the Canadian uh, version uh, here in Canada. They have English and French on them. And ever since then, I've been trying to track down empty display boxes, unopened wax packs, and the wax wrappers. Uh, I find it's a nice economical way of uh, filling in the collection without uh, buying full uh, display boxes. But currently, I just have four more tops, uh, Star Wars Series 1 through 4 unopened wax packs to go, and both tops and OPG series will be completed. When I see a deal like this, are the two deals that I picked up, because probably they came from two different collections, I just couldn't pass it up. I love the trading cards and putting them together. I never, ever open unopened wax packs all the trading cards that I have are from childhood collections. And uh, when I get collections like that, I put them together and uh, try and sell off any extras to pick up new stuff or I'll trade them or even give them away in some, uh, some of our prize uh, prize giveaways. That's pretty much it. So thanks a lot guys and have a great day. Bye. Cheers, Clint. Nice one. Let's move on. Staying on to page 14, go Kyle with his rusty, brown-gloved Tuscan Raider. Never seen these before. Brown-gloved, rusty, brown-gloved Tuscan Raider. Now, is this a variant which any of you guys are familiar with? I'll take your side. Well, well, come on. Is this it, another made-up one? Exactly. It's just a different shade, isn't it? Come on. <laughs> Well, the theories there are the rusty gloves only came on an early 12A card back. I'm not so sure about that, but you can see them as they're all lined up. Brown, 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 brown. Rusty brown. And it is a definite different shade. However, I've not really seen this. Now, Stu, I asked you to look on trackers. Is there anything which highlights this as a a variation on tracker? Tracker doesn't go into variants like that. Um, Tracker, Tuscan Raider is purely... The Tuscan and the Hollow Tubes Tuscan. Yeah. There isn't that many variants on their only major. They he's not he's not going into all this business. Okay. Jared would be there all year if he was uh, going to add every shade of grey or brown or red or whatever it is. So no, Jez is the answer to your question. Okay. Now what's going to be far more interesting, Jez, is if now we're going to see an explosion of rusty hand. Tuscan Raiders shooting up in prices on Facebook because you are going to be the person to blame for this now. 
But I just want to say, uh, rusty gloves. This is the first time I've ever heard this expression when I read these show notes. Someone, someone somewhere is sitting on a computer just making up random variant names. Uh, right well, it come from? I mean, I mean, is it, if you just put this on the podcast, is it just you doing it, or is it actually someone? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Not me. No, it's there. I read the same thing, and I thought, well, I read that bit about early twelve backs, and I thought that doesn't sound right because I've had a rusty glove Tuscan before, which was just <laughs> a bad a paint job. job. It sounds wrong. It does. <laughs> um, and I was, shall I, I was clearing out all the variants, and I thought it is quite cool because it is. It, when it's different, it's really different. I mean, it's almost what is it? It's almost orange as opposed to the the brown. But I thought I don't care. It's a paint variant. It's not a variant. Get rid. So it's gone. I'm now probably looking at the next red bar R five, aren't we? Well, we'll just see. We, we've we've already in this new acquisitions had several questions. So we want to know more about these projectors, and if anyone's collecting them all. We will not want to know more about the bubbles and the theory which he came up with. The light blue painted FET helmet. And now this, the rusty gloves. I mean, seriously, this is, um, yeah. I need someone to, to show me the rusty glove place in all of this. Where, where, <laughs> where did they fall? Where did they come? This is, um, yeah, very interesting to me. But anyway. Just, do you think that links into what we were talking about? Of- people's collections where they've hit a point and just gone, right, I'm, I'm making this up now. Yeah, we, we all just, um, just, we all just come up with a random variant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, this, is, this is different, but it's now different. I've noticed it's different because it's been pointed out, but it's, um, yeah, no, I would take that as a, as a, as a visual difference, I would do. Good I, I agree with you on that. I just want to know who's making the names up. Oh, is there a come up with Rusty Glove? <laughs> is, is there a <laughs> the more you say it, the better it gets. It's the, dis- <laughs> the disco boot one gets me. How, uh, what is a disco boot? And, and how does it even look like a disco boot? Yeah, should, should we like ask for, ask the ask the world of Star Wars oh. or maybe a committee to, uh, to to give judgment on these things? Say yes, there is now a Rusty Glove Tuscan Raider well, variant rather well, than just. But somewhere else. Great idea. I think we're all in agreement that it's a worthy variant. I think what we can do is put the picture up and say rusty glove or and then allow people to come up with a suitable alternative for this special variant. Something truly special. We'll leave the forums for a bit. We'll go over to Facebook. Stu, you've um you wanted to mention something which Mark Hockley's recently picked up. Yeah, do you know what? He he posted this on the 27th of September on the Beyond the Toys Facebook group. And he got himself a Kenner 1984 pre-Toy Fair catalogue. Now, I know Mark's quite into the um, the Kenner toy catalogues and whatnot. But he thought he got most of the Kenner ones. But he didn't realise that these pre-Toy Fair catalogues existed. So he's got himself a 1984 one, I think. Wait there, let me just open up that image I've got. So it's, it's covering Return the Jedi, Care Bears... Strawberry Shortcake, Night Rider, Play-Doh, all those kind of things. And um, I've never really looked at them. The price of these catalogues puts me off because they're, they're always into the hundreds of pounds, some of these catalogues. You see them go on Vectors for 150 £200 pound for a catalogue. And I'm like, wow. But then he sent me the images of this open. And it is incredible. It's striking. They're beautiful. But this is, so this is 1984, but it's got loads of Star Wars toys, like the Land Speeder in there in the Star Wars box. 
is still advertised in here. Um, it's got the um, the Jubak in the Star Wars box in there, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter, but not in the Jedi Jedi packaging, which was quite surprising. But it's the little um, the little stat in the brochure, which is the most fascinating thing. Now, on one of the pages under introducing the collector series, now in, in red at the very bottom of the page, it says 92% of boys aged 5 to 10 have seen Star Wars an astounding average of 6.3 times each, which um, I thought was quite incredible. But, boys, have any of you collected these catalogues? Say, so, Sorry, you've got some of them in They, like used to, they're brilliant, they're amazing, but I don't get the pricing on them. No, nor do I, and it's always put me off, but looking through this one, see now, I don't know if any of you boys have looked at the images from inside, but I, I, I would assume Kim Simmons done the photography, I wouldn't know, but like advertising the rankle which has just come out, but they've made it in rocks. And the rankle stand there with the Gamora guard in his hand. Luke's hiding behind a rock. It's just brilliant. I just it really pops. And at the back of it, it's got like um the planograms you can buy to show how to set your toys out in your store. It's got the displays which you can buy for your store. So it's got like you know the collectible sixty five, and then it's even got like some of the um the gimcrack type oddities in there like the colouring books are advertised in the back and the force lightsabers I just thought it was a really nice item um, it, Mark actually said that he then got stung on just under 20 quid on import charges but he said it's one item that he received through and even the import charge couldn't wipe the smile of his face so he absolutely loves it although he did ask me, could I just mention this um, he's looking for the Palatoy 1985 one so if any listener can hook him up he would be massively trying to think of the word. Grateful. <laughs> um, Jez, I know you were asking about much. He didn't. He didn't uh, tell me that. But there's the normal 1984 toy fair, not the pre-toy fair, but the normal 1984 Kenner catalogue is on eBay at the moment for 113 pound buy now. But like I said, I have seen some of these go up to uh, just short of 200 quid at Vectors. So. Yeah, very nice. Yes, you see in that studio, but obviously when I go down to Vectors, there are always catalogs there. Every single time I go down to catalogs, some of them have sold for about sixty quid. Um, yeah, I suppose it gets which ones they are, isn't it, and how much desirability is it? There was one. There was once there was three or four identical catalogs, and like the first one went for hundred, the second one went for hundred and twenty, the third one went for like seventy. So you've just got to be there at the right place at the right time, you know. It just depends on who wants one. I just think this. I just think the images really pop. I'll, I'll, like I said, he sent me all the images. He did send me the eBay links. I probably could have found out the price, but when I went to open it, it just said it had been removed. So sadly, I can't. But we will put the images up on Facebook because the Rebo band really pops, really, really stands out. Obviously, Rebo's completely blue, but it just looks incredible. Something truly special. Brilliant, Stu. Cheers, mate. One which is off of the show notes, lads. I need to give thanks here to Justin Lee. He he pointed me out to the Toy Toys Collectors 18 Plus group. Mm, sounds like some sort of holiday club, doesn't it? Toy Toy Collectors 18 Plus. Uh, and he's shown me a really special Toy Toys special off a land speeder, which has been put on by David Rogers. He had put a post on saying, I'd never had many vehicles growing up. I had this one, though, but it was probably given away when he left home. You can probably imagine how stoked I was to stumble across this gem yesterday at my local comic store for 150 bucks. 
and it's a Tortoise Bogged Land Speeder. But the thing is, it's got this special offer sticker on it. Now, this is a post which took significant amounts of comments. And you can just generally tell by the amount of likes and the amount of comments exactly how much gem you've got sometimes. And uh, everyone's coming on saying special offer version, amazing score. Uh, and he said actually that there were two of these for sale in the shop. One was even more beaten up and it had a missing flap. So he, he, he left it, he didn't get it. It was quickly picked up by someone else though. And other people put on various different comments, but astonishing pickup, congratulations. This brings the total number of known special offer examples to six or seven. So there we go. For that price, he has just got himself an absolute bargain. I mean, this thing is mint. It's a gorgeous looking box anyway with the old Star Wars racetrack. But with the Toll Toys logo and the special offer sticker, yeah, he, he's done brilliantly. What was the special offer for, Jess? The special offer was for Luke Skywalker and R2-D2. So you might think, oh, I thought it could have been Ben Kenobi. But there we go, yeah. Special offer, two figures came with that, and it was Luke and R2. So, um, yeah, cool as you like. David, congratulations, mate. An awesome, awesome find. Delighted for you. And um, and thanks very much to Justin as well. Oh, there was one other thing to note. On the side of the box was a big handwritten Andrew, which very much reminded me of a whole Toy Story thing. And the fact that he, he's got back his childhood toys again, you know, not his original childhood one. I just thought it was a really, really nice Toy Story moment. Uh, for this particular Facebook group. So Tortoise Collectors 18 Plus. Nice one, boys. Something truly special. So that's final one which I want to discuss with you. All right. I was on the Imperial Gunnery Forum, and it was on page 22. Craig T shows off his Max Rebo band. Now, the first time this ever entered my collection was only a few years ago. Never even... I just can't remember it as a kid. So I just want to have a bit of a discussion on the old Max Rebo band. Can I just stop you there, Jez? Yeah. You've said it twice now. Oh, what are you what yeah. are you calling it? Exactly. It's a Sai Snootles band. You're absolutely right. For some reason in my head I've always had it as the Max Rebo band. But it's Sai Snootles and the Rebo band, isn't it? It is, but we all see the Max Rebo band. So is this possibly the most mispronounced set of figures in the entire Star Wars collection. That's a really good point. This could be more heinous crime than Luke Skywalker farm boy, couldn't it? Well, yeah, poor old size noodles, who is the lead singer of that band, gets relegated to the bloody organist. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's like seeing a drummer as a musician. You know, it just, it just, it's just not right. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point, because I've even typed up in all the search show notes, Max Rebo Band. And, um, yeah, it was only on further stuff here that I'm like, yeah, Cyrus Mills. Great point. Great point, Rich. Yeah, just because they're lead singers, I mean, they have to be they have to be named after them. There's like, plenty of bands out there who are not. Dave Clark, Five Strings, I think he was a drummer. Yeah. But it's it's written all across the box, though, isn't it? Size Snootles and the Rebo Band. It's 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 to my best of my knowledge, it's never Max Rebo Band. Anyway, is that is that the same on both boxes? Because you had the Shadow Box, which is obviously Kenner, which I know it does sound that. But is it the same on the um the Solid the Box logo. from the Tri Logo? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Band names is a really weird thing, though, because Mike Oldfield, Moonlight Shadow, sung by a chick. I was like, what? That name's not Mike. And it goes on to this whole thing with Cy Snoodles. For ages, I was like, well, I thought it was a woman. Why is it called Cy? 
Si, what are your thoughts on this, Si? Max Rebo banned to me. Yeah, are you named after a woman? What, what's going on? Si? I'm not having that at all. Have she's you, got your she's legs green. <laughs> she's got your lips, Stu. <laughs> He's got Stu's tummy. <laughs> <laughs> How very rude. <laughs> I love it. It's brilliant. And there was an interesting discussion somewhere online. Should it be part of a complete loose run of figures? Uh, and who was it came up with the answer? They did it. They, they made it very eloquently. It was basically, yes, they were a set of figures issued in the three and three quarter inch scale. So yeah, of course, just, of just, course they should. it's just like a triple pack, isn't it? It's a three it pack. They came together. They're, they're, they're figures. There's not many other play sets which come with, physically loose figures is there right so would you say that to complete your mint on card run you need to have the blister version of this not necessarily the blister it depends what you're collecting doesn't it if if like me you go uk so palatoy tri logo uh then i'd say the the tri logo box set is just as valid as the blister pack which i would say the shadow box is a nicer display than the tri logo on this Very good, very good question there, Rich. Yeah, very well. Stu, you've referred to the shadow box. So, basic history of this one, mate. Just go through again the different packaging options. I mean, how many were there? Well, to be honest with you, it's very difficult to research something like this because there's not a great deal on the production pieces. So, you've got the Kenesh, which they refer to as the shadow box. That is the one with the the window in it so you can see what's what. And then, obviously, Europe had the Trilogo solid box. Now, I know this came out on the, with Lily Leddy, but I'm assuming it was just the Kenner box. No, that's all my, the, the only two I was aware was the the Shadow Box blister pack and the Tri-Logo. I'm so only aware the... that Leddy did it because the Leddy figures, the variants of the Leddy ones, now, they, they, this, this is a variant that does, is quite, put them alongside each other, they do look massively different. Like, Droopy is just darker all round. His pants are really dark. So you can, it's really noticeable. Rebo is really dark blue and his limbs, you know, no lady Rebo, the limbs don't ever fade. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I saw that on the Imperial Gunnery. So much better, isn't it? So just different type of plastic, um, just obviously none of the degradation that we've spoken about earlier on on this podcast. Yeah. And Sai, obviously, the, um, the spots are different colours, aren't they? And there's a few differences on on her as a lady but yeah it's interesting actually refer to it as the lady and yes i had heard that the max rebo was was perma blue and he was a really good insane blue color and he stayed that way but i've now seen two trilogo boxes and i had one of them which had the figures still in the bags they've been opened but they're still in the bags and he was that insane blue but i've got no reason to believe that he had been acquired separately. And then someone on Facebook again the other day dug out a set that they'd had in their loft for goodness knows how long, I don't know, 10, 15 plus years and showed it up. And again, the Max Rebo was that insane blue. So I'm just wondering whether there was any overstock that made its way over to Europe. I would have thought that would have been unlikely, to be honest with you, from Mexican factory, or whether they were producing them perhaps in Spain with the same production materials as used in mexico but it would appear that there are those that fade and those that don't in trilogo boxes as well yeah so this is one which obviously comes with three characters a little piano bathtub 
and a woodwind instrument and a couple of mics. Rich, you know, the, as you know, we've got reproduction or repro. Uh, what, what's out there, mate, with regards to repro items? You definitely can't get uh, repro. No, sorry, sorry, ev- sorry. The clue is in the question. Um, repro, uh, what's out there with regards to repro microphones and instruments? Um, you've got to be really careful with these because of the price of the flute and the mic stands. They are, you know, they're obviously going to be repro items out there. So both of the black and the silver types of flute and mic stands have all been reproduced. So you've got to be really careful. And they're incredibly difficult to check because according to the, the TIG guide, the flow test doesn't always work for these. The biggest clue, and if you've got uh, repo versions of these, is the plastic itself and, and the feel of the plastic, because the repo ones are very brittle, and if you if you feel like giving them a bit of a squeeze, they, they will snap very easily, and not too many people want to try that with original weapons, but uh, yeah, it's, it's all to do with the brittleness of the plastic. Now, what I am a little bit surprised at, although... I'm not surprised nobody's made a, a rep or piano yet, or certainly not a wave one, but the skirt on size noodles, I would have thought that there would have been rep or ones of those yet, but I can't find any information at all on the skirt, which uh, I just thought was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but Jez, what I wasn't, wasn't aware of when I was researching rep items is that on TIG, they've claimed that if you have a silver flute, you should have black stands. Yeah, and if that. you... Yeah, and if you've, if you've got black flutes, you should have silver stands yeah. to make the second one. And, and I was never aware of that. No. Rich, I think you'll agree, mate. This, on researching this on the Imperial Gunnery, is probably blow my mind more than any of the other repro or information bits on, on TIG. This is just, they have put so much work into this with regards to, as you said, Stu, as well, the identification between the Kenner and uh, the Mexican Leddy versions it just gives you a full rundown of exactly what you need to look for be it a, a, a cream head feather or the sort of more white gray head feather on slice noodles uh, it just goes into so much detail it's just to 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 quote it all would be an injustice because i, I really would like to um identify them is, is a great area for people to go and check out yeah without now, a doubt just this this isn't to do with the toys but um didn't you always think that they had all died at the in Jedi. Oh yeah. Well, they didn't. Yeah. Right when Jabba died, they all uh, they all went their separate ways. And Sy Snootles went on to a life of minor singing gigs. Droopy McCall. Now he wandered off into the desert, never to be seen again. And um, let me just this have a in, look. This is in the Tears from Jabba's Palace book, isn't it? Oh, that Freebo. Now he. Became a wealthy restaurant owner of a chain of Max's flank house franchises on seven different worlds. I want to know who's making this stuff up. Oh, I read <laughs> something about that as well. Did he? Wasn't he something or other that when he shook your hand, he tasted you at the same time? No, that's a different book you're reading, Jez. Yeah, no, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely seen that whilst I was looking at this. It was really weird. Because yeah, my assumption was that they were just going to snuff it on the sail barge. But apparently they also appeared in later droid episode, or at least one droids episode. Whoa, 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 whoa. See, that's quite interesting. Earlier droids episodes, mate. Because the droids was, um, the Rebo band was planned to come out, wasn't it? In a droids packaging. Yeah, yes. In fact, you can see that, can't you, on the collector's archive. 
Hang on a second. Rich, what are you on about earlier droids episode? You're gravely mistaken. Well, droids wasn't set after Return of the Jedi, was it? I don't know. Was it not? Well, no. Was that definitely not? Wasn't it? I thought it was set before Return of the Jedi. Were they still, were they still a band in the droids cartoon? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yes. Okay, so that that, that answers it then, because it it states that the three of them never, when they departed, that was it between the three of them. Ah, but that's not canon anymore, though, Stu. Now the tales tales from the Jabba's Palace have been reffled. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) I I don't know. I've I've always just assumed that the droids' cartoons were set before Jedi. But did any of you guys read this? Because whilst doing a little bit of research about this Max Rebo band, and this is the Max Rebo band. There's a lot of stuff online about the Max Rebo Band as opposed to, you know, Cy Snootles and the Rebo Band. So maybe it is Max's Rebo Band and Cy was just a guest singer, possibly. Uh, But anyway, it goes on to say the Max Rebo Band, also known as the Max Rebo 12 and originally Evar Obus and his Galactic Jizz Whalers. Where have you got that from? No, seriously. If you if you Google Max Rebo Band, right, and you look at it, and it's on sort of Wikipedia, Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and all that, I I first read that, and I I just thought, no, right, cut and paste. That's going into my notes, and then I saw it on a different site as well. Ever, yes, over. yes. Yeah. Um, I, I have to back you up here and say that that, that from from um, the original toy, which is apparently the only time they ever mention it much or original things back in the you know early 80s it seems, seems to me that max rebo was the leader of the band all the rest of them were every single one of the apparently there's like 12 members of the band now they've, they've added a few more remember when they did the special editions yeah. a few more people got added in yeah. and every single toy for now that from from that moment is now max rebo band yeah. So it is the Max Rebo band, as in after that. I think I think it's only only time they've ever said it was size Snoodle. So they must have changed something somewhere, or George Lucas got upset and decided to uh, to clamp down on this. And uh, yeah, he is he is supposed to be the the leader of the band. And uh, as someone rightly said, size Snoodles is just a member of the band. Just a singer, yeah. But size Snoodles was dating Jabba's um, Zero the Hut. Jabba's yeah. Is it a cousin? Was it? Clone and Wars. used to um, used to work for Jabba, didn't she? She used to do some some dodgy dodgy dealings. Yeah, if you watch Clone Wars, it's a rather interesting storyline. And uh, Zero the Hut's very camp, exceedingly camp, and it's kind of like purpley, a purple hut. <laughs> yes, I've just checked up on Droid Z, and it's actually set before a New Hope. Is it wow. really? Mm-hmm. I never knew that. I knew it was before Jedi, but I didn't realize it was that early before Star Wars. Mm. Right. Okay, I just need to check up on this, right? So I've just Googled... Oh, God, I didn't, I, I didn't think before I've typed this. So yeah, just, uh, according Googled. to the special edition DVD, it's actually written the Max Rebo Band in the scene titles. So that's yeah. the first time it's mentioned. No, the reason I'm speaking with a disappointed voice is I'm disappointed in myself because I didn't think this through to the finish. Um, I've just typed Max Rebo Jizz and searched... Um, oh God! So, but my, but <laughs> is it blue? Well, it's, there is um, in Wikipedia, jizz, um, and that could be a new name for me. Jizz uh, oh, is an upbeat, swinging genre of music, most notably performed by Fergin Dan and the Modal Nodes and the Max Rebo Band. 
Other notable jizz bands include Babola, Bake, and it goes on and on and on. Subgen subgenres of jizz included the jizz whale and obeyed and glitz. Also, the music from Jats was reminiscent of or in some ways similar to jizz. And then it talks about various jizz instruments. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> instruments producing jizz, jazz. There's, oh, dear. Jess, can I ask a quick question? Is the, is the jizz whale a, um, like a bit of a common sperm whale? Oh, God. No, no, seriously. Um, this is... Oh dear! Can you remember a celebration? I think it was serious. Say the word jizz whaling. How do you blow? How do you blow a jizz instrument? Jess? Oh, it gets worse. Right, some of these jizz. Seriously, this is Star Wars Wicked. Um, jizz instrument. Um, there's the clue horn. There's the oh. jizz box. There's oh, it's... the gasm string drum. Um, there's the peel rod. Seriously. Oh, what on earth is a slither horn? I think if you stick the sliver horn in the jizz box. <laughs> <laughs> this is just all wrong. So then, then you never get a... Right. But this is... Jizz, it, it's Celebration Anaheim. Remember when the Fangirls Going Rogue podcast did a whole Fangirl flail? Yeah. I think at the next celebration, you need to come up with a jazz flail. Is, is that word commonly That's... used for what we're talking about in other countries? Or is it very British? I really don't know. Soon find out when, when Americans and Australians refer to. Anyway. I, think it's, I think it is. Best, best conversation ever. <laughs> so, so, we've done the repro weapons thing. <laughs> Moving on. So, um, yeah, bringing it back down to uh, reality. Right, guys, never had this as a kid. Did any of you guys see this in the UK shops at all? Was no. Yeah, loads of them. I had, but... I had them as a kid, yeah, definitely. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely did. You see a lot of them boxed, I should think, because it's not a particularly playable toy, is it? That's as exactly a child. my point. That's exactly my point. No, I, I saw this as I was looking at it, and I found the Kenner TV advert. Rebo's got the beat, and the band plays on. You can relive it all with Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Introducing Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately. Play it again, Size. Starring Size Noodles, Goofy McCool on clarinet, Max Rebo on organ. Rib, rib it, Rebo. <laughs> Dance, Droopy. It's your last soul, Snoodles. Whoa. Use Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. But guys, I never saw a Palatoy TV advert. There's not one that I can see online. I can't remember seeing this. I mean, that, what a cracking advert that was. But I cannot remember seeing a Palatoy advert at all. I, I can't remember this. Rich, did you actually play with it or was it just shelved? Uh, it probably was just shelved. I probably just had it in the corner when, when I had my Jabba's uh, thrown. But it, it, but it was a three-pack. You know, that, that's why we bought them. You got three figures. And um, if, I, if I had to try logo, which I probably did do, you, you had that big poster as well inside the dry logo box, so it, it, was a, it was a good set. I definitely remember having Max Rebo and the piano. I definitely remember that. It is a great set. It is a great set as a, as a collector. I think it's um, brilliant. Oh, I'm going to buy one. I've got one box. Haven't you got one at all? I've got uh, quite a few bits and pieces loose knocking around, but yeah. 
I never remember it being in shops at all. I don't think the first time I saw it was probably like about five years ago. Never came into my uh, into my path ever. There's quite a lot of. Um, I'm sure you're about to come on to like the oddities, but um, one of the best best pieces of Sigma is the piece that I'd most like to own that I still need, and that is the the Max Rebo music box. Um, be interested to know whether that's classed as size snootles and the Rebo band. I have to check that at some point. But they do a music box of it, and the colours on it are incredible. It's a great, great piece of Sigma. They don't come up too often. But they popped up on a few um, gimcracky type pieces, didn't they? It was a, they were on a comb. They were, you're right, yeah. Another t- and item. Adam Joseph badge, wasn't it? It was one of the badges. That's right, yeah. yeah. There's, not, there's, there's not tons of stuff on it. I mean, I was looking around the, the archive. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot, yeah, apart from outside of stickers and things like that and uh, paraphernalia like that. There's not, um, wasn't many figurines. I said, I, I remember seeing that, that uh, bit of Sigma. It looked really cool, actually. Yeah, it's a lovely place. How bizarre, though, that were brought up droids. Why would those three have appeared in a droid series? Why, why did they do the crossover? Um, because they didn't really have a mass appeal. Did they? None of us were going, oh yeah, I want to be size noodles, I want to be Max Rebo. Because they weren't the main characters, Richard, I imagine. I mean, anything that, that's that's a periphery character would be easy to get into that show, because I mean, there's, there's no, they're not going to infringe on, you know, they're not going to do any toys of them, they're not, they're not going to be licensed or anything, whereas you couldn't put Princess Leia in, because you'd have to go and get, you know, major permission and voice actors and all that sort of stuff. Whereas the, a band, yeah, stick him in, that'd be all right. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think Jez has tried to be Droopy McCall. He's gone with his haircut. <laughs> yeah. You, you had Boba Fett, you know, you, you had the Ewing pilot, and there were four more obvious characters that they could have put. They could have put a weak way in there, or they could have put uh, a Klaatu or something like that in there. It's just it's an odd thing to put in the a kid show. Well, well, I guess thing. they were well, inoffensive. They were, they were sort of friendly, neutral, and kind of funny looking. And they were bands, but in music. Yeah, when you saw them in the, in the film... They were always seen as, you know, a bit of a comedy kind yeah. of view. So, oh, look at those. They look really funny and cute. You know, it's yellows and blues and there's a piano there and it's nonsense. I mean, it's an easy, easy thing for kids to make But you don't want to put, you know, Weequays in there. Poor Weequay. Leave them alone. Sitting in a silent pit being chomped up. But the thing is, we, we collect action figures and it's all about the action. Now, when you think about Star Wars, modal notes. Did they produce those? Did they produce that band? No, of course they didn't. Of course they didn't, because we didn't want them. You know, they just relegated them to the back of the cantina playset, didn't they? Just to add some ambiance and some mood. And it just did appear that what they were doing was just churning out more and more figures for the Jedi run, just saying, all right, yeah, we just need to produce this, need to produce this. Not necessarily coming up with the figures which we wanted, and they give us a band. I mean, come on, that's not going to flick your switch as a kid. Rich, what made you, apart from you said it was a three-pack, I mean, did you did you have every figure as a child? Because I'm sure I would have seen other ones which would have grabbed my attention and, and filled, ticked more boxes than this band. I think it would dignitary. It had been going for that, Rich would have been, or been his favourite figure. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have any of the last 17, but what was probably likely was that with my parents being a bit frugal with money, it would have been a case of, that's Star Wars, that's cheap, there you go, that's what you're getting for Christmas. And a poster, of course, don't forget the poster. 
get a post. Yeah, like you, Rich, I, I didn't have much in the way of vehicles because they were flipping expensive. Uh, but I did also have the Rebo bands. And I don't actually remember playing with it much at all. And if I did, it would have just been Max because he was cool and fat and he had his own little Dalek piano thing. Pete, mate, you've been uh, getting jizzy. Uh, sorry, jizz. You've been, you, 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 <laughs> got it on the mind. you've been getting busy on uh, Tracker. You looking up uh, some prices for us, buddy? I have. And it's not very exciting, sadly. I mean, I look at the, the movement between the prices over, because, I mean, Tracker kind of goes back to about 2014 now, so it's trying to get very good data. And it really hasn't shifted a lot. I mean, I'd say, I mean, let's just take, just for example, sort of regular Palatoy Return of Jedi A1, and boxed, I mean, the average price has gone from about three years ago from about sort of 75, 80 pounds, and it's currently averaging about 90 now. There really isn't a lot of movement on it. Obviously, top-end stuff will move a little bit if it's you know real mint, sealed, and that sort of stuff. But, I mean, for example, a loose uh, a, a loose version of it runs in, as in complete, uh, still about just under 50 quid. I mean, it's not not, a, not an outrageous amount of money, really. You know, it's unspectacular, and there's lots of them. I mean, there's plenty of them. I mean, there's been hundreds of them, and it is averaging at 50 quid for loose. The only spectacular piece of news is there was actually a recorded Lily Leddy loose set. Sadly, it did link to an eBay page, but the pictures are gone. Uh, but that went for uh, 365 quid. And that's the highest I can find of ungraded Max Reba band prices, which is quite sad, really. It's, it's not an exciting price-wise item, and the price does not grow very, very much. So you, you're in there. Pete, did you come across any pricing data for the Blue Harvest Droopy McCool piece or no, pieces? It's, it's pretty. It's pretty standard stuff on on Tracker, where you've got it just covers the um, the loose version, the Kenner Canada A, the Palatoy Return of Jedi A, um, and standard Kenner. And it's just and then just I said the one Lady Lady one. I said there's just one in the three years that it's been been recording information. So, no, not really. Um, it doesn't go into that sort of depth. But, yeah, so prices are unspectacular. Get yourself a nice loose one, 50 quid. Get yourself a box one for in decent condition, around about the the Canada A version, around about £155. Uh, if it's the Palatine Return of Jedi A, the highest has been 372 and the average is £90. So you can easily get hold of one. And there's plenty, plenty of them. They come up about once a week, according to Trekker. Mm. Mm. I've seen adverts for the flute alone, people asking 30 plus pounds just for Droopy's flute. And the, the, the mic stands themselves do anywhere between 10 and 15. So it's really surprising to hear that you can pick up a, a full loose one for, for that money. Yeah. I think it's. I think that that goes with the grain, isn't it? I mean, you you can you can go out and buy an Attack Money and Falcon for, you know, not ridiculous amounts of money, complete. But if you're after the constituent parts, like the chin guns, people are asking like you know, twenty five, thirty, forty quid for each one. So yeah, it's very it true. It doesn't really add up if you're going to put it together. People know that the parts are wanted, so they're going to charge you lots. I mean, I mean, I bought one probably about three, no, about two years ago now, and I got it because it was an auction that ended early in like an afternoon and I got the whole thing for 25 quid. It was just it was ridiculous really. And then it's all mint and nice 
Uh, someone just ran the auction at the wrong, wrong part of the day. So, I mean, I got it well under the average, but I said, even now, it's it's not that high. It's not growing outside of, you know, sort of, it, it, it looks to be growing about £5 a year on average. Right. Loose. Go and get your Wood South one because they're easy to get hold of according to, to, the, to the stats. They're quite easy. <laughs> and any, any version you want, apart from Lady Lady, is, uh, is easy available somewhere. There was a post on Rebel Scum, which made me laugh because I go back a few years. Um, want to buy any Max Rebo band prototypes. Again, Max Rebo, not Cy Snoots. The title says it all. I'm a Max Rebo focus collector and have all the production pieces, so now I venture into the strange and wonderful world of pre-production. Come on, guys and girls. I know someone has something they picked up on a whim that is just gathering dust. Anyway, thanks for looking. And then loads of time goes by, and then just the only other post is bump. <laughs> and, and no one's got anything so this chap you know a few years back said he was a max rebo band focus collector and i thought oh cool chap um because there was obviously not a great deal there was there was nothing on his thing about prototype stuff and um so there's, there's not a great deal but sire i asked you to go out and see what you could find with regards to cool pieces yeah as you say there really isn't a great deal is there and i i wonder how long that took him to to complete his post his production focus not long i wouldn't have thought the only piece i could find was the blue harvest droopy mccool which i know you've discussed it in a previous show blue harvest items were basically made out of sort of dynacast resin but the thing was they weren't really pre-production because they're cast in a blue resin as opposed to the stuff that Kenner at the time was using, which was a greener resin. Uh, and Kenner didn't use this blue resin until 1989 or after, I think it was. So what it transpired was some Kenner employees had found a load of the old four-ups from the, the micro-machine line and all the rest of it, and they'd found the, the a couple of the three-and-three-quarter-inch molds and they'd created these uh, hard copies as such uh, of certain bits and pieces and, and figures and droopy mccool was one of them so there is a blue harvest droopy mccool out there which is interesting because that's although they're a lot cheaper than the genuine resin hard copy would be they're still four figures. I think the last time one sold, or I remember one being discussed, was a good couple of years ago, and that was over $1,000 for something that is essentially a fake and a forgery. Yes, it's been cast with the original mould, but it's been done, what, five years after Star Wars was being made in the factory? I mean, that's, that's a little bit reminiscent of the old Toy Tony scandal, really, except there it's all fake materials it's all much later materials toy tony at least on the whole was using genuine parts and bubbles so how is it that the trade in blue harvest is considered okay and yet we've seen a lot of disputes at the moment about the trade in toy tony so just an interesting parallel but that was it bringing it back to the subject the only piece i could find was the blue harvest droopy mccool right so these blue yes, harvests, you're seeing, sorry, you're seeing that was the Blue Harvest is considered okay because it's not. There's a huge sphere of the collectors that won't even touch them. Is there? I, I, yeah, hadn't yeah. Seen much, I hadn't seen much people sort of deriding it. I mean, yes, it's a fake. People got sacked. It was done to deceive. People got ripped off. But they are still very desirable. Uh, uh, well, if they weren't, people wouldn't be paying four figures well, for them. But it's interesting yeah. you say that there's uh, a split in it. 
They're only desirable because the hard copies are so bloody expensive and so few. These are much more obtainable. So, you know, that, that that's the only reason they are desirable. You could say that about a lot of the, the toy toner stuff, though, couldn't you? The German car back stuff. The originals are, are few and far between. Um, some of them don't even aren't even known to exist, are they? You can justify... The, the, what I'm saying is you can justify the price somehow, but it, it boils down to the fact there is a demand and, and people collect them. But what else is there at the moment? What, there's, there's another thing which is slightly troubling, which I've seen whilst I was looking and, and doing a little bit of research for this. Another trick which has been employed by certain people which could um, potentially fox someone when it comes to purchasing. Blue dye. In particular. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And we're not going to go into the ins and outs of this, but we need to make sure people are being really careful, actually, if they see a really, really blue Max Rebo out there, you know, at various different trade stores or or, or wherever, you must have a really, really good look at this and, and turn it over and have a little look amongst all the creases and stuff to see if this is actually one which has been re-dyed because there are a few people doing that at the moment. And bearing in mind that a lot of people want a decent coloured blue one if you haven't got a leddy. You know, my limbs have massively faded on mine. It's one thing which I do want to upgrade. But there is now a bit of a thing for people dying their uh, Max Rebos, which is a bit concerning. I tell you something, Jess, I'm far happier about my Rebo going light blue than I am about anything white going yellow. It really doesn't bother me halfway anywhere near as much. Yeah, do you know what, Rich? Just looking at my collection now, yeah, I mean... It does bother me, but you're right. It would bother me less than something going yellow. So, uh, yeah. I mean, imagine having a really, really dirty yellow shuttle. You know, I'm talking real dehydrated shuttle. Well, I would just feel a total embarrassment if I had one of them. Yeah. Yeah, really, really would. And also, I mean, not quite as embarrassing as being named after a female skinny potbelly alien. You can't even sing. I mean, that would be bad. Oh, I'm sorry. I was I just dropped off and just were you saying something? And, and didn't didn't Uncle Owen pretty much waste the time and got burnt alive? Hey, what? Seeing like Sai McOwen. It was Rich. You were doing so well. <sighs> He always tries a little bit too hard sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's like a McDonald's on Tatooine. Um, Guys, sorry, I, Rich, I, don't try and give me a second gag. I'm still trying to figure out your <laughs> first one. <laughs> so, finally, I was looking through all my collecting books and various different things to see what I could find. On, on pre-production or, or bits and pieces. And the only thing I could see was in Gus and Duncan's pre-production book, there was a Rebo signed sample. So not pre-production, but a, a signed sample, which is obviously your your production one with just the sticker on. It was Size Noodles and the Rebo Bands, 22nd of February, 1984. And there's a note on it saying, need to minimise the resin marks on the microphone, which I thought was pretty cool. But I haven't seen a great deal out there. So I think what I'm going to do is, uh, is see if we can um, hook up with the inaugural member of the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance. The Rebel Alliance. And, uh, and see if he can help us out with a little bit more information. Hello, Chris Jorgulius here again, recording for the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. 
I'm going to do a little bit of background on some uh, toy development. This time we'll be talking about Sice Noodles and the Max Rebo and Droopy McCool, the uh, Rebo band. And I guess just to get in a little bit, this toy line, this this set was actually first shown in the 1984 Kenner Pre-Toy Fair catalog. Where they talk about them being action figures and the box clearly says action figure set. I know some people somehow don't consider these part of the line because they weren't individually carded, but you know it makes sense that these were sold and created as a band, as a full set. So they are part of the line. They have holes in their feet. They are action figures, whereas the Tauntaun and the Trash Monster are not action figures, but that's a discussion for another day, and there's never any uh, consensus on that anyway. So, just to talk a little bit about that, I know that the it seemed early on the Droopy McCool and Max Rebo their designs stayed pretty consistent. But uh, Size Noodles actually early on had um, the leg design had four toes instead of five. So the front three were a little looked more like a bird foot, more so more pointed, and the three three front toes were splayed out a little wider, and then there was just a single toe going to the rear but um the design was more unstable that way so they changed it to the design we have now with the five toes and um i know her her eyes were a little bit longer and her horn was pointed forward so they made some revisions to that character and um in the end it was a pretty good uh rendition of it the uh i know that they did some concepts on the microphones um there was a concept where they took a Emperor's Royal Guard force pike with staff. Um, there was one molded in black, and they bent the end of it. And then at the other end, they used a little clay clay to make a base, and they had mocked up a microphone using a black uh, Emperor's Royal Guard staff. Uh, it's pretty pretty interesting idea. Um, so as I said, uh, first shown in the 1984 Pre-Toy Fair catalog... But um, when it came to 1985, pre-Toy Fair, it was still in there, um, as you know it. And But in 1986, the uh, 1986 Toy Fair catalog uh, was was showing the Max Rebo, uh, sorry, it, it's it, the Size Noodles and Rebo band set in droids packaging. Um, that was something that was a really shock to many collectors when they first saw it. It shows the uh, set just in a blue droids logo set. No physical prototypes of that have ever turned up that I'm aware of. Um, but we do have these photos from the catalog. It looks pretty, pretty sharp in that blue box. They were on the cartoon. They, um, in, in some of the model drawings that have turned up for the droids cartoon, the, 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 uh, the characters are detailed out. Even their their uh, accessories, their their microphones have been detailed out in uh, model cell drawings from Lucasfilm. So they definitely were incorporating that into their cartoon, which is definitely to, designed to sell toys. You know, you can watch that cartoon and see many different Kenner toys explicitly on the screen like that. So that was neat. It never came out in the droid packaging, as you know, 1985, and then. 1986, it was completely gone. So um, I don't know if it sold through 1985 or they just abandoned it at that point. But it's uh, it's a pretty cool set. A lot of care, a lot of collectors love it. 
and um, hope you learned something from that little bit of background. Thank you. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. Chris Tregulius, thank you so much for sending us that information. I'm, I'm sure that is fresh news to everyone with regards to what we've just heard of the, of the concept stuff. Lads, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think that just summed up everything that I believed of the Kenner Factory when uh, when Chris said that they just took that Empire's World God stuff and bent it and added a bit of putty on. It, that was just, you know, I can picture that in my mind's eye now. Somebody's grabbing that and going, that looks like a mic. I'm just going to add this, add that. It's It's just a... It's such a simple thing, but it's such a work of genius. I found that little bit there absolutely fascinating. And that's why it's fantastic getting the likes of Chris on this show, because not one of us knew that. I've never read it anywhere. I've never seen it anywhere. You know, and thanks, Chris, for sharing your knowledge. It makes this podcast so much better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when he when he was saying that about the microphone, yeah, yeah perfect. And the size snootles as well, not just the feet, the toes, but, you know, the eyes and the horn. Yeah, Chris, without that knowledge, as you say, Rich, it just it just wouldn't be the same. So... Thank you so much. We are really indebted to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance. Something truly special. I really want to see this band in a droids box now. I'm going to have to go and hunt one of them, some pictures online, I think, because that sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, very clear to see on Star Wars Collector's Archive, mate, and, uh, and we'll put a picture of that definitely on the Facebook page. I mean, Chris had sent me a message saying, oh, um, you know, do you think people will mind the fact that there's no images or that there's not an image for them to see? But, you know, when it comes to describing pieces like that, I don't think we necessarily need the image. We can all just visualize it. And uh, and that's certainly good enough for me. So, yeah, once again, thanks very much. You could always make one, Jez. <laughs> Challenge not accepted. <laughs> you know, we, we, so we all know who the artistic person is, and that's Pete. So, uh, yeah, maybe I should uh, pass that one on to Pete. But also, since we recorded, there was something else which I saw um, pop up on the IC Facebook group. Is a chap called Josh Lipscomb. Fantastic find. And we're just going to go straight to a recording, which he was great enough to do for us. Really, really short notice to tell about Josh's amazing tale. My name is Josh Lipscomb, and I appreciate the opportunity of sharing a recent find that I had. I'm not sure what everybody else does, but I imagine, like you, I'm constantly looking, whether it be on social media sites or classified apps online craigslist you name it ebay running the gamut and then locally you know just connecting with antique dealers and shops and flea markets and yard sales estate sales just to see what's out there and you know some oftentimes it's missed sometimes it's hit but uh, i've been fairly lucky the last year I've, i've had some really success in finding you know stuff for my collection but the last few months it's been just dry i mean i've been calling people and just making sure that people are aware of me and i have a few contacts here locally that i built a good relationship with that whenever someone comes in to sell star wars they they typically uh, will call me up and um, they'll buy it and try to flip it to me but so you know you don't have any control over that but but last week I've just been I've been running all my contacts and you know seeing who's got if anybody has anything and really nothing. But anyway, I've been eyeing this this tri logo squid head <laughs> local shop that I wanted, but he wanted too much money for it and kind of got to a part where I was you know so desperate for anything. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go and pick up that squid head. So I, 
I uh, drove and uh, was literally walking in the door, and one of my contacts sent me a message saying, you should call this gentleman, gave me a gentleman's name or gentleman's phone number and his name, saying that he had some some 12 backs and walked into his store trying to sell them and uh, told me that he wasn't going to move on them, so maybe I should. And uh, when I got the message, I was like, 12 backs, wow, that's that's kind of unusual. And, you're, you know, I'm used to getting a, you know, hand, you know, Gamorrean guard or something, you know, but I was like, 12 back, okay. So I was like, it's worth a shot. So I gave the guy a call and he was like, hey, you know, I uh, heard you had some 12 back card of figures. And he told me that, told me a story. And, uh, you know, like anything, I d- believed half of it, but. The story was basically that his mom bought him a full set of 12-back carded figures when he was a kid. And uh, he was never interested in Star Wars, but for some reason kept it. And said that he kept these these 12-backs in his closet since he got them. So, you know, it sounds like an unbelievable story. So it's like, okay, would you mind sending me some pictures so I can see them? So, you know, I didn't expect much. I didn't have any sense that this was going to be in a, any kind of an amazing find but you know he just sent me these the pictures of them through text message and i got the first one and the first one was a kind of roughed up vader and uh i was like okay now you know it you know really actually kind of in bad shape and so i was like okay this is cool and uh so over the next five minutes he sent me a slew of photos of all the 12 backs and the vader was the worst one and so you know i I was I was a little bit shocked and a little bit overwhelmed by it and uh, wasn't quite bought in yet. Thought this might have been a scam, you know. Uh, thought it been a reproduction card or something. So I just studied the pictures and got more pictures of the bubbles and sent it out to all my friends that I knew had an idea, you know, just to authenticate it, just to get a different opinion. And they all sent sent me back saying that these are legit. So I uh, sent back the message to the guy and just said you know I'm, I'm very interested in it you know unfortunately i can't see you today can we meet tomorrow which meant that i had a uh, sleepless night <laughs> to say the least so i got all these pictures on my phone just studying them all night long <laughs> looking at them and uh <laughs> you know wondering if he's going to show up you know when you see something like that you kind of have to move on it quickly but anyway long story short you know we set up a meeting actually in my office at one o'clock and so their whole morning i'm like he's not going to show or maybe he's found someone else but we text him back and forth and you know i'm i'm at this point a hundred percent that they are legit and uh hoping that he would show up so we our time to meet was i think it was one o'clock and it was like 15 minutes late and i'm like panicking <laughs> and uh so finally he texts me that he was there and comes in and lays him out on the table and i i mean i was doing everything i can not to hyperventilate but you know it's basically three three of the 12 was kind of in roughed up shape nothing below a 70 if it, if they were graded uh but the rest of them were, are absolutely pristine i mean you know 80s or 90s or 80 or 85 at least if I, they had them graded i don't know if i am yet but just an amazing experience and he tells me you know as we're passing he's like oh i have an extra one too i have a 13th one so he throws in an extra sam person so i have two sam people he's almost like as a casual throwaway i have an extra one so you know that was a very very good day he didn't 
fully anticipate, you know, what they were worth, had a sense of it. And so I know that I could have gotten them cheaper than I did, but, you know, I gave them everything that I could. And um, needless to say, we were both very happy. And the cool thing about it was he's a local guy, and I look on the price tags of the figures, and they're right there on the Jawa is a price tag from a local toy shop here in my hometown where when I was a kid I used to shop at. So it made it way more special. I'll never get rid of that. Just the price tag in some ways is more, you know, more special than their whole figure just to reminisce like, wow, this is a figure that was bought at a shop that I used to to shop at. So I never thought it would happen, but uh never thought, never dreamed, I, you know, it wasn't possible for me to happen, but you know, I ended up with all 12 12 bags. All two of them are 12 12 back A's and one of them or the rest of them are B's and um, now I'm working on a display to put them all up but keep hunting you never know right when you think that nothing is going to happen someone calls you out of the blue and you know something amazing happens so that's my story keep hunting friends something truly special so there we go that just wraps up this month's new acquisitions absolutely brilliant stuff all around lads thanks ever so much for your hard work looking into the different things and thank you for the people who have got involved commander clint brilliant stuff with your th- uh, with your thousand cards chris jogulius and finally as we said josh lipscomb the message is out there for everyone never give up and keep hunting friends ladies and georgians children of all sizes gather in all your penguins and associated equine Pick up your horn, give it a bally good toot, because it's the Market Watch. Mr. Moynihan, music please. Game crack, show us your game crack. We value your game crack, show it to me. Gim crack this month. We've had a few things come in. One is from Commander Clint on Tantive Forum. Quite a few little pieces, actually. The, well, the one that caught my eye was uh, three mail-in posters from, from General Mills Canada Serial Premiums. Three really nice little posters with Return of the Jedi in English and Retour de Jedi um, logos on all the pieces. Um, worth having a look. We'll put them in the, uh, the, the pictures. Guys, any, any thoughts on these? Have you seen these before? The serial premiums just look—they just look like um, the jigsaws. Yeah, that's, uh, well, as soon as he put those on, that's what I thought they were. I thought they were the jigsaw boxes. Mm. But um, the one with the the Luke and Darth fighting on it—I mean, that's kind of, kind of mad. It's a, it's a it's a nice image, and then at the bottom, you've got a kind of like a, a montage of lots of characters in the bottom. It's kind of a bit a bit strange, but uh, anyway, nice little bits of game crap. A couple of you let me down last month with your uh, submissions. Stu came to the table. Sai came to the table. But uh, Jez, very poor, and Rich, you weren't very enthusiastic. So let's start with Rich to see what you've got to show me in Gim Crackery. Yeah, well, I'm actually going to correct you on your pronunciation. It's Jim Cracker. <laughs> I don't think Gim so. Crack. I don't think so. Right. Um, my, my Jim Cracker Award item Jordan. is the Christmas in the Stars vinyl. Okay. <laughs> and you've got to look at the cover. Okay, of the Christmas in the Stars. It's just an absolute cracking piece. But what really, really topped it off for me was it was in immaculate condition and he got it for 50 cents. 
What? And the, and the person who bought it was James Arano on the R2-D2 Vintage Group. Okay, so Christmas and the Stars vinyl for 50 cents in immaculate condition. Is that not the <laughs> ideal uh, Jim Crack award? I'm still so confused by the fact that there's an, a vintage R2-D2 Facebook group. It's a one for every character. That's going to be annoying. But Rich, liking the, liking the price as well. And, uh, and and the name of the person again was? James Verano. And I went looking for it on eBay. And some comedian is asking £152 for a copy of that album. Yeah. What a tool. You can get it for about 50, 60 quid, but you don't see many of them. Well, somebody, I was having a look at sold listings and someone had been clearing out an archive and there was one still in its original uh, cellophane wrap that he'd put on Buy It Now and it sold for 14 odd pounds. Got it. You can always check Discogs as well. That's a pretty good place for mm. vinyl music. Right, Rich, I'm liking that. That's much better than last month. I love the enthusiasm. I love the price. I think Gim Crack under a 10 is always good. Jez, Jez, you were very poor last month. Very, very poor indeed. <laughs> So you better have something really sausagey this month. This is the big one. I think Jess needs to explain what this is. <laughs> this is on eBay a folk handmade Star Wars hook rug, C three PO rare one of a kind, three by two, eighties and seventies. Uh, price is immaterial. It does not matter. This is a one-of-a-kind piece of Gimcrack goodness. Made with love. Bright acrylic yarn on burlap, probably made in the 1980s. This Star Wars-themed rug measures 36 by 27 inches. Some minor wear and dirt consistent with age, easily cleaned from a non-smoking home. And uh, this is a beautiful rug with C-3PO. <laughs> um, they, they've actually given five pictures of this. It's a binary sunset with some clouds in the background. C-3PO is trying out some sort of new haircut. And it looks like he's got atropine poisoning. Um, he's holding a lightsaber. And um, that, that's enough about picture one. Picture two is more of the same. Picture three is just a close-up of the atropine poisoning. Um <laughs> And um, yes, the, it's just an amazing, amazing rug. Handmade gimcrack. Guys, I, I think that could be the winner. For the no, year. it doesn't count. <laughs> Why doesn't it count? Because it, it wasn't just randomly Googling an item. You had to find something that had been purchased and showcased where nobody's bought it. Let me, me just clarify. Let me just clarify the situation. As long as it has appeared this month, or has been yep. bought or shown. So it fits in the category, Rich, as long as it, it's been there. I don't want anyone going onto the yep. Stars Goes Archive and going, that looks good. This is, this is there, it's there at the moment. It's beautifully awful. I tried to search for eBay crap. <laughs> I, put, I put Star Wars rubbish, Star Wars game crap. Jess, Jess, Jess it's not rubbish. This is, this is not rubbish. This, this no, is no, pure... I'm just saying this is the effort I'm into. This is gold. Uh, and I found this. <laughs> And this is golden, and I'm not going to tell you the secret of how I found this on eBay. But I'm delighted with it, and I knew it would, I knew it would be a winner. And this is going to be the next Star Wars celebration in Rancho Obi Wan, guaranteed. You know what, Jez? I'm almost tempted to take that image and turn it to a T-shirt. I mean, you've got C-3PO holding a like prison-made shank, uh, and he's just staring at you. With the binary sunset in the background, with some cirrus clouds on the southern sun. 
Um, I, I think so. It's a wonderful piece. How can you look at that without laughing? <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares looking at that. <laughs> oh my word! It's just amazing. It, it looks like a Terence and Philip sort of version of C three PO. I'm not even convinced of C three PO. Isn't that not a guy with a beard? Could be a Tuscan. <laughs> oh, it's genius! It's impressive gim crack, and it's going to be hard to beat. But Sai, you were very close last month. I mean, very close. If Stu hadn't bribed me with a Princess Nisa care bag. But this month, come on, come on, can you beat that folk handmade Star Wars hook rug? I'm not sure anything can beat a folk handmade Star Wars hook rug. Uh, But what I'm bringing to the table is is from one extreme to the other, whereas last month Stu made certain unfair comments about the fact (laughs) I just chose the most expensive things I could find. Well, this time I found the cheapest thing that I could find, and it beats you 50 cents, I'm afraid. Uh, This was free. And it's Carl Dennis's. He's been sent by a, a caring individual a KB bag. It's not Star Wars. It's not Star Wars at all. It doesn't even have a Star Wars figure on it, let alone say Star Wars. It just says KB, America's Toy Store. But as anybody, any Tri Logo collector knows, an awful lot of the very best Tri Logos turn up with the KB price stickers on. Um, and it's just a, it's a wonderful thing to see. You can imagine some excited kid wandering out the store, clutching that handle, containing a dozen Tri-Logo figures for, for barely $10. It's just, it's it's fantastic. It's great to see it, and uh, I love it. Uh, and Carl's got a centrepiece of his, his display at the moment. So, yeah, that's it. I mean, plastic, I mean, plastic bags, I do worry about them. <laughs> because if you ever had a plastic bag up your, up your loft, you were Let's say it again. If you've had a plastic bag out your loft, it's been up there for like 10 years, it, there's not much left of it. So ah, it, no, Pete, I do Pete, worry. Pete. I do worry. I do worry about them. That, that's the recycled stuff. You, your Tesco's and your Sainsbury's from about 10 odd years ago started using the recyclable type plastics, the biodegradable ones, and yet those fall apart. You sneeze on those and they, they oh. blow apart. This is, this is bury it in the ground. It'll be there 2,000 years. Quality. I don't Thanks for that, Rich. But I, I do like it because I mean I went to KB Toys many, many years ago in the States and it was a really good quality toy shop with tons of, you know, cheap rubbish in it. It's brilliant to go around and buy I think I was buying Power Force two rubbish in there. But there we go. It was, it was I like it. I do like that. It does fit in the Gim Crack world. So I've got a bit of a choice. There's four very good entries, guys. Oh I would say um size fourth. So that's four. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're just bitter about the half point, aren't you? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good, but it's, it's a good entry. It's definitely a good entry. He's he's performed well, Sai. But yeah, he's not not a winner this month. I'm just looking at this rug. It's like it's like Zippy has done cosplay as C-3PO. <laughs> it's amazing. It's beautiful. That is that is some find, I've got to say. But uh, what about Rich? Where where would you put Rich's one? Uh, Rich's item is something that I would dearly love to own, but um, That's good call. Yeah, but I just think that that rug is just a real. <laughs> 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 You're never going to see another one or anything like it. 
Um, I wouldn't say this is the best skin crack of the year. No. I'm going to win everything. <laughs> Probably get a T-shirt or whatever. Whatever Jez is <laughs> currently writing. But um, I, I do think he, uh, he deserves it this month. I think so as well. Jez, well done. You are this month winner of the Gim Crackery Award. Well done, young sir. Jez in winner, shocker. <laughs> yeah, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. We can't have Jez winning. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, well done. You win. <laughs> yeah, the Alan Davis of the podcast has finally won. And now, the top five cheapest Landall Calrissian items on StarWarsTrucker.com that made me squeal as if my pigtails were being yanked by a naughty wackling. <laughs> And number five, your once, twice, three times a Landol Calrissian gift card Trilogo 70D, but sold for only £60 in December 2015. And number four, goodness knows how he spent so long without wearing a gorgeous cape of some sort. It's a mint and card Lando Skiff Kenner 658 for £12.95. Number three, he's smoother than a wet otter sliding down glass on a rainy day. It's another fully mint carded Lando ESB 48A for £28.93. Tip two. These teeth are made for shining, and that's just what they'll do. It's a mint on card ESP41B Lando for £10.50 in mid-2014. And in at one, they say women can't resist a man in uniform, but we can't resist this packaging free loops Lando General for £1.78 in August 2014. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. Williams fan, you probably were, were a bit startled about his latest movie role. He's not in a heavy, serious drama such as Brian's Song or Lady Sings the Blues, his fine movies of the past. He's now Lando, Carzillian, Carzillian, and, um, and it's a, he's a devilish sort of fellow, and The Empire Strikes Back, the new Star Wars movie. Propster auction. Now, I know some of you guys are watching this auction, and there were some utterly amazing things. But there were two things that caught my eye. I had no idea this was in the film, you know. It was a Lando puppet. So anyone can tell me exactly the moment it happens, because I went back and watched it and almost cried. I was going to say, I haven't watched the movie since I saw the auction, but surely it's the bit where he clips on, goes up through the light, and goes to rescue Luke. Yeah, it is. It's right at the end of that little section. So it's when he he's kind of spinning out when when it cuts to the outside section, and it's kind of annoyed me a bit that this thing is a puppet. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. You said that about Indiana Jones as well, didn't you? Yeah, I just I, it does. It just kind of gets, oh, really there was there was a need to have Lando spinning out of that thing, and then the last little tiny segment is literally it must be uh, you know, a second. It's a puppet, and you go back and watch it, and you go, oh my goodness, it is, it's true. And if you look at the puppet itself, I mean, it doesn't look brilliant. It looks okay, but, I mean, it's, it, it's basically made of papier-mâché um, over a kind of like a, a rubbery kind of frame. I just, guys, what do you think about this? I, I, I was quite shocked that this, this, this was, was in a film, and it doesn't look brilliant. But, yeah, it's in, you know, the best film ever. We were talking about plastic degradation earlier on and people being concerned about, you know, their plastic in spots. Guys, you've got nothing to worry about. Someone has just spent a fortune on a papier-mâché. Oh, no, it didn't sell, did it? No, no, it did. £25,000. Uh, £25,000 on a papier-mâché thing, which appears from the description to be falling apart at the seams. 
Yeah, it, it really is. It's like, don't breathe near it, don't do anything near it, don't, don't touch it. Um, how are we going to display this? Because, yeah, th- this is absolutely insane. I think we've talked about this before, about items from prop store auctions. I mean, someone like me is not going to buy an item for a prop, from a prop store auction and just stick it in my shelf. You know, you're going to have a room for this stuff because that is... That's got to be preserved properly. It can't just be whacked in a case and stuck on the shelf. It can't be. I mean, it is papier-mâché. Eventually, that will just decay and fall falls completely to pieces. You'll have to lock it in a <laughs> lock it in a room with airtight security. Um, it's, it's just oof, it's unbelievable. But twenty-five thousand pounds. I mean, that I assume that must make it the most expensive Lando Calrissian item. Because I don't know about you guys, but I'm tr- I'm struggling a little bit to think outside of action figures. Vintage Lando items. Yeah, the twelve-inch prototype doll. Yeah, good call, Rich. Good call. I'd like to see the Lando watch, which he communicates with Lobot. I reckon that could fetch a pretty penny if that ever came up for auction. Oh, good call. There is something I know of, which I'm sure Simon would love, but sadly he couldn't use it. Mm, hairbrush. <laughs> Lando comb. <There's> a, <laughs> nice. A, a Lando, a Return of Jedi Lando comb would be another little item. There's a Lando Sigma figurine. Is that the one with just the head sculpt, or is it? No, no, it's actually a figurine. It's um, as general pilot. I got the funny ESB centrepiece, Cloud City, with yeah, yeah. that's got an array of figures on it, and far right, just looking at it now, far right is Lando, looking cheesy and grinning, stood next to Boba Fett, but that's hardly a Lando item, is it? Do you remember the little micro-tins at ESB? His oh, yeah. on that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm good at this thing, and this is why I'm going to become the gim crack master as well. Lando Calrissian, Star Wars cologne. Oh. Yeah. fragrance! Star Wars Celebration Five convention exclusive. It's a cologne, and do you know what? It's got a cloak on it. Oh my word! This thing is looking so super fly. It really is. I mean, this is on Amazon. Seriously, you can buy this on Amazon for thirty nine ninety nine. Oh. Plus shipping. There's only eight left in stock. Order soon. Um, the <laughs> item does not ship to the United Kingdom. Oh, well, that's ruined it all. Wasn't there a um, a car? A car? A proper full-size car. Um, what was it called? Lando Rover. I think <laughs> no. that's... Very, very poor. They also had that cheese was named after him. Um, Laughing Cow Rizian. Um, can you set that up a little bit for us? Well, actually, all it is is it's just an introduction of uh, Lando Calrissian. These people come, uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia and uh, and uh, the Wookiee and uh, and uh, C- three CPO. Three CPO. Which leads me nicely on to the next item, which caught my attention. And again, something I didn't know until I saw it, which was uh, Millennium Falcon appeared in Blade Runner. And of course, we've got a new Blade Runner film at the moment. But um, if you see the picture. It's essentially um, a sort of the Millennium Falcon on its backside, sitting up, and it's kind of been made, sort of remade into a building, and that sits into the to the cityscape. Guys, did you you know about this before? Or was this completely new to you? Well, I just saw Blade Runner three weeks ago because I watched it as a kid and I wasn't impressed and I was bored. What? I watched I watched it again in my twenties and I wasn't impressed and I just thought, nah, it's still rubbish. <laughs> and I watched it three weeks ago and I thought. It's a good story, actually, now I think about it, and it's got a bit of 1984 about it. But I just, again, I wasn't impressed, and <laughs> it just didn't do anything for us. Anyone, anyone more positive on the item <laughs> that we're talking oh, about, rather, Blade But I didn't see the Falcon. Okay. I didn't, I didn't see it. 
Jez, you've not seen Blade Runner. <laughs> no, I've not seen Blade Runner. What is wrong with you people? Well, um, was it was it fifteen or something like that when it came out? Jez, you, you don't know. It's been you can get things on DVD these days. Yeah, but I just I'm a Star Wars fan, and that's just you know Star Wars for life. And, and you know, <laughs> so you only watch Star Wars. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Yeah, no um, other cultural. But, yeah, yeah, but, um, but episode in your brain. It's just always seemed a bit sort of meh, boring <laughs> to me. No, I, it's just very, very dark. I, I, I intend to watch it. I must watch it because I want to go and watch it. So a lot of the lads are saying we need to go and watch this new Blade Runner movie. So I guess I really need to watch the old one. I'll, I'll get there. I will. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I feel a little bit like Richard. Yeah, you're very, very negative here. Yeah, although I've got to say, I, I agree, as a kid, when I watched it, I was like, oh, it's all a little bit meh. But teenager, 20s, absolutely loved it. Just that gritty, grimy, depressing, dystopian feel about it. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Really uh, I've never seen the Falcon in it. No. Never. Oh. I've gone looking for it, couldn't find the damn thing. Yeah, which which surprised me because it was just like it, it, you know this is the um, actual mod, you know, again another piece from the actual film with a Star Wars twist. I mean, if you look at the the development side of it, I mean it is it's incredible. But when you see and look at the film and try and find it, which I went back and had a look, I couldn't see it anywhere. I mean, apparently it, it features in several scenes and you know its background and people have pointed out. But viewing pleasure, but I I do think it's, it's a beautiful model actually. I don't know if you actually see it in the model itself. It, it is. I mean, that is a beautiful piece. Um, if you're you know. A very very serious Millennium Falcon collector. That would be something that was great. But again, didn't sell. Um, maybe it's because it was it wasn't a prominent feature in the film. Maybe I don't know if it, you, know, you guys have got any other kind of theory why it didn't sell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because come right, on, you're a Blade Runner fan, so you want something which sums up Blade Runner. A bit of costume, weaponry, Star Wars fan, a film fan. You want something which you think, bam, that's to do with that movie. Not that's a tenuous link to another movie. It's not quite the same as what should be in that movie but it's just something else tenuously linked into there it it, it just doesn't work Jess, for me at all Jess, I'll just, re- I, let me stop you there let me give you some information about Blade Runner there's a lad called Harrison Ford who was the main actor in Blade Runner what other film did mm-hmm. he appear in with a ship called the Millennium Falcon yeah no, no I get that but exactly. it's not integral to the story no no no, no but it's, it's not like it's Indiana novel. Jones's whip it's not like anything, you know, and I, and I look at other things and I'm like, right, they wanted ten to £15,000. And I guess a lot of people, when they buy stuff, is because they think, oh, yeah, that's, to me, I love that film and this sums up the film to me or this is a really, really key focal point or from a creator's point of view, it's like, oh, yeah, this, this sums this up. And you would look at that and think, it kind of looks like a falcon, but it's not a falcon. It just, it's just too much effort to have to go into describing what it is. And it's like, oh. All right, meh. Well, for the same money, you know, they were saying, oh, between ten and 15000 So there would have been a big old reserve on that. And for what you could get for that money, Data's jacket from the Goonies, 15000 Now, when we all watched that in 1985 or whenever it was, I wanted to be Data. I thought, that kid has got all the ideas. He's got the initiative. That kid is going places. All right, some of his, some of his ideas don't work. You know, he gets a punch in the face from his own self-made punching boxing glove thing. But it's Data's jacket. That is Goonies. We don't want to dwell completely on his items, but there were some staggeringly beautiful pieces in that auction. 
Um, I think my favourite things, if I had you know, all the money in the world, I could just buy anything, I would have buy the thing that really got to me when I was, as a kid, which were the uh, Back to the Future Mag Nike shoes, which are the ones that actually self-tightened and uh, could do a variety oh, yeah. of things. When I saw it, I thought, oh my goodness, how cool would that be? It was just something that looked like it could happen. What's the one thing you would have bought if you had all the money in the world? Sai, come on, let's start with you. Venkman Ghostbusters uh, outfit. Hi. Yeah. Just, I mean, Ghostbusters for me, I can still remember. I remember very few films in their entirety from from being a kid, but I remember going to see it, uh, Ghostbusters Banger Banger Theatre, and it just, ah, amazing. Absolutely amazing. And Bill Murray is just a genius. So, yeah, definitely Venkman's Ghostbusters costume. There's so many things. Venkman's costume. You had two Ghostbusters, one and two. You could have had them both sides. There was loads. I've got ones for the small budget, but I think a cool one for me would be Pete Mitchell, a.k.a. Maverick's flight suit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that looks pretty cool because, you know, who didn't think, look at that and think, oh, yeah, I want to be a flyboy one day. And, uh, yeah. £37,500. Jez, that's nothing. You could have got that. Rich, I I pretty much know what you're going to say, but just say it anyway. What's the item you're going to, you would have had from that auction? The Starbug miniature from Red Wolf. You know, there are four or five franchises that are right up there for me, and Red Wolf's one of them. And I would love to have won that Starbug. It would just sit nicely on a shelf. I know you said that most items wouldn't sit on the shelf, but the Starbug miniature would. I would have taken Trinity's jacket if Trinity was in it. <laughs> right, now I want to welcome back Jason West for this month's Rapid Fire. Are you ready, Jace? Yes, I am. Your favourite Star Wars movie? Has to be New Hope. Has to be. Your favourite Star Wars scene? Empire Strikes Back when Darth Vader tells Luke Skywalker that he is his father. Your favourite on-screen character? No, I focus on Jawas. Uh, my favorite on-screen character, uh, Luke Skywalker. Uh, your favorite lightsaber duel? Though it's modern, I actually uh, the Phantom Menace between Darth Maul, uh, Qui Gon Jinn, and uh, Obi Wan. I think that is actually that's my favorite one because you have the double-sided lightsaber. It's two against one, where the vintage movies had one against one. It, get, it gets chosen more times than what you'd probably think as well. Which cast or crew member would you most like to meet? I've actually been fortunate to meet a number of them. Uh, however, I think James Old Jones, even though he was the voice actor for Darth Vader, I think James Old Jones would be a phenomenal to, uh, person to meet. Your favorite on-screen costume? Tuscan Vader. Your favorite figure as a child? Jawa. And your favorite figure now? That's it, Jawa, yes. Which figure do you wish they'd made in the vintage line? I think Tarkin. I think Tarkin would have been really cool to me uh, if they made him. What is your favourite figure accessory? Lightsaber. What is your favourite playset? Droid Factory. What prop item would you most like to own? The uh, model for the sand crawler. What is your biggest collecting regret? I really wouldn't say the word regret. You know, it's, I guess it's commonly used. Not buying a my very first first shot back in 2004, I believe, for $800, which is extremely cheap and moderate in, uh, in these uh, present uh, market. What was the last vintage item you purchased? The last vintage item I purchased was actually, uh, it's from Japan. I, I believe the correct pronunciation is 
Gomo or Gumo. Uh, they were erasers uh, sold in, I believe, vending machines back in Japan from the late 70s. And finally, what is your holy grail item? I've actually been fortunate enough to own some really, really unbelievable pieces, but the unproduced Empire Strikes Back uh, 12-inch or 8-inch uh, box flat, that is something I would absolutely love to own. Lovely. Well, Jason West, thank you so much. for a great answer in there. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're welcome. You're welcome. Nice. Right then, boys, on to our question for the month. Come away from the toys for the first time in quite a while and back to a a relatively new question we're asking. What is your favourite on-screen costume? Aside, that is from the original trilogy because we are vintage, not... (laughs) I don't want a Kadoo outfit. A what? Kadoo. And, Pete, as you're talking, what is your favourite on-screen costume? It's going to be the bikini. What what a silly question to ask. What a... (laughs) ridiculously <laughs> shock me shock me ask me of that and associate obviously it's a wampa costume <laughs> that's not a costume though is it oh you know yes for some for some bizarre reason i i find adam Akbar's whole ensemble really nice yeah it's a good shout pete i like that i think you won my um this question last month oh and that's that's a great starting point there yeah I like that. It, is, it, it is nice you are a man of taste, Pete. Yeah, well done, nice. Pete. Well, let, let, let's go over to Rich, because he'll probably rather you the most for the top spot. Okay. Well, when you talk about costumes, you've got to you've got to look at Imperial. You can't look anywhere else. Uh, I've looked at all the Imperial costumes, and there's a toss-up between the at Driver and the TIE Fighter Pilot, and I'm going to go with the at Driver just for the, the colour. I think uh, it's a fantastic costume. Genius idea. Brilliant. I like that one as well, Rich. You've done well. That That is blind and rich. done yeah. well. Like I said... You two are probably going to battle it out for the top places because I know who's to come. Let's go with uh, <laughs> let's go with Cy. Oh, right. I think Rich has chosen a brilliant one. What I would say though is you never really see the attack driver stood up, and if it's anything like the rest of the Tie Fighter pilot outfit, it's just a little bit dull. It's all about the helmet and the chest plate there. So yeah, I totally agree, Rich. You've got to go Imperial, but I, I'm slightly at a loss why no one has picked the most obvious one, which is clearly the coolest uniform form ever which is the imperial stormtrooper it's, mm-hmm. it's it is it's just it's just so cool jez has put me off the imperial stormtrooper for life interesting interesting we'll, we'll see oh, we yes. come in a minute si jez <laughs> how, yes. how do you think you're what are you going with this month yak face yak face <laughs> yeah he had a costume right, if you, no seriously if you look at it now you'll go do you know what once again you're right because he's got this whole gap thing going on, the gap high street thing. He's got it layered. So he's got the long sleeve top over the short sleeve top. It, it's the whole jeans and sort of creamy thing going on. And don't forget, Yank faces muff, what he's got around his neck. I'm looking at it now. He's got a whole thing going on. He's got the boots. Boots are always in. He's got the jeans. He's got the sort of double denim thing with a white top on the top. And then the muff. Yak face, he's just there. He doesn't need a great deal of screen time. This guy was on it for like what two seconds, and he's one of the most expensive figures out there. It's quality. It's awesome. Just going to go into the points for this one. Let's let's start with Jez. I don't know where I'm going to position him yet. I'm just having a think. Um, I just want to go through your last three rapid fire questions, Jez. So we've got um, 
RM Glee, Hair Salon, <laughs> and now Yak Face. Um, yep. Jez, I'm going to award you fourth place this month. You get a point. You're kidding me. <laughs> it's good, though, Jez, because you've now got two points because you got a solid point last year as month as well. Hang on a second. I'm thinking about these answers. I'm actually giving you something, whereas Simon's like, oh, no. Oh, oh God, he's come to me third. I haven't had enough time to think. Um, and going for something obvious. Whereas, I, you know, I came up with the whole Gap High Street thing, going on with Yak Face. I, you know, um, maybe I'm just on a different level to you. With Cy, great helmet. I never quite understood I why he had a skirt on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm giving Cy two points. <gasps> Pete and Rich, they, they came top two last, last month. Rich coming up second and uh, Pete with his four set Princess Leia adventure whatever it was mm, Akbar. I'm going to have to give the four points this month to Rich for that driver and Pete so yeah Rich and Pete are now tied on seven points Cy four and Jez really in it there with two <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just weird. well is what it is, what it is. I, what I'm it sorry, is. I, I don't believe you, you completely ignored the fact that the Imperial Snow, uh, Stormtrooper has got snow boots on. You just ignored those snow boots. I mean, those are built for comfort. He was the comfiest guy in the Imperial Army. Yeah, I'm off oh, true slippers. I forgot the slippers. But, slippers. Uh, Stu, do you think that Jez's answer of Yakvius was as bad as Sean's answer in the last episode? <laughs> of a man a man. A man a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because he's naked, isn't he? Thinking <laughs> 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 about him. I'm just going to give up. I, I don't get it. I, I genuinely don't get it. You've got that is it's very cool clear. Looking, answer, it's, yeah. it's, it's a layered costume that is very much Gab. It's very much High Street. It's timeless. It's very much gap, very much ice. I thought you had given up. Jess, do you know what? You focus collect. You focus collect of a character that wears an amazing outfit. And if you'd gone with that, Jess, if you'd gone with that, you would have got a single point. I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) I don't believe that for a second. Uh, right well i think there's something going on here and i think for the rest of the year i will always come last in this section i think i bet you a hundred pounds you don't oh it's more more difficult better better a drink because i've never seen either years buy one (laughs) (laughs) coming for the tightest man in it i was just saying saying rich is tight but when he walks he squeaks (laughs) Right, let's go on to feedback for episode 40, although Ooh. launch was only about 10 days ago, not even that, I don't think. So, Rich, have we had much? As you said this, Jim, when you launched our previous episode 10 days ago, so we haven't got a great amount of feedback yet, but Jez pointed us over to iTunes, and there were three iTunes reviews that I wasn't aware of, so thanks very much to Daily 542 Shazad01, and Matt Body, who all pretty much commented on roughly the same thing, saying it was a funny show, obviously those are my moments, well produced, that was probably a bit more collective, informative, and yeah. I'm now starting to wonder which show the talk about here but i like the way that they said it's like having a chat with mates down the pub okay i'll explain to you edges what that means so <laughs> it's interesting Funny. it's interesting that one of them said poor richie also t- always takes the the flack but i've just got to keep reiterating guys as we get closer to father's form and actually meet them you tend to find that the show before father's form it's all 
oh, Rich, he has 20 points at the quiz. Yeah, Han Solo's the right answer. It's all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's when you move, it's when you do after Father's form, and I'm not going to see him for three months. You, you tend to find that's when the attitudes come. And Is I, that what I, happened I, in Blockbusters? And, and I think what happens <laughs> definitely with Stu, I think. I think Stu makes a quip. Right, and then he, I'm, I'm convinced he pats himself on the back as he's recording. And goes, nice one, Stu. Nice one. <laughs> Moving on to source form, okay. So lots of great feedback on there, Matt Falk. Thanks very much for your feedback. I was really concerned with the AJ interview because when I was looking at ideas for the for the stories, I was like, well, these Leah blasters are everywhere. They're on Facebook. They're on the forums. Everybody knows enough about them. I can't get AJ on and just rehash old stuff. But we've had a lot of feedback on that, and some people ha- weren't even aware, which shows that. I think it's really important that even though we think it's covered everywhere, there are still large areas of uh, collecting that don't visit forums or don't visit Facebook groups, and we're tying a lot of these things together. So we will have Aussie James on uh, one of the main interviews at some point. Is is he our first Australian guest, Joe? He probably will be, yeah. (laughs) He probably will be (laughs) by the time he's on the fourth time. So yeah, uh, it was a great interview with um, Aussie James, and uh, I'm really, really glad it was well received. Matt also said he's a little bit disheartened that Stu collects Game of Thrones. He thinks they're a little bit of a traitor there, Stu, and he's asked, do you have a four-inch little finger? I've got an eight-inch little finger. Have you? Yeah, probably taller than you, is it? Carl Dennis... He's on fire, isn't he? Carl <laughs> Dennis loved Jez's string story. He thought it was absolutely brilliant. And he, he told... <laughs> well, come on, it, it, it's a Jez story. He's got to get some feedback. And, it's all uh, relative. It is, it's all relative. And uh, he, he, he told us that he actually cut the legs off his Baker Scout figures as a kid. I couldn't even dream of doing that. My mother would have brayed living daylights out of me if I had cut one of my figures. Didn't he say he'd cut the legs off the speeder bike? So it looked like the speeder bike on the telly. Oh, the I, thought, yeah, I thought he said he cut the, the, the legs off the figures. Okay, you might be right. Check up. Yeah, yeah, I might be wrong, but we'll check up with that one. Jason Langdon-Dorfer often posts some fantastic things on our uh, feed. And he put those uh, photographs again of when he went to the Redwood Forest. Um, and he held his Kenna speeder bike with his Endor looking layer on there. Absolutely fantastic that to find the tree that's fallen over in the same spot with the speeder bike. That's absolutely brilliant, Jason. That's a fantastic shot, and uh, I'd love to get there one day. Ian and many others found Sean's nostalgia trip interview fascinating. We had a couple of people who contacted us and said, "Yeah, it was a great interview. That's you know completely different from what we had in the past. May not have learned anything new, but the nostalgia trip was really, really good. And I think it's important to balance some of the interviews out. So I'm really, really glad that that was so well appreciated." Good to shake up our interviews a little bit. Andy Preston contacted us yesterday. He suggested the Tantiv interior as a great playset, and I think that's a great shout. That that is also another one that I think would have been um, you know quite good, perhaps because of the Rebel Troopers. It'd be a bit unfair if you've got Darth Vader and the Stormtroopers walking around the playset, chasing C-3PO and R2-D2. It would be a bit boring, but uh, yeah, great idea for playset. Thanks for the kind words on Grant's departure as well, Andy, and for welcoming Sai and Pete back to the fold, who he said that Pete was Pete was missed. Oh. It took it, it took us a while to realise who he was talking about, but then we remembered. So, uh, never mind. Thanks, Andy. Over on Tantive, once again, Commander Clint and the Tantive guys, great shout-outs. Links are in part of the internet. I urge everybody to go over to Tantive and check out the fantastic stuff that's going on there. Pete's got his gimcrack area on there now for people to upload images on there as well, so great. Over on Facebook, James Woolley, who has pop-up R2 as a focus, uh, he found the falling out of love um, discussion a bit fascinating, and he says, you know, with his focus area, it's a little bit difficult to acquire pieces, but he obviously, you know, went down the oddball deviation route, he thinks it's a fantastic area, in my best private voice, hi there, there are treasures to be found, so keep your passions going, so thanks very much, James, brilliant. 
And uh, Stu, if anybody has any feedback for us on this episode, how can they get in contact with us? Yeah, they can contact us on Facebook by searching The Vintage Rebellion, uh, by email on show at vintagerebellion.co.uk, on Instagram again by searching Vintage Rebellion, and on Twitter at SWTVR Podcast. If you want to go back and listen to any of our shows, as usual, they're all still on iTunes, or you can listen directly at SWTVRPodcast.podbean.com. And big thank yous to this month's guests, Jason West, James Gallo, Chris Gugulius, Commander Clint. Uh, we really do appreciate everyone. But it is for this month. Until next, goodbye from Rich. If you're falling out of love with a hobby, guys, just think it could be worse. You could be another collector called Cy. <laughs> goodbye from Cy. Bye, guys. Awesome. Goodbye from Jezebel. <laughs> See you later, guys. Thanks for bearing with us. <laughs> goodbye from Pete. It's a BB unit with a selenium drive and a thermal hyperscan vindicator. And it is. Good night from me. And remember... Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney... Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Are you, you've got James Gallo on, haven't you, Rich? Before I do the thank yous? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank yous this month to Jason West, James Gallo, Todd Osborne, John Paul Ragusa, Ian Cowley and Mark baker for taking their time to join us on the show but it is but it is for this month mm. sorry jez yeah okay one sec yeah sorry dude we might have chris g on still sort of waiting he's having a think and looking at a few bits and pieces so might have him on. i mean i can thank him but it's probably best just to say it and then if we don't need yeah, it just it? delete it yeah it's easier to delete like that okay one sec right thank you to this month's guests jason west james gallo Chris Jagulius, Todd Osborne, John Paul Ragusa, Ian Cowley and Mark Baker. It is much appreciated. Everyone taking their time to join us. So for this month, until next. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Commander Clint has just sent me a message tonight and said, yeah, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> What's his surname? Clint Dempsey. Dempsey. Sorry, that's the last one. Last What's one, his surname? Just say Commander Clint from Tantu. Okay. I only know him as Clint and Tanya. I'd put oh, him in the middle, I, you see, because they're I've, easy I've to delete. I've got Skype for two seconds. Uh, Clint. Is it Flint? Clint Flint? No. <laughs> no I've, I've already got him as Clint and Tanya, even in his Facebook name. Clint and Tanya? Yeah. Okay. Right. He's not, he's not called Clint and Tanya, his wife's called Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> Jez, you're not going to write another one, are you? <laughs> Right, it is a massive thank you to all our guests this month. Jason West, James Gallo, Chris Jagulius, Clint and... <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, there it goes. <laughs> Why are you He's laughing? Off. He's off. He's lost it. It's gone. It. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Can't be that funny. I'm sure that's Cornus. It's not Clint Cornus. Oh, it is Clint Cornus. No, that's um, Chris. That's Chris, Chris Cornus. No, I'm not thinking of Chris. You're Gornis. <laughs> it's Cornus. And it's G E. Clint and Garnish. Garnish. Small sprig of parsley or something. No. Do you know what? I've got him as a friend on Facebook. One second. He can't have. He's not got a Facebook account. Yeah, just Clinton? delay this a bit longer. I'm sure it's Garnish. Oh no, it's Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, he's a different guy. Same bloke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Massive thank yous to our guest this month, Jason West, James Gallo. Chris Jagulius, Commander Clint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this could be a long one. <laughs> I think he's have dropped. <laughs> he just keeps on peeking at that hook rug. That's oh, it is. It's that 3PO's face. Oh. Just in case this is the outro, for those who are wondering what he's laughing at, it's because Jess has typed thank you, mum, in text chat. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just It's just late. <laughs> you've upset him now, Jess. I think, he's actually, I think he's crying. You've, you've hurt him, yeah, Jess. You've hurt him. <clears throat> you know what he's crying about? Sorry. Because you mentioned buying a paint before. Sorry about the Mondays. <laughs> right this time and I'm so sorry boys <laughs> my voice has gone funny now right <clears throat> and big thank yous to our guests this month Jason West James Gatlow <laughs> right I'm sorry I can't do it You've heard him, Jez. It's more Rich. painful than Duckgate. Rich, Rich, tell us a joke. <clears throat> and big thank yous to our guests this month. Jason West, James Gallo, Chris Jagulius, Commander Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> you keep on thinking about Commander Clint, don't you? That's what's setting you off. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Squeaking. He's squeaking. Oh, Stuart, stop. Oh, Stuart, stop. stop. I know. Stuart, stop. Could that be any more camp? Oh, Stuart, stop. Stop it, big Stuart. Stop it, Stuart. We're stopping any in a minute. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and thank you to this month's guest, Jason. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Let's do a one at a time and leave a gap and then you can take the gap. Yeah. Oh. No, it always sounds strange when it's different recording, right? No, <clears throat> right. Everyone, shush.